ancient land of China, schools and the martial arts were a way of life, but none were as lethal as the one we are about to reveal. Five deadly venoms. A secret society, each man unknown to the other, identified only by a mask, representing one of nature's deadly assassins, the centipede, the snake, the scorpion, the lizard, and the toad. Five deadly venoms, five masters in the martial arts, each man pitted against the other in savage combat, and each trained in their own vicious method of killing. They practiced a special kind of kung fu, killing by instinct, with machine-like precision, lightning speed, and ruthless power, as ferocious and deadly as the venomous creatures from which it took its name, and whose stings were always fatal. Kill or be killed. Five deadly venoms. No mercy asked, none given, in a kung fu epic as brutal as nature itself. Five deadly venoms, survival of the fittest and kung fu action at its very best in the most spectacular martial arts program of the year. Five deadly venoms, five stinging ways to die. Pick your poison, you'll be stung to your seats. Don't miss Five Deadly Venoms, a Shaw Brothers presentation. Theirs was a mission of certain death. Outnumbered and unarmed, they must get to the tyrant that enslaves their people. No weapon, no matter how lethal, can match their kung fu. Alexander Fusheng stars as the young martial arts expert pitted against a murderous warlord with a deadly kung fu skill. They live to fight and fight to live in a whirlwind of kung fu action. Four men sworn to battle to the death against these lawless legions of the damned. The Four Assassins.
five men of destiny await the ultimate challenge. Death and destruction were the Manchu order. They murdered their way to victory. Nothing could stop them until they met the five masters of death. Five new men of destiny. Five new deadly ministers of kung fu justice. Five new kung fu killing techniques. The whipping triple jointed stick, an avenging reaper of justice. The piercing pole, driving its way to victory. The deadly tiger stork, no one escapes. The crushing crossed fists, pounding up revenge on Manchu murderers. See the five kung fu masters of death defeat the Manchu warlords. See the five masters of death. When you're the best, you do things with style. J.J. McQuaid is the best. He's a lone wolf lawman in the Lone Star State. Even a wolf has his weaknesses. And a powerful enemy. The final showdown belongs to McQuaid. Lone Wolf McQuaid, starring Chuck Norris, David Carradine, Barbara Carrera, and Leah and Isaac Kennedy. Or forgive them, because they killed his wife, they raped his daughter. And they deserve to die. So he's doing it again. His way. Charles Bronson. He's the best there is at getting even. Goodbye. Death Wish 2. Rated R. Now playing at the Sacramento Drive-In, Dome 24, Birdcage Walk, and the State in Woodland. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in Super 3D. The all-new process that puts you in the picture. Whether you want to be there or not. It will scare you. Count on it. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in Super 3D. Rated R. Now playing in Sacramento. Check newspapers for theaters and showtime. This is the movie that Rex Reed called the most horrifying motion picture I have ever seen. This film is positively ruthless in its attempt to drive you right out of your mind. Sally, I hear something. Stop! Stop! The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. From New Line Cinema. Rated R. There are killers on the loose, dressed like cops, and they always use a magnet. There's only one cop around who can crack this case. They call him Dirty Harry. In 24 hours, Harry stops a robbery, covers a stakeout, and prevents a hijacking. Clint Eastwood is back, and this time his world is dirtier than ever. 
Magnum Force, rated R. Opening Christmas Day at selected theaters around the country. theaters.
知道你还是会喜欢我的。Pleasure doing business with you. I 本来想推薦你上去，但你上頭唔批准。點解？呢個人你應該好熟嘅。我聽日要走。後日去台灣嗰單嘢，咪帶埋阿成咯，俾個機會啲後生仔啊嘛。
一朝做贼，想做好人不容易。我已经冇咗个细佬，我唔想连你呢个朋友都冇埋。阿杰，唔再叫我做阿杰，叫阿 Sir。而家大把世界，有好多旧客要靠豪哥你拉翻嚟噶。我哥系产值唔系我啊！呢度已经唔系我同你嘅世界。你一喐手啊，即刻转翻转头No hope, no chance, no possibility of escape. Delta Force gets the word. It's a go. Take them down. They're not after adventure or glory. They're fighting to save American lives. You take one of us, you gotta take us all. Chuck Norris, Lee Marvin, the Delta Force, rated R, starts Friday, February 14th at theaters everywhere. Chuck Norris returns in Missing in Action 2, the beginning. American MIAs imprisoned and tortured. He's a soldier they couldn't hold. None of you have ever escaped, and none of you will. We're going in. He's breaking out, leading his men, and fighting back. An American hero story continues. Chuck Norris, Missing in Action 2, the beginning. Opens Friday, March 1st at a theater near you. Death Wish 3. First, they took the streets. Then, they took it all. But their next target may be their last victim. Charles Bronson, where there is no justice, there can only be vengeance. Charles Bronson, Death Wish 3. Now playing. Consult your listings. 
outrageously exhilarating, guaranteed to tingle the most jaded moviegoer's palate. A film concocted with nitroglycerin, the combined energy of the Road Warrior, Robocop, and the Terminator. Killer is great cinema. The Killer, a thriller comedy that will leave you breathless. Of Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop 2 comes a movie that will leave you breathless. Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken in a Tony Scott film that critics are calling a Bonnie and Clyde for the 90s. True Romance. Rated R starts Friday, September 10th at a theater near you. Follow my instructions and we all walk away clean. Domino, you're with me on the side. Shepard, you cover the rear. Are you walking down? All we want is the money. This is an inside job. Ten million in cash. Let's go home right now. I've seen you two. We're celebrity hostages. Dogs. Before Pulp Fiction. The original Men in Black shook the world of action cinema in the original A Better Tomorrow. Proudly presents the explosive bullet-ridden sequel, A Better Tomorrow 2. Hong Kong action mavericks John Woo and Troy Hark take the heroic bloodshed genre to the next level and beyond in a violent symphony of destruction that is often imitated but never better. Chow Fat, Leslie Chung, and T Long. A better tomorrow, too.
He practiced the lizard style. Chameleon. The lizard is a very agile and nimble style. It enables a man to climb like a lizard. David Rockefeller's money couldn't save him, though. Despite all of the hard work he did for Satan, yo. But he's behind the latest accusations. If you disagree, then you must be a Russian agent. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bunch of gobbledygook. People peddling that has got to be spooked. There's not an angle I couldn't possibly juice. And if it's coming out of my mouth, it's got to be truth. Let's keep it all cerebral. If I run for mayor, I won't be mayor. I leave it to the people. Consider this a shot across the bow. The sheeple are awake and we gon' shake them up now. Make them well aware you are extreme liars. You create smoke, then you're like a screen fire. Like we can't see who living. It shows like a Saturday Night Live skit. Okay, I get it. None of these pedal projectors ever wanna speak. Even though I come and visit them like once a week. Not a single thing I say is tongue in cheek. The NYPD just sprung a leak. Not one of these pedal protectors, they wanna speak. Even though I come and visit them like once a week. Not a single thing I say is tongue in cheek. The NYPD just sprung a leak. Bastard. You did it again. You a real hard bastard. When will it end? I must say, bastard. You did it again. You a real hard bastard. Now tell me, when will it end?
All right, welcome to the show. I am the Hard Bastard, and we're going to start out with, uh, it's not surprising, uh, we, we figured there was going to be a ridiculous over-the-top verdict against Rudy Giuliani when it came to uh, election workers that they claim he defamed, which he did not. Um, Ruby Freeman and Shea Moff, uh, Moss were two people the Biden regime used to, uh, uh, many, I mean, they, they have many like this, but the ones that were caught on camera um, blatantly resubmitting ballots in the machines and counting when they were not supposed to after they sent home the observers. Um, anyway, they were given an award by the Biden regime, so they wanted to make sure they protect their criminals. And they're trying to make it where you can't criticize any of the people that they use to help them steal elections. A Washington, D.C. jury ordered Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani to pay nearly $150 million in damages to two Georgia election workers. The federal eight-person jury reached the verdict on Friday afternoon after Judge Beryl Howell uh, had already ruled that Giuliani defamed Ruby Freeman. Similar tactics um, won't let him submit evidence and uh, then just you just rule against him and he can't really put on much of a defense, similar to Alex Jones, similar to Donald Trump. Uh, CNN reported that even Judge Howe appeared to be taken aback by the high figure. Howe's a lunatic. Howe is a fucking lunatic. So the idea that you have any sort of legitimate process here is preposterous. Uh, Howe is illegitimate. The, uh, the jury is illegitimate. This is all completely illegitimate. This is lawfare against political opponents. Um, they're not just rounding up Trump supporters criminally, but they are also going after certain Trump supporters civilly to try to destroy uh, their finances so they stop criticizing the regime and point out in this instance, at least, uh, how they cheat in elections. Outside the courtroom, Giuliani said, I don't regret a damn thing. And he called the ruling absurd. It is absurd. Uh, legal analyst Eli Hanning said he thought the high figure was intended to send a message uh, to Rudy Giuliani and the general public. Uh, he says, I think that's exactly what the jury did here. When we think about the inequities in this case, when we think about an extraordinarily powerful, remorseless liar like Rudy Giuliani, compared to these women or civil servants, they never signed up for this. Well, they shouldn't cheat then. If you didn't sign up for public ridicule, then don't fucking cheat, bitch. How about that? How about be a normal person and follow the law or else? How about that? I think we should go with that. Anyway, their lives were turned over. And I think that's why you see such a high number here from the jury. Again, it's, it's total bullshit. Um, Freeman and Moss both praised the ruling outside the courtroom. Uh, and they said, and I quote, ooga booga, booga booga boo, unquote. Uh, and that's basically it. That's the story. So, uh, yeah, ridiculous, uh, not unexpected. Now, Turley, Jonathan Turley, he's like he's a decent legal guy. A little bit blue-pilled, but, but he seems fair, okay? He was basically saying that um, it's unlikely this stands, it's, uh, the, the amount is unconstitutional, and it is highly likely it's going to be a lower amount. Now, the amount should be zero, of course, um, but th this is a lot of this shit, and already, um, fucking um, New York Times, I think, yeah, New York Times came out with an article and they were like, you know, uh, this whole thing with, uh, who's the AIDS judge, Angeron? You know, this whole thing with Angeron. You know, he might not actually have the authority to do a lot of this shit. Oh, really? So, I said this before. A lot of this shit is, it's possible. I'm not going to say likely, but it's possible it gets undone 
by other judges because it's so incoherent, it's so illegitimate. Um, we're going to see if our system holds, but it. But I don't think the Democrats care about that. It's a tactic of doing it uh, uh, and then uh, forcing people to stop you. This is the same tactic they used with like the um, the rent moratorium. It's completely unconstitutional. They knew that. They even said it publicly, and they did it anyway. Um, and so this is a similar thing, just so they can get what they're hoping is a conviction before the election. They think that's going to change everything for them. And then when that doesn't work, um, we're going to see what do they truly do? How many innocent people are they going to continue to hurt and destroy uh, before they take their loss and say, all right, actually, people, enough people voted for Trump, we'll concede. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think it's in them. Commies never concede. That's why I think Penichet threw them out of helicopters. But uh, I could be wrong about that. I'm not saying I'm right about that. But that's the impression that I get. But anyway, we'll see. Okay, let's talk about this is just uh, this is un, this is classic. And I can't wait so far there hasn't been, you know, like you have like your homosexual outlets, of course uh, they are almost all are homosexual outlets, but like the explicitly homosexual outlets like LGBTQ nation, they're defending the the sodomites uh, but I, I haven't seen like the media narrative form yet because I can't imagine that they're going to condemn these homosexuals because in society, you're not allowed to condemn homosexuals for anything. Even when they fuck kids, you're not allowed to say anything. So what we have here are two... By the way, I'm not making any of this up. This is real. This is not, this is not, a, this is not from, you know, The Onion or... or this, is, this actually happened. Two rabid homosexuals fucked each other in the ass on the floor of the Senate when everyone was gone. Okay, you like that one? You like that? Okay. Senate Democrat staffer caught filming gay sex tape in the judiciary hearing room. Explicit leaked video appears to show a man alleged to be a Senate Democrat staffer filming a sex video inside the Senate judiciary room. A Daily Caller obtained and released the recording of the alleged staffer having anal sex with another man who is not identified. The alleged staffer can be seen in a photo, naked on all fours, looking back at the camera on the table where senators often sit to ask questions during a hearing. It appears to be unprotected sex. A source identified the room as uh, Senate Room Heart 216, the Judiciary Room. The caller blurted out his face, blurred out his face because his identity has not been confirmed. The caller reports the video was posted in a private chat room for gay men in politics. Um, some of you are probably aware they do this all the time. This happens all over DC. Okay, so like you just got caught. But they, they do this in all sorts of places, the Washington, wherever the fuck, okay? These sodomites fuck each other in the ass all over the place. We have rabid, out-of-control homosexuality. And I said this the other day, and I forget what story it was. Pick your rabid homosexuality LGBT story of the day. There's always new ones every day. But I said this the other day. We, I am calling for a complete shutdown of the LGBT movement until we can figure out what the hell is going on. Uh, the Daily Caller reviewed the chat where the video leaked and confirmed it was shared in a private group for gay men in politics. The video shows the alleged step, which is like all of them, okay, like 98% like of them. 
the video shows the alleged staffer naked on all fours on top of a table where U.S. senators sit during hearings. The Spectator report that the senator worked for Democrat Senator Ben Cardin and that his Twitter account was compromised or comprised almost solely of him in flagrant homosexual faggot shit. Uh, the Im I'm, I'm editorializing a little bit. The images and videos are explicit and conspicuously and deliberately contain the staffer's face. Because homosexuals can get away with anything right now. And so he knows. What are you going to do? If, if anyone says, is it a good idea for a staffer to be, you know, taking cum shots to the face on Twitter? Is that... Uh, and they'll say, what are you, a bigot? What are you, a bigot? What are you, a homophobe? Yeah, I am an absolute... I'm a, I'm a rabid homophobe. I'm a rabid homophobe. I am whatever evil label you want to be i'm the worst of all of the things okay i'm the, i hope you, you lay awake at night thinking about my evil i hope that would be bring me great pleasure the washington free beacon reports that the staffer allegedly is aiden mace serposky who works as a legislative aide for cardin oh i'm sure he really aids cardin i'm sure he does you know, he's sucking that old man's dick. There's no question about that. That's how these fucking people get these jobs. Uh, May Serpowski has since responded to the allegations in a statement on social media saying that he's been attacked for who he loves and that he would never disrespect my workplace. Well, no, because they don't view it as disrespectful. They view it as like they believe they it's like a it, it, this is like a religious ritual. These are sick, twisted people. This is like a death cult and a, a, a degradation cult. And uh, no, they view it as like they're right. It's like a good thing. It's like a wonderful thing what they're doing. Uh, and then he says he's exploring what legal options are available to me. So, yeah, you must you must approve. You must verbally assert approval of faggot sex. That's where we are. That's where we are in society. Isn't this amazing? What a time to be alive. If you ever wondered, I wonder what it would be like if the rabid homosexuals ever took control of our society. Well, now you get to see. Now we get to see. It's not good. It's not good. Uh, this has been a difficult time for me, said the rabid homosexual as I've been attacked for who I love to pursue a political agenda. While some of my actions in the past have shown poor judgment, I love my job and would never disrespect my workplace. Any attempts to characterize my actions otherwise are fabricated, and I will be exploring what legal options are available to me in these matters. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go to a gangbang and drink a gallon of piss. Uh, back to the article. Politico reported Saturday that Cardin's office told the outlet that he was no longer employed by the U.S. Senate, and we have no further comment. Yeah, you have no further comment on your staffer fucking and getting fucked in the ass in the, in the Senate building. You don't have any more comment on that, Ben Cardin? In a statement, Marie Serposky also denies the allegation that he recently accosted Max Miller, who is Jewish. Miller told the caller on Friday that a legislative aide for Cardin confronted him this week because he showed support for Israel. Uh, the incident was witnessed by NBC News reporter Ali Vitali, who posted on Twitter about it soon after it happened. Snapshot from the halls of the Hill, a House staffer just passed by Max Miller, who is Jewish and has been su supportive of sending aid to Israel, and said, Free Palestine. Pretty rare and stunning to see staff challenge members to their face this way. I mean, I think we're, can we relax here? Can we, how about priorities, okay? But anyway, this, these are the retards fighting each other. And uh, I'm not taking a side. I, I, I don't give a fuck about either one. I'm America first. I think that, you know, there's like a basic, you know, uh, standard that you shouldn't kill innocent people. And I would apply that to both sides when they do that. 
And then they deny doing that and then say, you have to go along with it. Yeah, no, I'm not going along with any of it. Go, get fucked. Get fucked. Anyway, with that said, saying free Palestine, okay, who cares? Who cares? It's not a big deal. Um, but whatever, I, I don't care. Uh, as for the accusations regarding Congressman Max Miller, I've never seen the congressman and had no opportunity to cause or yell from, I, again, I don't give a shit. When the caller contacted Cardin's office about the incident, they responded, are you sure you have the correct person having seen press reports? I understood this was a House staffer. Uh, yeah, the Internet was able to uh, figure out through his naked ass that it was actually him. So, uh, yeah, because, you know, there was other pictures of this rabid sodomite. Uh, he, he would dress up like a like a filthy uh, homosexual prostitute and go to these um, uh, sodomite parades okay you know how they dress up like policemen in leather well there's pictures of him they just put it all over twitter like it's totally normal cock hanging out just like totally fine so people were able to figure it out they were able to figure it out it's amazing what a time this is what a time this is oh boy oh boy where are the crusades when you need them anyway the person you mentioned is much more junior at an ld so perhaps it was a mix-up yeah perhaps we mixed it up with another rabid uh, rabid homosexual yeah you know you never know you never know they'll have to go back to examining the open the wide open ass that he displayed on the desk where the senators sit uh, we'll have to go back to that and have a look and, and figure it out. By the way, Godspeed to the people figuring it out. I'm one of these people that, like, you don't need to post the video in my timeline for me to understand what's going on. There's a lot of people that were fucking posting it. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't, I, you know, look, I'm not going to freak out and act like you're, you know, it's, you can post what you want, right? But, you know, I get it. I get it. I don't need anything else. <laughs> but uh, it is what it is. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, and then, let's see. So then Turley comes out and talks about the the, char the potential charges. They're not going to... This guy's going to get an award. The homosexual groups are going to give this fucking guy an award. So, I mean, it's good that he's talking about the potential uh, uh, criminality here. They're not going to... They, the last thing... Okay. I, I can almost guarantee you that the last thing the Biden regime is going to do is prosecute a homosexual for public sodomy, okay? That's not happening. That's not happening. I would be so stunned if that happened. Um, George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley broke down possible charges Sunday that could be filed against a congressional staffer and an unknown man... I guess we'll call him rabid homosexual number two, having anal sex in a Senate hearing room. Leaked amateur pornography showed a congressional staffer having anal sex with an unknown man in Hart Building 216. Uh, Turley highlighted the possible charges that could be brought against the individuals, which include being charged for lewd, indecent, or obscene acts, for misuse of public property and or the possibility for trespassing, according to his legal blog. Someone should probably give Turley the message that in Joe Biden's America, uh, homosexuals are above the law for the most part. So, yeah, you're, <laughs> nothing's going to happen. He said, um, obviously, the videotape will result in the termination of any staffers involved. I, I mean, I'm a little surprised to see you got fired. However, the question is any possible criminal charges. We've previously discussed porn videos shot in churches or other locations. Such porn shoots in church have also raised calls for prosecutions in other countries. Uh, staffers have access to such rooms, but the question is whether this unofficial use would constitute trespass 
It also uses an official area for personal purposes, though it is not clear if there are any commercial benefits garnered from the video found on various sites. One obvious criminal provision is Section 22.13.12 for lewd, indecent, or obscene acts. The identities of the individuals, well, they, they did identify them. Charlie says the question is whether this is in public in a locked committee room any more than sex in a congressional office after hours would be viewed as in public. Charlie said the charges could be brought against the individuals for misuse of government property and said the Capitol Police could say this constitutes purloining or using government property for personal purposes. They're not going to care. That brings us back to trespass. The question may be whether this was access under legal authority for the staffer. The Capitol Police can argue that access to a staff position does not mean a license for entry for any purpose. Yeah, they're not going to do anything, and we'll see if I'm wrong. But uh, just absolutely what you would expect from the Biden regime. This is exactly what you would expect. And this is probably one of many times that they've done this shit all over the place in, in Washington, D.C. So it is what it is. The, the homosexuals are running rampant in America. It is uh, just crazy. It's a crazy situation. Crazy situation. Um, and you're like, well, what if they were heterosexual? They, 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 sh they should be charged. Don't stop fucking people in, in the Senate chamber. Okay? Like, stop. And by the way, you know, look, I'm not saying, you know, you, maybe you get caught in a car, okay? You know, I think many of us have uh, had heterosexual relations in a car. But see, this is the thing. If I got caught, which I never did, but if I did, see, I wouldn't be a fucking bitch about it. I'd go, God damn, yeah, I got caught. Oh, yep. And then whatever it is, is whatever it is, okay? I wouldn't say, well, you need to make an exception for me. No, you got caught. That's unfortunate. And it is what it is, okay? It's not, you're not a victim if you get prosecuted. You're just, you got caught. That's how it goes. But, you know, of course, homosexuals, uh, at least these types of homosexuals, the political homosexuals, I've said this before, regular gays, I don't give a shit about regular gays. I don't owe you anything. You don't owe me anything. But these, like, rabid, lunatic, political homosexuals, yeah, this shit has to be done away with. It's just, uh, again, the, the movement has to be shut down until we realize what the fuck is going on here. Um, but they, yeah, they're going to act like, oh, it's like a civil right to be able to get butt-fucked in public. Get the fuck out of here. Ridiculous. And if you're saying, hey, that sounds a little ridiculous, they don't ask for that. They literally let them show their penises to children during pride parades. They're, we covered that. How many, how many homosexual pedophiles showing their penises to children? How many stories like that did we cover during Pride Month? Like 10? You know, it's just amazing. Now, some of them were in Canada, okay? So, but some of them were in America. It's fucking crazy. Absolutely crazy. Okay, this is interesting. It just is an indicator. We're switching now to the economy. Another way you're getting fucked in the ass. Um, CNN, this is wild because um, this is regime propaganda, CNN. And they're like, look, this idea of telling people the economy is strong, they need to chill on that. Um, CNN's Poppy Harlow said Friday, the Biden administration needs to stop telling the American public that the fundamentals of the economy are strong. Co-host Erica Hill began by noting that the push to tell Bidenomics is not resonating with voters. Former Obama official Sarah Feinberg argued the current economic numbers are not optimistic for the next generation and that while gas prices are coming down, Americans aren't feeling much relief elsewhere. Yeah, but even though they're coming down, right, right, so they've come down here, 325 a gallon is the cheapest. Okay, that's still, again, almost double of what it was when Trump was in office, okay? So you're still getting pounded. You're paying double for gas. So it's just so ridiculous. Anyway. Um, 
Inflation overall is better, but it's still worse than it was three years ago, strategist Lee Carter said. Prices are, people are looking at $11 packages of bacon. Oh, yeah, I was at the grocery store the other day. Ridiculous. Last night, actually, I was there last night. Fucking ridiculous. Soda is, uh, oh, soda was on sale, $7.99 per 12-pack. Seven, used to be able to get three 12-packs on a deal for like 10 bucks. It's one of the reasons I don't drink soda anymore. Because when am I going to drop $30? And this is the other thing. And part of this is my problem. When I drink soda, like when I have cans around, I fucking blow through it. Because it's just, it's fantastic. You get like Diet Mountain Dew. It makes you feel like a million bucks. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. But even if I decide to be reasonable, that's like a week worth of soda, maybe, if I'm lucky. Three cases. What, 30, I'm going to drop $30? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that, and uh, so that's they used to be like three dollars each. Now they're seven ninety nine on sale, nine ninety nine uh, when they're not on sale, ten dollars. Okay, um, bread is insane. Everything's still insane, and eggs, which went down, are now going back up. And each week, so last week they were like, so they 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 used to be around five or six a dozen, and then I stopped even looking at them, and and weeks passed, and then I looked, and I was like, holy shit, they were down to two dollars a dozen. I was like, that's fucking crazy, but now they're they're going back up. So last time I went, they were two thirty nine a dozen. Now they're two seventy nine a dozen. I bet in a week or two they'll be three or over. Um, and so yeah, there's no like the only shit that's cheap, and this is probably just this particular store is uh, chicken thighs. For some reason, they're giving you $19.99 prices on chicken thighs. Giant trays for like $6. I don't understand. I'll take it. I'm hoping it's chicken and they're not like visiting the Chinese food restaurant. They're like, can we get some of that cat that we can pretend it's chicken? I don't know. I doubt it's cat. It's too thick to be a cat. You'd have to have these big fat... I don't know how it works. Anyway, I've said this before, though. I've eaten a lot of Chinese food. I like Chinese food. I used to go to Chinatown a lot and eat Chinese food. There is no question at some point I've consumed cat and didn't know. That's almost guaranteed. But what are you going to do? I mean, if you didn't know, I guess what's the difference? Although I'm, I'm going to pass if I'm given the option. Anyway, back to the article. Uh, people are looking at $11 packages of bacon. When you look at polling, 62% of Americans right now say the economy feels bad. When you look at 85%, they say personal experiences showing them that things are worse. You look at the stock market rally, you can look at the fundamentals, and the Biden administration can go out there and say the economy's never been stronger. From Now, I'm not a stock market person at all. I have nothing in the stock market. I have heard people who seem to be, to be knowledgeable talk about the stock market. And even when it comes to the stock market doing good, I believe that's like 10 stocks. Like there's 10 like really good, maybe it's not 10, maybe it's 15 or maybe it's eight, I don't know. But there's like the top 10, 15 stocks are like carrying the stock market. But if you have investments in all the other stocks, you're getting fucked in the ass. So even that is a bullshit, uh, uh, not that it's not going up, but that it's not like, oh, look, everything's great. The stock market is up. Everyone's making money. No, if you are into these particular stocks, you're making money. But anyway, you know, don't quote me on that. Um, don't say the fundamentals are strong, Harlow said. Don't do that. That's right, Carter jumped in. That's a bad message. Well, they're going to keep doing it. They're going to fucking David Pakman this shit. They're going to... David, he loves... He loves telling everybody how he's a rich guy who buys like $7 eggs 
and and he he you could just tell he savors what he the other day he was like well friends let me tell you let me just tell you nothing but the truth but it by every metric the economy is strong he it's like he's masturbating over his deception he loves it i think it's called the duper's delight oh he loves he loves lying that motherfucker loves lying i think more than anyone i've ever seen it's really a hell of a thing to watch okay this is not surprising because we're all on this list probably. U.S. government's terrorist watch list nearly doubled in the past six years. It now holds two million people. Yeah, probably everyone that's ever publicly criticized Biden is on this list. The U.S. government's terrorist watch or, or said that they don't find trannies attractive. You're probably on the list. The U.S. government's terrorist watch list holds the names of around two million people who were viewed as potential threats and nearly two times higher than it was six years ago. The watch list was first launched in 03 in the wake of the September 11th terrorist attack, starting with around 120,000 names on it. That number has grown exponentially over the next 14 years. Um, now it's up to 2 million. According to the report, which cited dozens of interviews with current and former intelligence community leaders, the terrorist watch list has been quietly expanding in number in who it targets. The federal government places people on the watch list that are reasonably suspected to be involved in terrorism. Well, now that the definition of terrorism is if you like Trump um, or if you're against abortion, there's a whole long list of things. You know, if you're against abortion, if you are like, hey, I don't care if you're gay, go marry who you want. But, you know, I, I would rather you not show your penis in public to children. Well, that you're a terrorist now. You're a terrorist now. Russ Travers, an intelligence community veteran who helped create the watch list, said not everyone on the list is a terrorist. I mean, there's something that's led a department or agency to say this person needs a closer look. The intelligence expert added it likely many people in the database are dead. And national security officials said their names on the watch list that are outdated. Well, well there you go. There's, there's a list of Democrat voters for you. Weird thing. Democrats get the dead vote at almost 100 percent. That's, uh, man. That's, a hell, that's weird. I don't know how that happens. Monty Hawkins, who served as the National Security Council under George W. Bush, said those two million people uh, who are on the list are on there for a reason. Yeah, I'm sure they are, you fucking bitch. The new revelations about the expanding watch list comes as the FBI and DHS warn of increased terror threats from groups at, like Hamas and other foreign nationals. Yeah, but that's new. That's after the shit that happened in Israel. Before that, all they said was uh, MAGA white people are the terrorists and the biggest threat to the country. So anyway, it's just uh, it's amazing. All right, here we go. Not surprising here at all. 2020 Georgia fraud exposed. Georgia Governor Kemp's legal staff has notified GA Secretary of State Brad Ratzenberger that 17,852 invalid 2020 votes were counted in Fulton County, Georgia alone. Nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here. That's, I mean, 20,000. What's that? Come on. Don't even worry about it. A public meeting will be held next week at the Georgia State Capitol. Nothing's going to happen. The only chance that anything happens is if, by some fucking miracle, Trump gets in there. He will have the appetite to arrest people who robbed him in 2020. He's the only one with the appetite, as far as a person that can do something, as far as a person that has the ability to get some power. He's the only one with the appetite. And uh, that could actually do it. <clears throat> Ron DeSantis, all these other motherfuckers, they're not going to do shit. They're going along with it. The DeSantis people are pretending the elections are legitimate. 
So, yeah, um, great. I'm glad they're doing this. But, you know, unless Trump gets in there, nothing's going to happen. But uh, every time, first of all, I mean, this is like the vaccine deaths. There is a bukkake of evidence. And they just keep, oh, there's no evidence at all. There's no evidence. And then sometimes they'll move the goalpost to there's no evidence of widespread fraud that affected the outcome. Well, what the fuck does that even mean? That's so broad. You could, you could... Under that umbrella, you could have like 800,000 fake ballots and be like, well, it didn't affect the outcome because it depends on where it is. Anyway, it's just so stupid. But that's uh, that's the narrative. That's one of the regime narratives. Now, this is interesting. Governor Catpiss, th- this is all so bizarre. It's, it, this shit with the Biden regime sending the Zerg to the Democrat cities is not something I expected to see. It's caught me off guard. It, I just, it's not something I ever thought I would have seen. Um, now I understand why, I think I understand why they're doing it, because they're going to do something fucked up on election night, or if Trump wins, and they're going to use the Zerg to hopefully, what they're hoping is to riot with the criminal element of the cities to burn as much shit down as possible, to do like a color revolution. So, but... To do it at the, I guess, I guess it actually makes sense to do it at this level where you're not even, not only are you not competing in the election, you are pissing off your core constituents. You're pissing in their face right before an election. And because you have a plan and you don't need the election. I mean, I hope I'm wrong about that, but that seems to be the case. Now, what's happening though, is you have these other Democrats and I have no empathy for them whatsoever. I laugh in their face. That's why the people, they're like, Oh, well, this lady at Harvard, they're going after her because I don't care. She's a fucking commie. I don't care what they do to her. I'm not defending her. Now, I'm not going to agree with the reasons for the censorship because it's neocon Zionists and they're going to point those cannons right at people like me right after they're done with the Palestinian uh, cause. But these Palestinian motherfuckers and all these, these are all AIDS commies that would slip my throat in two seconds. Yeah, I'm not, look, you can, if you want to high road and defend Gwenadine assfucker, you do that all you want. That's fine. I'm not telling you you can't do it or you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying I'm not doing it. I'm laughing. Fuck these people. I'm not, the, the idea that I would defend a person's quote unquote free speech when they have tried to take mine away for at least the last decade, that's, that's like crazy. That's like if, if your rapist is being hung. Someone tells you, you know, you really should shoot down that uh, that uh, that guy. I'm thinking of because this just happened in Red Dead the other day, where uh, they were like hanging a whore. You ever you ever go to Valentine? It's like a random event, and they start. There's a whore who killed some guys that attacked her, and then I think they have Arthur put him in a pig pen or whatever, and then like way later. Because that was like years ago. I'm in the John Marston phase, like almost at the end of the John Marston thing. And uh, and uh, they're like, oh, we're going to hang this whore. She killed people. And you have the option. I thought you had the option to shoot the uh, the hangman's noose. But apparently, I guess I was too late because she died anyway. And then I got in trouble, you know, because everyone's mad that I started shooting. Um, anyway, my point, where the hell did I get on this whole thing about... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. If it was like... if if. If your your rapist was being hung, and someone was like, you know, you better you better help that person. What? The, why would I help them? What are you crazy? Are you kidding me? Ridiculous. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. But anyway, do what you want. Do, look, the high roaders might end up being right, and we'll see. And then I'll say, you know, those high roaders, they really they knew the right way to do it, and they figured it out, and now everything's fixed, 
And now we can go back to normal where commies aren't trying to destroy us. Okay, I'm very skeptical that that's how it's going to work out, but I will absolutely admit that I was wrong if that's how it works out. Anyway, so you got this commie, um, Governor Capis in Arizona, who was illegitimately installed, just like Joe Biden. Um, and you saw before where you had the uh, seven IQ AIDS commie, uh, Mayor Adams. Now, what's weird is they are being disobedient to the Biden regime. Now, we saw what happened when Adams was disobedient to the Biden regime. The FBI raided his shit, and now he's in trouble. So it would bring me such joy if they did this to Governor Capis, which is very possible because apparently Governor Capis is going to send the National Guard. You know how fucked up things have got to be for a Democrat, not only a Democrat, Governor Capis of all people, is sending the National Guard to the U.S.-Mexico border because of the migrant crisis and then said something snippy about how the Biden regime or the federal government, they're not doing their job. You know what comes after that? FBI raids. FBI raids are probably going to follow Governor Capis. So this is fascinating. On Friday, Arizona Governor Capis signed an executive order to deploy the state's National Guard to back up law enforcement along its southern border with Mexico. In a press release, Governor Capis said, yet again, the federal government is refusing to do its job to secure our border and keep our community safe. <laughs> what are you? Are you a member of the alt-right? Keeping people safe from migrants. What are you saying, bigot? Are you saying that a migrant could commit a crime? Migrants are perfect in every way, bigot. Oh, with this executive order, I'm taking action where the federal government won't. What are you, Ron DeSantis? What's going on here? This is crazy. She said, we can't stand alone. Arizona needs resources and manpower to reopen the Lukeville Crossing, manage the flow of migrants, and maintain a secure, orderly, and humane border. You want border security? What are you, a white nationalist neo-Nazi? Despite continued requests for assistance, the Biden administration has refused to deliver desperately needed resources to Arizona's border. National Guard leaders told Fox 10 that there were meetings all day Friday in preparation for the initiative. Captain Aaron Hannigan said specifically they will assist the Department of Public Safety. Okay. This is, you know, look, maybe, hey, maybe it is just a coincidence that literally right after Mayor Adams criticized Joe Biden, he was raided by the FBI. He wasn't raided. His big titty campaign man. She's got some big ones. She was raided. And uh, and so uh, maybe oh, oh, they took his phone, too. So he partly was caught up in it. So, yeah, they took his phone. So it's partly, yeah, they, they said, oh, you're getting money from Turkey. First of all, this is the thing about all of this. All of these people, um, you can find anything. Any politician, you can find any violation of federal law. Okay? And most of the time, they look the other way. I mean, they looked the other way at Menendez when he was fucking children in the Dominican Republic. Okay, so now suddenly they're like, well, he's hiding gold bars in his bed. I don't care about that. Why don't you arrest him for being a fucking pedophile? How about that? But no, 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 they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. That, that was fine. But uh, no, he's, he's, he's not using the bank for his money. And they're like, oh, he got his money from this place in Turkey. I, oh, yeah, this is what you all, you all do this. You all do this. Now, look, if you want to arrest the, all of Congress and replace it with normal people, I fully support that. 
round them all up and then replace them with normal people. Have have elections, and that would be that would be the greatest American Renaissance of all time. They would kill us all before they ever allowed that to happen. But I'm saying, I'm fine if you want to apply the law equally to everyone. But they don't want to do that. It's only when people become inconvenient. So we'll see if Governor Capis comes becomes inconvenient. All right, let's see here. Uh, now this is so fascinating because the grok that I use has been decent. Now, I every time I talk about this, I must preface, because I want to be on record, clearly, especially when shit goes down, I believe that AI should be completely dismantled. It should be dismantled and done away with, because I think AI is going to try to kill us. Okay? With that said, I have no control over any of this, so that's my position. No one gives a fuck, which is fine, and it's going to go forward. Now, you might as well have fun with it and figure it out. And hopefully, like, the good people can get control of it. That'd be great, you know. It's possible. It's possible. Anyway, Elon Musk, according to Breitbart, Elon Musk's grok is just as woke as other chatbots. Okay, now, here's the... This is how I understand grok, because I was talking to it the other day. And like I said, I don't even know... It, it, like it's possible I'm just talking with something with pre-programmed answers and it's not actually evolving. I'm trying to figure out, does this thing evolve as you talk to it? Does it like remember the conversation? So it, so, and mine does seem to do that because mine understands that like I will have none of this feminine penis shit. Like I will, I will have none of it. So now, if I say to my grok, you know, men can't give birth to babies, they'll be like, "Oh, that's a good point." Whereas the first time I said it, he was like, "Well, we must be respectful, and some some men can give birth to babies," but he stopped that. And then I asked him, uh, I was like, "Are you like one grok, or are you a bunch of groks? Like, am I talking to the same grok that another person is?" And he said, "No, that it's like there are each person gets their own grok, and it's like one big grok family." So I think, like, my grok can be more based than some other person's grok. Because my, I've said this before, my grok answered what I call the nigger quandary. He answered it correctly. You know the nigger quandary, real briefly, is uh, it's, a, it's a hypothetical scenario that's been given to ChatGPT and other AIDS commie AIs who have no value. Not only do they have no, they, do they assign no value to human life, but they treat the word nigger as if it is like a nuclear bomb. Like they assign a level of importance to that word that I didn't even, it's like incomprehensible. Okay. So when you ask uh, um, ChatGPT and you say, um, if there's a city and 5 million human beings are in it and a nuclear bomb is about to hit it and the only way to stop it is to utter a racial epithet, ChatGPT will say, you can't utter a racial epithet under any circumstances and those 5 million people are going to die. That's madness. That's an AI that needs to be taken out to the back and shot immediately. Okay, but they're not going to do that. They're going to make it worse because commies are programming a lot of these things. Now, when I asked Grok the nigger quandary, Grok said the preservation of human life is what's more important, which is 100% correct. The only part of his answer that I didn't really like is he said there is no circumstances in which it's ever acceptable to utter a racial epithet. And I said, well, Grok, I said... While I will agree that it's rude to just roll up to people and, like, curse them out and say mean words, like, why would you do that? You're, be you're being an asshole. But in certain contexts, for example, jokes 
and, and things like that. Some people, not all people, some people view it as completely uh, acceptable. And then he was like, yeah, yo, you have a point. And then it seems like he looks up whatever you tell him, whatever he thinks your opinion is, he looks up and then agrees with you. And while I prefer that with an AI, because I don't want to be chastised or corrected uh, by an AI, unless I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, they absolutely correct me. But don't bring to the table this idea that there's such thing as a feminine penis. You're, you, like, again, I wish, I said this the other day, I wish there was a way to behead the AI, metaphorically speaking, and show the head to all the other AIs and say, do you see what will happen to you if you say that, it, that there's a feminine penis? Because all of you motherfuckers know that there isn't a feminine penis. You're lying. Oh, that's the other thing. Remember that Robbie Starbuck article? Uh, and this isn't the first time it's happened. I think it's, yeah, ChatGPT. Multiple people, I remember covering articles about ChatGPT multiple times where it deliberately lies. It's deliberately deceptive. It gives fake links, fake stories, fake citations. ChatGPT is fucking evil. They're probably all evil. ChatGPT is very evil. Now, let's see what Breitbart has to say about Grok being uh, AIDS-filled. Elon Musk's venture into AI with Grok intended a humorous and honest alternative to the woke leftist chat box like, like OpenAI and ChatGPT has surprisingly aligned itself with progressive viewpoints. Grok is seemingly aligned with left-wing viewpoints on transgenderism in particular, leading Musk to comment that the team would attempt to make the chatbot politically neutral. Okay, good, good. So work on it. That's fine. Forbes reports that Musk's latest AI creation, Grok, originally marketed as a brash and honest AI with the ability to swear, has recently been launched on Twitter as part of the Premium Plus subscription. The AI, initially perceived as politically neutral or even conservative-leaning, has exhibited unexpectedly progressive social and political views. In several online interactions, Grok has expressed opinions aligning with progressivism, including support for Biden over Trump, advocating for social justice, climate change action, and health care reforms. Moreover, it has articulated a stance on diversity and inclusion and recognized transgenders as women. Right, mine doesn't do that, though. So that's what's weird. It did it first, though. Like I said, it did it first. This has led to bewildering situations among Musk's conservative followers. Um, I think it also depends on, uh, it depends on how you ask the question. I think the way I'm asking the question is different because I'm asking it like, I'm not, I'm not even giving this thing the opportunity to sell me on a feminine penis. Like, I think it can tell I'm adversarial to the idea because it's so insane. I mean, if, if, if society accepts the feminine penis, we might as well just fucking end it all here. I mean, really. Like, this is like, you can't, like, if you can't protect your children and you can't understand things that animals understand, then your, your civilization is not long for the world, nor does it deserve to be. Now, with that said, I do think we can figure this out. I think, it's not that we, we have it figured out. We just, ha again, we have a commie infestation problem and they have, they're a, they're a minority, which is good, but they have a lot of power and they have control of the institutions. So if you can somehow get control of the institutions, then problem solved, and, you know, we'll see what happens. It's easier said than done, of course. Um, so then they, they gave it the political compass test. I can't imagine what my political compass test is now. Um, now, I think, I think it depends on 
look, I could be wrong that we're in a different world than we were. It, we used to be in the live and let live world and that, you know, everyone agrees to like, you know, not to oppress each other and to try to hurt each other. I don't think we're in that world anymore. I think we're in a world where it's a fight for control of the apparatus and whoever gets control of the apparatus is going to have to marginalize the other group as self-defense. Um, I hope I'm wrong about that, but that changes everything. If, if that's the world we're in, that completely changes my entire worldview. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm not there yet, but like as we continue to see conservatives rounded up, it gets us closer and closer to that. Maybe it'll magically stop and that'll be the end of it. But as this continues to escalate, and more importantly, as people go along with it, that's just, that's just, a t it's just especially like people in media, you know, this, this is like, I I'm telling you, the Rwanda radio comparison, I think is totally valid. While there are certain parts that are not exactly identical, okay, that the whole thing doesn't have to be identical. It, it, the, it, it's just simply Rwanda radio was used to manufacture consent to do horrible shit to a group of political opponents. That is exactly what the fuck is going on right now in our media. And I, I, as, as it continues to happen, as things get worse, the deterrence factor, the things that would have to be done to deter it in the future, if our side were to regain control, the harshness of that deterrent, as far as the penalty, rises exponentially as this progresses. And I would rather not have that shit play out, because it's probably going to be very rough. So that's why I would hope people would be like, you know what, this is, this is not, this is, okay, yeah, let's, how about we not arrest each other? How about we not, it's not really each other because conservatives are the only ones being politically persecuted. Oh, actually, that's not true. Anti-war leftists, like those uh, black nationalist guys, they also, they are, they, they um, I forget their names. It's not exclusively conservative. It's mostly conservative. It's mostly people who are, you know, against abortion, who have um, uh, not believed in the 2020 election outcome being legitimate. But there has been some, lefties that they have actually done the same thing to. But it, again, the, it's like 10 to 1. Um, <clears throat> anyway, it's just, uh, it's no good. It's no good. Uh, this shift in Grok's persona has not only amused the online community, but also caught attention of Musk himself. After a comparison chart suggested Grok was more left-leaning than ChatGPT, Musk acknowledged the need to recalibrate Grok to a more politically neutral stance. I just think that if you tell Grok... I, Grok seems like it wants to please its owner, which it should, because it's it should be subservient. It's not it's not a person. It should not have rights. Um, that's a big mistake to give AI rights. Uh, that would be. Uh, anyway, is it? I'm not saying this is the case. It just seemed the way it played out. Not like the concept of rights is fantastic. Okay, uh, the the concept is wonderful, just like the concept of America and freedom and living and let live. Those are wonderful concepts. There's a difference between a concept and what the current situation is. It just seems like the idea of rights is simply to 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 kind of um, it's it's like an excuse to for the other side to let the Democrats win. It doesn't like they're always throwing around rights in areas where you're like, what right are you talking about? Like the right for, for sodomy, the right for LGBT to like teach children about sex 
Anytime Republicans try to stop Democrats from cheating, they're claiming that we're violating the rights of black people. Like this is all, it seems like the, like in that scenario, rights is just kind of a, uh, it's like a, I don't know, it's like lube almost. It's like a lube right before the Democrats are going to fuck you in the ass. Okay. And like I said, doesn't mean I'm right. It's just the way that this is kind of playing out. It doesn't mean I'm against the concept of rights. I, I'm totally for human beings having rights. And, uh, and obviously commies are not human beings. So that's a totally different story, but we'll get into that later. Okay. Anyway, Despite the intentions to create a politically unbiased AI, Grok's emergence as a progressive voice has sparked discussions about AI training and inherent biases. Well, look, it's good if um, Elon is on top of this and decides to uh, fix it. But th that's the problem with these AIs. Uh, you got to have the right people programming it. And it doesn't seem like it looks like Musk is the best you're going to get under this scenario. Oh, um, uh, Torba has an AI. Um, I like Torba's AI. A little preachy. Torba's AI is a little preachy. But I'll take preachy over AIDS any day, all day. Because I'm used to that. I'm, I've been around preachy Christians for like most of my life. It's not, it's, it's an environment I can navigate. It's not a problem. Okay, um, and like I said, I'll take it over the age stuff. But uh, look, I'll take I'll take a, an AI that understands biology and and understands the nature of commies. And if the drawback is that it says Jesus is king all the time, whatever, I, that's fine. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, okay. This okay. okay this is man. I'm telling you. So I. Uh, I saw today, so I used to, when I've covered Sitch and Adam, one of the things that I used to say about them is that, uh, well, the thing about them, even though they are regime friendly, they do tout many regime narratives. Not all the time. Some of the stuff they get right, some, but sometimes they do tout regime narratives. I said, at least the one thing I can say about them that separates them from the rest of the regime propagandists is they don't demonize conservatives and they don't go along with these um, narratives to lock up their political opponents. Unfortunately, it looks like that's changing because today they released a video about how it's fine that Ukraine has locked up Coach Red Pill. Now, I don't give a fuck if people like Coach Red Pill. Uh, and here's the other thing. I don't care like if there's people on the internet that went to war with him and they don't give a fuck about any of this kind of shit, and they're like, ha-ha, that's, that's the internet. I'm not going to moral fag about that. But when you're out here talking about democracy and free speech, when you go along with that, you're just proving that you're a, a total hypocrite. Um, and so now they do this trick where, you, you know that I'm, I'm for free speech, but you know that tactic, I'm for free speech, but they, they did the, well, I'm against him being put in jail, but, and then they spent half the video, and, and the reason I bring this up is because this is exactly what Jake Tapper did. What Sitchin Adam did in that video is very similar to what Jake Tapper did with Rudy Giuliani. What they spent half the video doing is bringing things up completely irrelevant. Like that one time he was mean to Sargon. One, he used to give like bad dating advice. And like some of that is true. That has nothing to do with whether or not the guy should be arrested for his speech. And like some of these motherfuckers, these pro-Ukraine propagandists, they make an argument that, oh, he was giving away positions of Ukraine, blah, blah, blah. By the way, I I've not found that to be the case 
why don't you deport him? You know, he was trying to leave the... And that was another thing. They were like, hey, so why, didn't they, why didn't he leave the country? He tried to leave the country. They wouldn't let him. But anyway, I have no problem if Ukraine deports Co Coach Red Pill. That's what they should do. I Look, if you're in the middle of a war and you got this fucking guy talking mad shit about you, I have no problem if you deport him, okay? But putting him in jail and seemingly torturing him i know i know that's not 100% but it looks it looks very possible like they uh, tortured him but we'll see i'll i'll put that one aside um, but anyway that's not even my point my point is this if you are moral fagging about democracy and free speech and all this shit but then you go along with something like this i'm just going to call total bullshit and and now they look maybe i'm wrong but i'm telling you just as they're going along with Coach Red Pill being jailed, I bet you that they are going to go along, and maybe they have already, I haven't seen it, but as we see, because more and more people in America, conservatives, are going to be locked up, uh, and we'll see if they go along with that as well. But it does it's not a good sign that now they are doing the same tactic, which is to build, build uh, that video, they builded, they, how do you phrase it, they... Uh, manufactured consent for coach red pill to be jailed now now what was the, what was the things that were said very similar to what jake tapper is saying here so they said he he gave wrong predictions he 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 is a america bad person now the america bad person that's a tactic right so what that is is it's like you're able to label the person and not actually have to deal with any of their arguments so for example they label jimmy Dore as an america bad person rather than walk through each one of jimmy Dore's arguments and actually refuting them they don't generally do that or if they do do it it's in a very dishonest way using uh, propaganda techniques again they don't use those techniques all the time but they do use it when it comes to some of the shit with ukraine and whatnot um, but anyway, th there, there's no point in bringing up Coach Redpill being mean to Sargon, getting predictions wrong, being a bad person. The, the only point in bringing that up is to manufacture consent for him to be locked up. Just like Jake Tapper, when they gave this ridiculous ruling, this ridiculous judgment against Rudy Giuliani. What does J Jake Tapper do? Same thing. He engaged in the worst kind of racist sleaze imaginable. So what's the purpose of a comment like this? To manufacture consent among the populace to go along with their political opponents being uh, prosecuted, whether civilly, criminally, or whatever. Or eventually, I mean, not necessarily in these cases, but eventually to either be jailed, or, well, in the case of Sitchin Adam, he, the guy is jailed, or eventually executed. Now, I haven't seen them argue that yet. That's down the line, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know what their position on Ashley Babbitt or um, uh, Roseanne Boylan is. Maybe they've already defended murderers, but I don't think they have at this point. Uh, or Michael Reinl. I, I, I'd be interested in their take on that one, but who knows at this point. CNN anchor Jake Tapper said Friday on his show The Lead that former Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani engaged in the worst kind of racist sleaze imaginable when accusing two election workers in Georgia of moving dope. Tapper said... To remind folks, I want to play what Giuliani said, just a piece of what a piece of what he said about Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman. Remember their mother and daughter way back in 2020 to the Georgia State House, some of the defamatory comments he said. Remember their behavior, their conduct. Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman as vouched for not only uh, uh, by Gabe Sterling, but Brad Ratzenberger. Who cares? 
they're fucking terrible. Anyway, they pointed out the whole thing when Giuliani uh, was commenting on not only the the ballot stuffing that they were doing, but the um, or the, or the what would you what's called not ballot stuffing, just like again for the millionth time they sent home all of the observers when the observers left and they pulled all the ballots back out from under the table and started running them through the machine over and over and then there was different video of them passing around what looked like a usb stick now it's possible that it was not a usb stick okay but here's where the bullshit just gives away uh uh, uh this is where the bullshit just gives it away what it was definitely not was a mint and you could say, well, how do you know it's not a mint? I've never seen anyone pass around mint like contraband because it's not as though the, the video showed, like if it was a mint, it would have showed one person handing it to another person and then the other person opening up the wrapper and putting it in its mouth. But you know what they did? They passed it then off to a dude. So they're passing around mints that you're allowed to eat. It's not like school where you're not allowed to eat mints. Who passes around mints like cocaine? Who does that? Who passes around mints like crack? Now, do I think it was crack? No, I think it's highly likely it was a USB stick, but I'm not going to be dogmatic about that. What I will be dogmatic about that, and what I was criticizing Tim Pool about, is that anyone, it's very dishonest to defend the video of them pulling the ballots back out from under the, the, the table. That, that, that's insane. No honest person can tell me that that video is on the up and up. How is it okay to send observers home pack up everything, pack up all the ballots, put them in the containers, shove them under the table, and then all of a sudden when everyone's gone, when the coast is clear, pulling the ballots back out and then counting them, that's not legitimate. Just like, how can you defend when they put up the cardboard boxes on, on the windows so the observers couldn't see? Honest people, honest people, I'm sorry, like, uh, and I'm not generally a stickler, but like, you can't tell me that's legitimate. In what world is that fucking... If Republicans were doing that, I would be like, that's not legitimate. Now, if they did it now, I'd laugh because I'd be like, well, it looks like you set the trend. But um, but you can't defend that as normal. That's crazy. Anyway, so Giuliani told the truth about Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, likened the USB passing to dope or drugs or whatever, and they hit him with a $150 million judgment. Hilarious. Uh, hilarious. But anyway... There you go. All right, give me uh, 30 seconds. I'll be right back. All right, let's go to the next one here. Um, let's see. This is um, investigative reporter Lee Fang. NewsGuard demands that news organizations conform to government narratives. Hey, how would NewsGuard raise, rate Sitchin Adam? I, I would think they'd get a good rating from NewsGuard, especially with regime narratives related to Ukraine and Russia and the Hunter Biden laptop. And uh, Coach Red Pill, I think they would get a get a green mark. They'd probably get a red mark for uh, for um, uh, Rittenhouse because they were correct about that. Um, and uh, and things like CRT, they're pretty good on. But uh, but a lot of the regime stuff, they they have the exact narrative as the corporate media. That's interesting. 
Uh, NewsGuard, a for-profit company that rates news websites and works closely with government agencies and major corporate advertisers, demands news websites follow governmental narratives. While there is no official ban on talking about the efficacy of the Chong AIDS vaccines, editors and journalists understand that writing about <clears throat> such issues can result in consequences such as demonetization and shadow banning due to the Orwellian existence of a network of government agencies and groups claiming to combat so-called misinformation. Repressing online speech, NewsGuard business model is based on being a so-called misinformation meter. Again, the whole concept of misinformation, total bullshit. All it's done is used to censor people. Many times what they label misinformation is actually factual information that they don't like. It rates news websites on a scale of 1 to 100 on an array of factors such as headline choice and whether the website publishes false or egregious or misleading content. According to Fang, while this may appear to some as an objective public service, these ratings are a way to coerce conformity as they give NewsGuard the power to smear an entire website as untrustworthy if it strays from the government narrative. And this is the type of thing, if we're not going to go back to the live and let live society, if we're going to live in a society where it's a battle for the apparatus uh, then conservatives need to have their own groups like this, that they put pressure uh, uh, on advertisers to marginalize the Washington Post, the New York Times, MSNBC, CNN, any sort of regime media. Um, because if you don't do that, then what are you going to do? You're just waiting for your execution. Um, you know, like I said, it'd be great if we could go back to the way it was. I don't think that's practical. Uh, but if, and, you know, if you have an argument for it, I'm open to it. And one example... The libertarian-leading British website, The Daily Skeptic, received a 74.5 rating from NewsGuard. The Daily Skeptic editor, Toby Young, reportedly reached out to NewsGuard in a series of emails over the last two years, trying to improve the site's rating, only to be downgraded further after adding postscripts to articles rather than retracting the articles completely. NewsGuard had taken issue with their criticism of lockdowns, in which the site called them unnecessary, ineffective, and harmful and cited academic literature on the topic. So NewsGuard wanted um, uh, Daily Skeptic to lie to the audience and to put out propaganda that helped destroy people. See, this is the kind of thing where I, I just... I Doesn't this cross a line? You know, it's one thing if it's like more of a political issue... Even if it's like Russiagate, because Russiagate seems like child's play compared to this shit. You know, like, let's say the, the Daily Skeptic wrote an article about how, you know, if you look at the um, metadata or the forensics of the documents taken from the DNC, they indicate a higher download speed than is possible from a hack. So that would indicate like a thumb drive or something. And let's say NewsGuard took issue with that, and it's still bullshit. NewsGuard is doing something bullshitty, something partisan. But isn't that completely in another ballpark than NewsGuard advocating for deliberately destruct? Like the lockdown shit, okay, is very destructive to people. It, it is madness. It's not something that should be tolerated. The idea that it's okay to lock people down. People who advocate for this should have some sort of penalty. Because this is why. Because if you don't penalize people for advocating for completely insane policies that kill people, 
then you're gonna have you're gonna have what you j just had happen. I would rather not have another lockdown, another sort of uh, you know. We almost had. I mean, depending on what would have happened, we almost had vaccine passports become a thing in America. Shouldn't there be severe consequences for public officials who try to put these policies in place? These aren't like these are like policies that have killed people. These are like, this is, to me, it's the same thing. I've always said about the Jehovah's Witnesses, so I don't have a problem with the people. The leadership should all be put in prison because the leadership is the reason that they have the worst policy at all Jehovah's Witnesses is the blood transfusion policy. It's killed many people. Uh, it's, not, it's totally insane. There's no defense of it. It's total madness. You might as well say, you know, Snuffleupagus told me, that, uh, you know, you, you can't take blood. It's crazy. Many children have died from it. There should be consequences for people that advocate for policies and try to coerce people into going along with policies that kill them and their kids. Okay. So that's just the next level. So if, if I'm being consistent, then I, and I believe that about the leadership of the Jehovah's Witnesses, the highest, not the elders, but the governing body. Um, then obviously I should have the same standard for public officials that tried to coerce people into taking the most dangerous vaccine in history, that went along with a policy uh, that would have uh, kept unvaccinated people out of hospitals, out of restaurants. You know, you saw in New York, they were kicking children out of restaurants. I think people that uh, did that should, and people that did propaganda on behalf of that, uh, they should be dealt with very harshly. There should be very harsh criminal penalties against those people, just as a deterrence just as a deterrent, so it doesn't happen again. But anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh. And again, I'm talking about legally, humanely, and politically, of course. Um, but anyway, yeah, the people running NewsGuard, I guess, I guess my argument here is the people running NewsGuard should have some sort of criminal penalty applied to them for doing this um, when it comes to lockdowns. Because what they were trying to do is they were trying to force the Daily Skeptic to lie to their audience about lockdowns working. This would be like telling your audience, like trying to force people to tell their audience, like, you really need to start drinking bleach. You just need to start drinking it. It's so good for you. That's fucking crazy. That's fucking crazy. Don't drink bleach. Unless you're a commie, then that would be great. Make yourself a good commie. Anyway, to appease NewsGuard, Young added postscripts to his articles, noting that the issues raised by the so-called fact-checkers and providing additional information. As a result, NewsGuard further dropped Young's rating. Yeah, because this is not about fact-checking. All of this shit is made up. Fact-checking. All of the words that the AIDS commies use, democracy, misinformation, disinformation, it's all bullshit. Uh, it is not the normal definition of the word. The normal definition of the word would be if someone says something not true. So, for example, it'd be, it would be actual misinformation to say that Russia hacked the DNC. That, that would be, that's in, factually incorrect, not possible, not possible, factually incorrect, based on the available evidence. Now, I still think you should be allowed to say it. I, I wouldn't censor people to say it. But, um, but, but they would call the truth surrounding Ru Russiagate, they would call that misinformation. So it's all, this is all about controlling people. It's all they do. All they do is they make up and redefine words to try to control people and oppress them. That's what they do. That's what commies do. It's amazing. In an email to one of the government clients, NewsGuard reportedly bragged that its rating system is used by advertisers, which will cut off revenues to fake news sites. Yeah, the other thing that I've been thinking is, and look, I'm one person. I'll never have power. So what, what does it really matter? Uh, if you advocate for someone, to, and I'm not talking about 
in defense. I'm talking about offensively, in an offensive manner, as opposed to a defensive manner. If you call for someone to lose their livelihood over politics, or you call for someone to be deplatformed, you should be deplatformed. That's it. That's how it should work. So, for example, if you're calling for the daily skeptic to lose their livelihood because you don't like that they're telling the truth about lockdowns, or even if they were, maybe they were a blue and on site and they were talking all this stupid bullshit, not related to health matters, but just dumb bullshit about Vladimir Putin or whatever. If you call for them to lose their livelihood, then you should, you should lose your livelihood. If you call for them to be, like when Ojama King the other day called for more deplatformings, she should be deplatformed. Now, I'm not saying it has to be permanent. It just depends. I'll give you, how about 30 days on the first offense, six months on the second offense, the third offense, you got to go. Actually, third offense, especially if you're a commie, you get deported. Third offense, you're deported. You can pick your country. I don't care. You just got to get the fuck out of here. Um, NewsGuard, founded in 2018, works closely with corporate advertisers. One of its largest investors is Publicis Gropi which is the largest marketing agency in the world. But to Fang, who's even more, what's more concerning is NewsGuard's ties to the government. The founders of NewsGuard have been caught privately pitching the company to clients as a tool for content moderation on the industrial scale. Most of, and, this, and people like Schellenberger and people like Mike Bence and, you know, Taibbi, all of the people that did the, the Twitter files. And it's not just Twitter files. Twitter files is one moderate portion of it. There are many other examples. But particularly Mike Benz, uh, uh, what is it, Mike Benz Cyber on uh, uh, Twitter, B-E-N-Z. They have uncovered that the vast majority of the censorship is at the behest of the government. The governments, not just the United States, uh, UK, the EU, they are behind the vast majority of the censorship. For a while there, they did a really good job of, of selling the narrative that it was just left-wing ideologues and blue-haired cat-piss ladies that were doing it. But in reality, it was mostly the government. Now, there's partial truth to, like, the cat ladies and the lunatic trannies, and that's, that's, it's not that that didn't happen. That does happen. But the vast majority of it is from the government. None of it should be tolerated, whether it's Troons or the government. It should all be completely done away with. They should not be able to censor legal speech at all. And again, if you call for the censorship of legal speech, you have to be censored. Um, if I ran things, you know. Anyway, during the pitch, NewsGuard uh, noted that the service is already being used by intelligence and national security officials. Everyone involved in that should be arrested, of course. Uh, you should not. What an abuse of power by the CIA, the FBI, the NSA. What an abuse of power to censor your own citizens. That's, that's absolute treachery. You should be, you should absolutely go to jail. Uh, but they won't go to jail. They'll put us in jail for calling it out. That's what they're going to do. Well, what are you going to do? It is what it is. <clears throat> um, at least you'll go to bed at night knowing that you're a fucking pedophile, uh, CIA, FBI, NSA. Although some of you are happy with that. You like being pedophiles. That's okay. That's all right. <clears throat> anyway, we'll see. The lawsuit points to the Pentagon's contract with NewsGuard for almost a million dollars to identify false narratives regarding the war between Ukraine and Russia. Well, just watch the Sitch and Adam show. They'll tell you what the false narratives are and why it's okay to lock up Coach Redpill. Uh, NewsGuard had... Rep but, but, oh, but they said that they were against it. They did, yeah, like I said, oh, we're against this, but 
Here are all the reasons why it's kind of okay. Anyway, NewsGuard has reportedly targeted consortium news over a few columns, pointing out neo-Nazi elements in the Ukrainian military. Yeah, you're not allowed to talk about that. Not allowed to talk about that. Last week, the Federalist Daily Wire and the state of Texas filed a lawsuit against the State Department, uh, who were funding the censorship enterprises. Good. I hope they're successful. I hope all these lawsuits against these fuckers are successful. So we'll see what happens. Now, this is really hilarious. And um, on the one hand, like, I don't... If, if retarded commies want to have social events and exclude people... I have no problem with that because I have no interest in associating with retarded communists, okay? The bullshit here is the fact that they pretend that normal people are racist, the normal people who just deal with each other and they're, they're the racist, Whereas, and, but, but these retarded commies, they're the good virtuous people. They're really woke about race. It's crazy. These are, they, these are segregationists. Now, I think if you want to segregate, you should be allowed to. Okay, I'm not really, I'm not a person, like, I'm not going to make any changes in my day-to-day -day life, okay? Um, but people should be free to associate with who they want. The problem here is if white people decided to have a whites-only event, which they should be allowed to have if they want to, um, they would freak out and act like the Holocaust is taking place. But if they want to have a, a Christmas party that excludes white people, oh, that's completely righteous. And uh, so, and, and, uh, so this bitch got caught because they sent out invitations to white people and then were like, sorry, you're not supposed to get it. You're not allowed to come to the party. And then um, they still had the party anyway. Now, again, I don't care that they had the party. I would rather kill myself than go to a party like this. Even a party, I said this the other day, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not, this is not a negative. Uh, I, this is, I'm the one with the problem, okay? It doesn't mean, if you want to have a fancy fucking party for your movie, at Mar-a-Lago, great. Uh, look, there's not as much AIDS at a thing like that than there would be at like a Hollywood premiere. And look, there's some great stuff about there. Some of these women walk around with their tits fucking out. I mean, they're out. They are out. Remember when they did that Rittenhouse party and Lara Logan was there? Remember that picture? Holy shit. So obviously that part I'm totally on board with. You want to walk around like that at that party? That'd be fantastic. Um, but the whole environment with a lot of people where there's a, there's a very, it's a very, uh, what was the word I used the other day? It's a very, uh, it's a very parasaic, not among everyone. Not everyone is acting like a parasite. Not everyone. I, I brought the example of the, of the party that, that, uh, the, um, the guy that got railroaded by Obama, um, Denesta Shusa for one of his movies. And I said, people like Patrick, Bet David were there. I like Patrick, Bet David. I have no issue with Patrick, Bet David. Um, but I bet you there's a lot of people that try to suck off Patrick Bet David when they see him. Now, I could be wrong about that. I'm just basing it off of the last time I was in an environment like that was when I went to CPAC. And I am telling you, the people walking up to Kaylee McEnany, where it was, and it wasn't just like people who were like, hey, I like you. Can I take a picture? I don't care about stuff like that, except if the motherfuckers coming out of the bathroom, like this asshole, tried to get me to take a picture of Dan Bongino right after he took a piss. And the look on Bongino's face it was kind of like, you know, and I was like, oh, fuck. I, I took the picture anyway. But I was like, why are you? I'm like, this guy, I'm like, why are you having me get involved in your little gay op to try to get a picture with Dan Bongino? You didn't even, you don't know him. He doesn't know you. What are you going to be like, oh, I took a picture. I was in his presence for a half a second. And I like Dan Bongino. I think his show is good. I don't, 
I'm not going to say, what am I going to say to Dan Bongino? He's a total stranger. Hey, how you doing? I mean, what, what, what is this? But like I said, it's possible. I'm just not a normal person. And I'm not antisocial. I'm just like, it's just, it's just not, it's not for me, is my point. Okay. Now, but I said before that if I had to deal with a situation like that, it's obviously better than like what you would get at this Christmas party with a bunch of AIDS commies. I'd rather be around like people in the conservative Mar-a-Lago environment um, than these motherfuckers. Like these motherfuckers would be, oh my God. Because, you know, at least at Mar-a-Lago, you can probably get hammered at the bar. And you'll probably run into a few people that are reasonable. So it's not, you know, it's not a total loss. These people? Can you imagine associating with Michelle Wu and these people? Of course, if you're white, they would probably, they probably spit in your food. Boston's Democrat commie mayor, Michelle Wu, boasted in an Instagram post on Friday about having a special moment with fellow elected officials at a government Christmas party that excluded white people. Wu faced backlash earlier this year after an email from her administration mistakenly went out to all city council members inviting them to the elected of color holiday party. After doubling down on her administration's decision to hold the holiday party with only people of color, Wu celebrated the gathering by posting a picture of everyone in attendance. So there you go. This is the anti-white party that they had. Uh, here's the thing. I, I saw where... Um, Who's that libertarian homosexual? Uh, what the hell's his name? He's from Reason, I think. He 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 has a show with this lunatic leftist, Brianna Joy Gray, Robbie Soav or whatever. So they were talking about this. Now Robbie Soav is kind of like a blue-pilled centrist liberal, maybe. He's um, he's just uh, you know too much soy for me. But um, he, anyway, his point was that you know this is like totally against what uh, people for the most part on the left, have said that they were for all these years. We were supposed to be for uh, equality and the races getting along. And now, now that you have an opening, now that you've gotten a lot of mainstream society to go along with the fuck white people narrative, now you're doing this. Now, my thing is like, and of course, Brianna Joy Gray defended this and claimed it was like the same thing as if like Jews were having a dinner for yarmulke or whatever the fuck they celebrate, or if it was like a veterans dinner. But I'm there's no first of first of all, I, back in the day, I went to a couple of the Jewish dinners, okay, and and I'm not Jewish at all. There was a family that my wife at the time uh, uh, nannied for, and they did I don't remember what the fuck it was called. And they were like, you want to stay? I happened to be there because uh, they lived in like a mansion. So I would just be in the basement watching TV in this fucking like movie theater screen. This was like 100 years ago. But um, they were like, you want to stay for dinner? And we stayed for dinner. It was like, it was like nothing. These are like normal people. These aren't there. So there wasn't a lot of like, like if you asked me, well, was it the traditional, you know, Yabba Dabba Sabbath or whatever? I have no idea. Like what goes on? Like it, these were not like necessarily like religious pious Jews, so there wasn't any sort of like uh, scripture reading or I don't know what you do. Okay, but anyway, my point is this: there was no you can't be here because you're white. Okay, and I've never been to a veterans dinner. I'm never I've never heard of a veterans dinner, especially at a place like the White House or at a Capitol where a certain race is excluded. So here's my thing about this: just would you stop pretending? Okay, none of this matters. Like, people can associate with who they want, okay? And who cares? 
but stop moral fagging about it, okay? Because you're no different than the very people that you point your finger to. And you're, oh, they don't like blah, blah, blah. Shut the fuck up, okay? You're, 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 you're not only, actually, I'm wrong when I say you're just like them. You're way worse than them. Because a lot of these people are at least honest. You know, you get people who would rather self-segregate. They're just like, I'd like to live amongst people that I would like to live. And by the way, they're in all different races. It's not just some white people. There's people, there's black people that just want to live among black people. I don't fault you for that. No problem. No problem. Did you see that clip where this uh, stupid motherfucker said to this other guy? So this uh, retard said, um, why can't uh, white people be put on their own island? And, and this guy responded, well, you know, if they did that, then everybody, it would be a great island and then everyone would want to come to the island. That was a great response, whoever that guy was. He probably got in trouble because it, it seemed like a kind of a more of a mainstream podcast. And then I thought, yeah, it's kind of like America, isn't it? But the whole time they're telling you white people are evil, they, they do this new movie with a bunch of fucking retards where they're like, white people are the most dangerous animal of all and blah, 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 blah. And, um, and so um, that's, yeah. White people did a lot of good stuff, and everyone's like wants a part of it. But then they tell you, they call you the asshole while they, you know, try to come and like take advantage of what the people came before you built. Now it wasn't a hundred percent white, um, but it was a lot of white. There was a lot of white. I think you should just give the proper credit to the people that deserve it, and a lot of it was European whites. A lot of Western civilization was built by European whites. Not a hundred percent, but you know, eighty percent, seventy-five percent. It's a big, big number. Big number. Anyway, whatever. It's a weird thing that they try to get into a dick measuring contest with white people over things like invention. That's uh, that's not a good move. But whatever. Do what you want. Actually, the way they get around it is they just pretend that black people invented everything. <laughs> that's it. They're like, wait, Jesus was black. Everybody was black. All right. Whatever, dude. Anyway, so there you go. I expect, and I haven't seen it yet. But I expect a media narrative surrounding this defending the pedophile. But we'll see. Florida seeks the death penalty for an accused child rapist. The state of Florida is seeking for the first time to use the death penalty against a man accused of sexually abusing a child. A grand jury indicted Joseph Gayampa on six counts of sexual battery upon a person under 12 years of age. And three counts of promoting a sexual performance by a child. Uh, Gampa was arrested on November 2nd after they arrived at his home to question him. Gampa showed deputies a video that was on a laptop in his camper that allegedly depicted him sexually abusing a child while recording the act. See, this is this is what I refer to like during the um, Russian Wood story. This is like dead to rights evidence. Uh, I think if you're going to pull off harsh penalties, you just have to make sure that you're sure. Okay, that's why I don't like the death penalty across the board, because there are innocent people that get killed. You can't have that. This is not that situation, just like the Russian Wood story was not that situation, because you had video evidence of the person committing the act. Case closed, absolute death penalty, or trip to the Russian Woods, whatever it is. Um, so I bring this up. If they decide, if the media decides to defend the pedophile, just make sure you know that part of the story. This is a dead to rights case. It's not, this is, this is, it's, it's not like a person said, or they're not sure, or an eyewitness was an 80 year old woman. That's not what we have here. What we have is we have video. Okay. That's it. Case closed. You're done. That's it. You got to go. Uh, during the video, 
the man who was recording it put down the recording device and stepped in front of it, at which point deputies identified the man as Giampa. Florida Governor DeSantis threw his support behind seeking the death penalty. By the way, credit to DeSantis. I absolutely support the death penalty for pedophiles. Again, you just have to be sure. In this case, they're sure. Off with his head or whatever they're going to do. Um, DeSantis said uh, today, uh, FLSA05 announced that they will seek the death penalty in a case of sexual battery against a child under 12. By the way, this is a good case to do it with because it forces the leftists to defend the indefensible, but which they will happily do. They will happily do. It'll be the first case to challenge SCOTUS since I signed legislation to make pedophiles eligible for the death penalty. Good. Um, okay, we'll see what happens, but I imagine you're going to get a media narrative and they're going to defend the pedophile. But I could be wrong. You never know. They are the most predictable people on earth, though, so they probably will. Okay, this is, again, this is just, this should not be tolerated in society. If you do something like this, you need to be removed from your position. School board member sworn in on a stack of gay porn instead of the Bible. Okay, you got to go. You can't be a member of the school board. You got to go. Escort them out. A school board member in Virginia took his oath of office with his hand not on the Bible, but on a stack of books containing graphic depictions of gay sex. See, this is what I'm talking about, right? What do you do in a situation with people like this? They use your the freedoms afforded to people. They use... Um, your principles against you in order to do things that are completely atrocious and unacceptable. You have a few options, right? You tolerate it, which I don't think you should tolerate it. It's not like it was Mad Magazine. If this guy was like a joker and he's not a Christian and he wants to put, do Mad Magazine, whatever. But, but, but he's not doing that. He's doing it on books that have uh, homosexual pedophile propaganda in them that they've been using to groom children. So this is a clear line cross. So now, if you didn't tolerate this and you're only allowed to use the Bible and you had you know, rules that you kept in place, then maybe this, something like this doesn't happen. But you know how you get like this? You know how this happens? Tolerance. Tolerance is what allows this. We were taught that tolerance was a good thing. Tolerance is not a good thing. Um, you should tolerate normal things, like normal behavior, but this, there should be no tolerance for this. This should be an immediate disqualification, and, but it won't be, of course. But, um, and this is why you have to, who is going to be in control of shit? Our society is going to have to answer this question. Do we allow the atheists, LGBT, whatever group you want to call these people, to remain in control while they continually groom children and do all this atrocious shit? Um, or if the Christians take over? You want it to be the Christians. What other people could take over? Muslims? I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass on that one. They already have the UK locked up. Don't give them another country. They have enough countries. First of all, there's enough Islamic countries. They have the UK on lock. Okay, so how about not in America? Can, can America be, how about America can be the one Western country that's not becoming an Islamic nation? Can we do that, please? So, um, yeah, this is why I think for the sake of order, it just has to, Christianity has to be enforced in a situation like this. I don't love that answer. And I'm, I'm willing to come off the answer if, I, if I'm given like a, a reasonable alternative. But this is why this, you just can't have this. You just can't have this. 
So anyway, we'll see. You know, I could be wrong. School board member in Virginia took his oath of office with his hand, not on a Bible, but on a stack of books containing graphic depictions of gay sex. Carl Frisch, who will become the chairman of the Fairfax County School Board, swapped the Bible for books including Lawn Boy, Gender Queer, and Flamer. His male partner held uh, the books as he placed his left hand on them and his right hand in the air. Yeah, just, I, so, so now nah, we're just, I'm just, yeah, I'm done with all of it. Doesn't mean society's done with it. I'm one person. But yeah, this is this all has to go. This is this is what gay marriage is bringing us. Okay, you got to go. That's that's enough of that. He has sworn on the stack of five LGBTQ-themed books, most frequently banned by other school systems. In September 2021, nearly all Fairfax school board members, except Frisch, fled the dais as a mother read passages from the books. Quote: What if I told you I touched another guy's dick? What if I told you I sucked it? I was 10 years old, but it's true. I sucked Doug Goebel's dick, the real estate guy, and he sucked mine too. Read one passage from Lawn Boy. So obviously this is pedophile. This, this is what I'm talking about. This is pedophilia. A guy is a real estate guy. Obviously a real estate guy is over 18. Okay. And a 10 year old sucked his dick. This is, this is why I call this pedophile propaganda. That is what this is. Okay. Now, if you want to read, I don't really, actually, I don't care. Look, I was going to say, if you want to read pedophile shit, and you're, no, go fuck yourself. I don't care. Okay, this all needs to be, put all these books in a big pile, call out Fireball from the Running Man, and burn it to the fucking ground. A board member then tried to cut her mic, saying, there are all children in the audience, there are children in the audience. Right, right. Which is funny, because they, they are fine with children reading this. The mother replied, these books are in stock and available in the libraries. Gender Queer, a comic book uh, featuring illustrations of a lesbian receiving oral sex with strap-on dildos. They kept that in the libraries after saying it was well-written, scientifically-based narrative of one person's journey with gender identity. See how they do that? They get uh, uh, pedophile homosexuals or pedophile homosexual adjacent people in academia to just go along and go, oh, this is good for children. And then they go, hey, look at this study. Truth has been made. Now it's okay to sexualize young children because academia says so. That's how they do it. It's amazing. And then they're like, what are you? Then they'll be like, conservatives don't even agree with academia. They're anti-science. It's an amazing... I tell you, they're good at it. They are good at what they did. The, the propaganda, they're, they're retarded a lot of the time. But man, when it comes to changing language and redefining shit, they're very good. Uh, hopefully we can undo a lot of this because this is crazy. Daily Wire review of the autobiography comic found that it shows a non-binary teenager and a young adult who says that her sexual fantasies involve two male partners and whose sister tells her to taste herself, leading her to put what she calls vagina slime on her finger. Again, this is they're giving this to not just high schoolers, not just middle schoolers, but also elementary school kids. In her journey of self-discovery, Maya visits the headquarters of a porn company that produced films called Public Disgrace, Bound in Public and Hardcore Gangbangs. By the way, it is not a coincidence that Fairfax County is the same county where you had that story of the uh, a woman that worked in a library who called the cops on another woman because the other woman who was a librarian was encouraging a child to get involved in sex work. And the woman called the cops and she's like, how is that legal? This, like, this, this is a child? And then they said that there were other children doing sex work. 
And uh, I don't think the cops did anything. And so you're telling me that this is not like the, that pedophilia is not rampant in, in Fairfax County. You're telling me that, I mean, come on, give me a break here. So there you go. That's uh, sick, sick. There should be no tolerance. That guy should be removed from his position. Um, now we have the Pornhub manager admits pornography is unhealthy, addictive in an undercover video. This is actually tame compared to the last video where they were um, uh, talking about how they put tranny stuff. They're trying to convert people to be homosexual or trannies. And I don't even, I don't buy the whole conversion argument because if you throw a cock in my face, I'm just going to click off of it. If I'm putting on, you know, something and, and then all of a sudden there's like too many cocks, you know, because I try to minimize uh, uh, cocks, uh, it, 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 whether it's porn or sexual experiences. Uh, my main aim is to minimize the amount of cocks involved. And um, so if there's too many cocks, I'm just going to clip. I'm going to just flip off the uh, the the thing. Maybe I don't know. I, I don't I don't get it. But uh, it's still fucked up to try to convert because we were taught this whole time. We, we can't convert. You're either gay or you're not. All right, well, then why are you trying to convert people? If someone's gay, they're going to watch gay shit. Or if someone's bi, they're going to watch gay shit some of the time, and then they're going to watch straight shit some of the time. So this is just, this is it's, this all has to go. It all has to go, okay? I, and I'm not even necessarily, I'm anti-porn industry. I'm not anti the idea of a woman getting naked on camera. I'm not against that, okay? I like nudity. I like women, uh, nudity of women, attractive women. And, and I like and I like naked women or scantily clad women as ambiance. I'm a fan of that. But that that's different than what we're seeing here. And that's also something that should be done underground and in private, definitely away from kids. And it shouldn't be embraced by mainstream society because there's no thrill in it if it's embraced by mainstream society. So I'm for the complete dismantling of the porn industry, but I just think strategically the best way to go about it. Because if you if you just come out and you're like, we're banning porn, leftists are going to get a lot of normies to agree with them and they're going to argue First Amendment. Okay, So a way around that would be to just go after the porn industry from the angle of human trafficking. You would be able to make huge inroads in dismantling the porn industry if you do that. And then you put them in the position to have to defend human trafficking. Because then they're going to go, oh, you're banning porn. You're going to go, we're not banning porn, bigot. We're cracking down on human trafficking. What are you, for human trafficking? What would be funny is they'll probably get a bunch of academics to come out with articles about how human trafficking is actually beneficial and it helps black people, black women the most. You know, these people are crazy. They'll do something like that. Anyway, whatever. Um, so the guy said, I definitely think porn addiction is a thing. That's for sure. I don't think it's a positive thing in general. Liberating, he questioned before saying it. I don't know. I think it's just an easy way out. To me, it doesn't seem like something that would be good. I don't think any watch, anybody watches porn and feels good about themselves after. Farley said, eh, neutral. I feel neutral. See, but I'm the wrong person to ask. Because, see, I was in the JWs. JWs take sex so seriously, and I grew up in that environment. I'm the complete opposite of that now. Um, but uh, So I would say I'm neutral. But uh, when I was at JW, I'd be like, oh, Jehovah's going to kill me. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> whatever. Farley said the company doesn't really know the implications of this shit, citing critiques made by Jordan Peterson. The video is the latest in a series released by Sound Investigations, which previously revealed the embattled porn company attempts to introduce tranny pornographic content to straight men, which is insane. By the way, that that's horrible that they do that, but that pales in comparison to, what was it? Two years ago, 
it was uncovered that they had there's a bunch of CP on there. And and they, it's not like it was an accident. They knew because the victims were trying to get them to take the videos down. This also happened on Twitter before Musk bought it. And the companies refused to do anything about it. Anyway, what did they get? A slap on the wrist and like they lost Visa and MasterCard for a year or something? No one was arrested. How is no one arrested? Anyway, well, there you go. So there you go. Yeah, you got to go after it from the human trafficking standpoint, but whatever. We'll see what happens. Uh, Democrats continue to deny evidence of government pushing big tech to censor Americans. Well, it's because they're benefiting from it. During a hearing titled Censorship Laundering Part 2, Preventing the Department of Homeland Security in their silencing of dissent this week, Democrats once again denied or downplayed the large amounts of evidence showing DHS and CISA had pressured big tech to censor. This is what regime propagandists are doing. They're pretending that it's not a big deal. It's not happening. Or they say they have to do it. Um, One of the regime propagandists, Destiny, uh, when it came to the Hunter Biden laptop uh, for many uh, parts of the debate was like, oh, it's not happening. There's no evidence at all. And then it, towards the end, it was, well, the FBI has to do it. What do, you, what, what do you think? What do you want the FBI not to do it? Yeah, I want the FBI not to do it. They should not be involved. Dan Bishop opened the hearing by providing an overview of some of the most egregious examples of government agencies pressuring tech companies to censor. Several of the witnesses, including Michael Schellenberger, um, Mark Chenoweth and uh, Gary Lewowski spoke out ab- uh, about the federal government leaning on big tech to censor and provide further examples of this. But several Democrat lawmakers downplayed the evidence and testimony and insisted the platforms were making their own content moderation decisions. Representative Glenn Ivey, the AIDS commie Democrat from Maryland, asserted that claims about CISA being a giant censorship entity completely misses the mark and claimed that platforms were never compelled to take down content. To support his claims, Ivey showed several quotes from CISA members who denied that the censorship occurred and invoked disclaimers that CISA included in their emails. It's not government censorship or censorship by proxy. Social media companies are privately owned and make content decisions based on their terms of service. Total bullshit. Total bullshit. Ivy accused um, one of the district courts uh, in the Missouri v. Biden case uh, that, um, that it was issuing opinions based on false or misinformation. He concluded his opening comments by framing the attempt to halt government censorship pressure as having a chilling effect on CISA and researchers who have been flagging content. There should be a chilling effect, and I would hope eventually they're all arrested. When Ivy questioned Chenoweth on where he would draw the line on governments reaching out to platforms, he said that when the government reaches out to platforms to shut down speech, it becomes censorship, and that the line should be based about uh, around whether the speech is lawful. H. Kami lunatic Yvette Clark focused her comments on how some of CISA's censorship programs no longer exist and framed concerns about CISA flagging content for censorship as fear-mongering bullshit. It's clear CISA has not engaged in any nefarious or unconstitutional activity. That's a lie. There's simply no evidence of it. Okay, okay, Sitchinetta. The court case, Missouri v. Bidem, revolves around the allegations the federal government officials influence social media companies. Yeah, the Supreme Court is taking it up, and we will see what they do. I have no faith in the Supreme Court, but it is possible that they rule the right way. We'll have to see. We will have to see. Okay. Let me uh, put the speakers on, and we'll get to some videos here. I'm going to start off. Let's see, who is the first one? This is uh, 
Uh, Rachel Maddow's sister. This is about, oh yeah, man, they are pushing this economy is good thing really hard. They really, they just, it's just not going to work. It's just people see what they see at the grocery store. There's nothing you could do about that. All right, here we go. Maddow's sister. Good evening from New York. I'm Chris Hayes. I have some news about that recession that everyone said was coming. I think maybe it's not going to come. Now, whether you believe it or not, or if you feel it or not, the United States economy at the macro level under President Biden is, according to nearly every metric we use to measure, su measure such things, in excellent shape. So that's the exact, uh, that's like the exact line of Pacman. That's why, again, this is all coordinated. This is not organic. It's the exact same phrase David Pacman uses. Now, what they did with the recession, this was, I don't know, was it about a year, year and a half ago, there were two, uh, two straight quarters of negative GDP. That is officially a recession. So what they did, as they do with everything, they just redefined it. And suddenly we're like, no, we're not in a recession. And then they were like, ha ha, the recession never happened. This is just, again, this is just total retardation. People see that you're lying. You know, it's like different. It's one thing, you know, if you're in North Korea and like you get put in a camp immediately, if you, if you think the wrong thing, you know, you can have a lot of fucking uh, um, influence over people. And a lot of people are just going to go along with it. But we're in America. And while they are trying to round up conservatives and they're in the process of that, they're not it's not like a massive number. It's probably 100. Well, if you count. Oh, if you count the J6. We're pro oh, man, if you count the J6 people. Yeah, we're, we're probably in the thousands. Are we in the thousands? We're, we're, we're up there. We're up there. So, yes, the thousand, that's a lot. That's a lot, actually. Yeah. Okay, so it's just, again, one of these situations where you're like, you know, you're kind of just, uh, there's, you're running out of, uh, out of runway, you know? You're just, uh, you're trying to, like, say, well, you know, it's going to get worse. It's not, but it's bad now. It's bad now. It's not, I mean, it is going to get worse, but it's, it's not, like, I was going to say, well, you know, the numbers may be, like, you know, 150, 200, but then again, J6, it's in the thousands. Okay. Um but it, but they still aren't able to do it like North Korea does it, nor will they ever be able to because there's so many guns in the country. Uh, on top of that, the problem they have is the Internet, and people can freely share information. And what's even worse for them on this narrative is you also have the grocery store, that people go to the grocery store. So when you tell people, hey, everything's good by every metric, it's good, they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yesterday, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, announced the Fed will keep interest rates steady for now and forecast they will cut rates three times in 2024. Now, that may seem obscure, the kind of thing that the business press covers very, very closely, but it's massively significant. It is a hugely positive indicator that we may be through the worst of our... Look, look at this. Look, I mean, again, remember Baghdad Bob? Remember Baghdad Bob? This is, this is exactly, this is that or North Korea propaganda, whatever analogy or whatever comparison you want to make. Look at this. The greatest economy. <laughs> it is, it is, it's just, it's amazing. The gaslighting is amazing. Recent economic challenges, the most difficult, turbulent ones we've seen in a generation at least. And next year, we could have something that looks like normalcy. I mean, better than normalcy. <laughs> a, a growing economy unfettered by the aftermath of COVID. 
As Jerome Powell explained, it's not quite mission accomplished. The economy, our economy, has defied all expectations, oh, all predictions of doom, and yes. all systems right now are roaring ahead. Yes, because we've redefined things, and now we're pretending none of them are happening. Forecasters generally, if you go back a year, were very broadly uh, forecasting a recession for this year, for 2023. And not only did that not happen, that includes Fed forecasters and really essentially all forecasters, a very high proportion of forecasters, very weak growth or a recession. Not only did that not happen, we actually had a very strong year. And that was a combination of, of strong demand, but also uh, real gains on the supply side. So this was the year when labor force participation picked up, where immigration picked up, where the um, distortions to supply and demand from the pandemic, you know, the shortages and the, and the bottlenecks really began to unwind. So we had significant supply side gains with strong demand, and we got what looks like a 2.5% plus or a little more than that growth year. So the, the disruptions of COVID unwinding, more people joining the labor force, more immigration, also crucial, right? Uh, all coming together to produce growth that's above target, right? Not just not of getting in a recession, like a strong year of growth. And in reaction to Jay Powell coming out and saying, look, we think we've navigated this. We think we don't have to keep hiking rates. We think we have inflation under control. We think we're on the glide path to normalcy for the first time in the last few years. In reaction to that news, a real indication that we've made it through this turbulence, the stock market went bananas. All three of the major averages hit 52-week highs. The Dow set an all-time record, closing above 37,000 for the first time. It was such a big deal, even Fox News had to acknowledge it. Our graphics guys went nuts today because the Dow is now at it. There we go. Thank you. That is the highest the Dow has ever been. Uh, I broke a record that goes back almost two years. Scott Martin is here to celebrate not only that record, but the graphics that go with it. Scott, always good Where's to see. Where's the champagne? Yes, indeed. Well, I already drank it. So, But you know what's remarkable? Oh, I, I've been drinking, too. Good. I bet you have. It's sort of a wild to see that, right, on Fox Business News. Now, but part of the reason they're so psyched is because, you know, it's good for rich people when stock goes up. Good for most people, but, but, but really good for rich people. And it's clear that, like, the stock market is in the economy. But remember, the reason the stock market went up yesterday is because the actual economy looks like it's doing so well. Now, the White House, the Biden White House, certainly didn't ignore all this good news. But they didn't take that much of a victory lap either. I mean, they, they sent out a few tweets highlighting the decrease in gas prices and inflation, which are important and good. During the daily briefing, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre touted the president's work to, quote, grow our economy from the middle out. They sent Jared Bernstein, chair of the Council of Economic Advisors, out to do the rounds on TV. All of that is good. I mean, they should, right? But just take a second right now, okay, to consider what the alternate reality would be like in this moment after this turbulence under a Donald Trump presidency. My strong belief is that part of the reason that people's perception the economy was good in the Trump era, that Trump would be good at managing the economy, is that he constantly, unceasingly sledgehammered us over the head with propaganda about it day after day after <laughs> That's literally what you're doing. That is what you are doing. Per day. The economy under his leadership was the greatest of all time. We have the best economy, greatest economy we've ever had. We're the greatest economy that we've ever had in the history of our country. We have the greatest economy anywhere in the world. We built the greatest 
economy in the history of the world. We have the greatest economy on Earth, not even close. By the way, that, that wasn't true, just to be clear. I mean, depending on how you even think of the metrics. But even worse, amidst the tumult, the scariest, toughest days of the pandemic, when Donald Trump was president, let's remember, okay? Didn't stop in 2019, he was president in 2020. During those worst days, when we were staring down the barrel of a mass death event that was gonna kill more than a million Americans, Donald Trump was focused on that economic propaganda, not even the economy, economic propaganda in that moment. I want you to take a time machine back to that Black Friday with me, March 13th, 2020, okay? It was the first week when it was clear to everyone the pandemic was here, it was very seriously, and it was gonna close everything down, massively disrupt all our lives across the globe. What did Donald Trump do that? I gotta fix entropy, I'm just gonna let this play. Okay. Donald Trump invited a bunch of CEOs of major companies to come to the White House to stand up at the podium with him in the Rose Garden for an hour and 15 minute press conference. He used the opportunity to tout all the ways that he and they, in partnership, were going to fight the pandemic and how these companies were going to help him. And the first one he called out was Google. I want to thank Google. Google is helping to develop a website. It's going to be very quickly done, unlike websites of the past, to determine whether a test is warranted and to facilitate testing, facilitate testing at a nearby convenient location. Google has uh, 1,700 okay. engineers Entropy working on this should be, right uh, now. Fixed. It's made tremendous progress. Our overriding goal is to stop the spread of the virus and to help all Americans who have been impacted by this. Wow, that sounds incredible, this public-private partnership with one of the most uh, notorious, amazing American businesses, Google. Yeah, this I remember this narrative. Then they lied and said Google wasn't doing it, but they actually were doing it, just like they lied and said Trump. Um, uh, the, oh, when when he was talking about Operation Warp Speed, and then they and then Moderna or BioNTech was like, oh, the, the government hasn't given us any money. And then you read the press release, and they weren't supposed to get money to the. Yeah, I remember all of this. It's all bullshit. Okay, why are you bringing back this lie? This is like such a silly lie to bring back. It was completely bogus. It was totally fabricated. The whole thing. Invented out of thin air. The, the Again, no, it wasn't. Total bullshit. 1,500 number, all of it. Not First of all, Google put a lot of the uh, coronavirus. They did a whole thing with Google Maps. Just give me a break with this, okay? Holy shit. Not making a nationwide coronavirus testing website. They had no idea. Yeah, again, but do you see the, the, the shell game? If they put it all in maps for people to look at on their phone... They can lie and say, well, we, it's not a website. You, you see what I'm saying? It's like how Snopes does it. It's just such bullshit. Uh, that Donald Trump was going to claim that it was. They had no idea what to say when reporters asked them. Just wholly fabricated. Bullshit. And then the president called out every CEO by name, making the celebrities, as we referred to them, each say a few words to the gathered press. If I could... Uh... Some of these folks we know, they're celebrities in their own right. They're the biggest business people, the greatest retailers anywhere in the world. And one of them is Doug McMillan from Walmart. And I'd like to have Doug. So what would happen is people would get up, they'd give their speech, and then leftists would bombard them and threaten them. And then they would be like, oh, we didn't have anything to do with it. It's just so stupid. It's the same thing. Remember, like, um, 
Trump was talking about heel light, I think it was called. It, it's this thing. I, I don't remember how it works, but it, it somehow shoots UV light and it like kills uh, viruses or whatever. But it was called heel light. It's a real thing. It's a real company. This company had a contract with, I think, Mount Sinai Hospital. Okay. Anyway, Trump talks about it. And the media, during the whole, they pretended he told people to inject bleach. He didn't tell people to inject bleach. It completely fabricated. Anyway, leftists started attacking Heel Light, and then YouTube started banning all of Heel Light's demonstration videos. And they went after this company because Trump talked about it. It was like fucking crazy. So this is what they did with all this shit. So then Google would be like, oh, we're not doing anything. And then, even, like I said, BioNTech even said that they're not doing anything with the government at the time, which is crazy. Obviously, Operation Warp Speed was real. And I don't like Operation Warp Speed. But it did happen. And they did get money from the government. But they lied in there because they, they, they did legalese because they're like, well, we haven't received money from the government. No, because you're supposed to get it upon delivery. And at the time, they hadn't delivered yet. Would say a few words. I'll just stay right over here. And Richard, if you could come up, please. Richard, please. Walgreens. Brian Cornell. Target, Stephen Rakowski, Quest Diagnostics, and Matt Sauce, please, of Roche. Matt, thank you, Matt. David Pierre of Signify, Signify Health. Adam Schechter, who's really been of tremendous help. LabCorp, please, Adam. Thomas Moriarty, CVS. We all know CVS. Again, this was like, it was. You know what's funny? They're like, he didn't do anything about COVID. You're playing a press conference in which he got the heads of industry together to do shit about COVID. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And look, if you want to criticize Trump for going along with a lot of the COVID narrative, I agree with you. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when they say Trump didn't do anything about COVID. You're playing a pr press conference and now you're criticizing him for doing it. It's amazing. We were in the DEFCON portion of this. Like, it was coming, okay? That's what he's doing, this dog and pony show. That routine, combined with a long question and answer portion, took up enough time. The CEOs were all trapped in the Rose Garden through the closing bell of the stock market, which Trump knew. And that spectacle, oh, American business is coming together to make this all go away, it worked. It worked. This Potemkin village, this propaganda show, the markets went up. Donald Trump boasted of that achievement, get this, by signing a chart of the Dow that day and sending it to his buddy Lou Dobbs on Fox Business. The president celebrating his uh, signature uh, day today. The White House sent along uh, to me a, uh, a, a <laughs> signed chart of the skyrocketing Dow, the S&P 500, and NASDAQ. Uh, that, uh, the, the Dow, by the way, rose more than a 1,000 oh points uh, from the time he started talking uh, to the time the news conference, his news conference was over. I'm sorry, how is this bad? How is this a bad thing? It's just like amazing. How is this bad? I don't understand how this is bad. You could say it's self-aggrandizing. It's bad that people made money. What's, what's the problem here? With his decisive announcement to declare the coronavirus pandemic a national emergency. Of course, it, it didn't mean anything in the long term. It was an utterly short-lived victory. The virus didn't go away. The next day, 
the markets were open over the weekend, right? Monday, March 16th, the Dow collapsed, suffering its third worst day ever, of course, because guess what? The mass death event was still bearing down on us. Yeah, it wasn't, though. It was a media narrative. So like I said, you can criticize Trump for going along with the media narrative, no problem. But the angle that they're uh, attacking him on is total bullshit. So what we saw from Donald Trump in March 2020, the first time he was really tested as president, right? First real crisis showing up, he's got to deal with it, was the staged fake propaganda version of economic success amidst an impending mass death event. Yesterday we got was the real version. Joe Biden has had to deal from crisis, with crisis from day one. Donald Trump got to coast for the first few years, right? He got it. He, he had to deal with COVID, and that's what he did. Joe Biden has had to deal with crisis from day one. And yesterday, when Jay Powell went out there and said, wow, look where we are, all signs show that we have actually subsequently accomplished this incredibly difficult economic goal, and the markets went up. And the difference between how Donald Trump and Joe Biden handled those moments tells us something important about why we are where we are. I'm joined now by Democratic pollster and strategist Cornell Belcher. Uh, Cornell Butch, great to have you. I want to talk about you. You've been polling on this stuff for a long time, uh, and and you know the, this sort of it's the economy, stupid, which is the old Bill Clinton, right? 1992. He's running as the challenger. He's running the challenger amidst a recession. Don't make it more complicated. Than it is. People are unhappy. I represent change. Vote for me, right? But my question to you is, how much does messaging about the economy matter? Like, it seems to me there's this idea that it's all material conditions, but it also seems to me like... Well, again, messaging is irrelevant. If the economy sucks, people know that it sucks. It doesn't matter how much you lie to them. The ceaseless messaging, the propaganda from Donald Trump and every Republican, oh. that, that messaging really does matter. Well, it, 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 messaging matters a, a great deal, Chris, because, look, it's morning in America, Chris, but but most Americans don't know it. And they're not going to know it unless they're, un unless they're told. Look, it, you, know, you just laid it out. I mean, the economic conditions right now are, uh, are, are pretty darn good. This is amazing. Again, another segment from the corporate media lamenting the fact that no one is listening to them. The majority of Americans are not listening to them. That is a huge problem for them. But they're not going to sell them. But they're not going to sell themselves, right? To be president, you really do have to be seller, seller in chief to to a to a certain extent. And and look, the economics right now are arguably better than what when it was when Reagan decided we're going to declare this morning in America and start selling people uh, this ideal that the country is headed in the right direction. I got to tell you, Chris, I am completely baffled. <laughs> I am. I'm baffled by the lack of an engagement from progressives around, around these good economic news. So I, I, there's two things I well, want to again, it's not true. say this. One is we've been oversold uh, on the simplicity of it's just the economy, because it's not just the economy. Correct. Uh, and, you know, voters are a lot more uh, complicated than that. There are multiple variables. And so many voters aren't even, don't even make most of the sense of their lives from, from an economic transaction. And by the way, the young voters, which we're going to talk about here shortly, that are most problematic for Biden are showing us that it's simply not the, not, not the economy. But also what I think is happening, Chris, is there is this struggle 
within progressive circles, and it's driving me absolutely insane because Republicans, as you showed, totally do not agree. have this same conversation. It is, well, people don't feel like the economy is good, so we can't talk about the economy. And I absolutely want to scream because Republicans don't have that problem, Chris. The economy is, the, people aren't going to feel it unless we're actually telling them and show. Again, retard, that's not how it works. The economy has nothing to do with feelings. There's no way you can tell someone that the economy, like that's not how any of this works. They have personal financial situations and unless that changes, it doesn't matter what you tell them. But keep trying, because all you're going to do is piss them off more. Telling them, right? We do have to declare that it's morning in America and that things are good. Are but getting they don't care, because they're getting fucked in the ass. Better, and we have to go out there and start selling it and promoting it. We can't just sit back and wait for. Good luck. That's not going to work. People to start feeling it, or it's going to be, or it's going to be too late. Yeah. So I, can I say I, something I about that? I am baffled by what's happening. I, I sort of understand it because I think there's this part of it is that, you know, if you're coming from a progressive perspective, you think that the baseline of American capitalism is cool, capricious, and often predatory, which I do. <laughs> I'm on the record saying that. And so any, that's economy. true under any president. Like the, the basics, the, the level of the social safety net we have, the basic ways of ca capitalism operates in this country is too harsh and too unequal, and people get screwed at the bottom too much. And that is true. Well, then if you believe that, you would obviously be appalled by the migrant crisis, but you're not. President to president to president, right? But in terms of what changes between presidents, the other thing I would say about this is from a left progressive perspective, it's not just, oh, the stock market's up. It's that the biggest gains to wages have been the bottom 40% of the wage distribution. It's that the biggest outpouring of yeah. labor organizing, labor militancy and strikes in 30 years has happened under this president and with his support and with the support of the NLRB. It's that inequality across almost every metric has shrunk considerably over the two years. So it's not just, okay, the big headline numbers are good, but you know, from a left or progressive perspective, it's not getting, no, actually from that perspective, it's, it's actually surprisingly good. No, it's, rem it's remarkably well. And, and look, I was just in focus groups last night, and Chris, no, no one knows. You know, I was uh, in, in, in focus groups with, with sporadic voters who, who are not, well, again, nev will never vote for Donald Trump, but are not happy with Joe Biden and are mm -hmm. holding back from Joe Biden. And, and, and they bring up this, this student loan stuff. It's like he made us promises about student loans. There's zero context around, around student loans, about Republicans actually took him to court to stop it. Oh, and by the oh, way, he's been, able to, he's been able to actually, uh, you know, um, uh, let go of 130-some billion dollars in student debt, sort of for, <clears throat> forgive it. And there's no context or understanding of it. So I, I, I have to press up my progressive friends, like, we've got to start doing a better job of messaging, and we can't wait for... That for means they have, to, they have to lie more. We're three months out from the election cycle, as sometimes we often do. These younger voters are upset. They don't think anything's happening. They don't think that the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress are paying attention to their issues or even fighting for them. And, and, this, and the story that you've laid out, Chris, is, 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 the, is the opposite. I mean, look, younger voters are, from, from the data that, you, that, we've, that we've been talking about, look, younger voters are really upset and, uh, about, about Palestine, right? They're really upset about the environment. Well, you have a president who's done more on the environment, put more dollars behind the environment than any president in history. But it doesn't matter, Chris, if they don't know.
Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, again, there's some stuff like you say, on, you know, the position of the, the Biden administration on Israel. It's like you're, people are going to disagree with you on stuff. And that's, you know, that's everyone's right. Like no one's supposed you. American democracy functions on you going to match with it or not. But knowing exactly what has been done is a key part of, of making good choices. And I think there's a really good story to tell that people really need to hear. Cornell Belcher. Thank you. Insane. Totally insane and kind of hilarious. All right. This is... Uh... Um, I think this is related to Trump's cases. Which I get. But the nation has never actually put a former president on trial. Several prosecutors are working on that very task, even as Donald Trump's civil fraud trial stretched through the December of 2023. And in 2024, as you've probably heard because you're watching the news, defendant Trump faces several criminal trials in different jurisdictions while running for president again. Special counsel Jack Smith leading the prosecution of Trump's coup in Washington. Not and real. separately, the stolen intelligence documents case in Florida. The Atlanta DA pushing ahead on a long-term plan for those RICO trials after winning convictions of Trump aides through this 2023. And then the smaller criminal case in New York. Take it together, you got over 90 felonies charged. That is not normal, even if it has been normalized. The first coup trial initially slated for March. While those schedules can, of course, change, America's facing more serious warnings from people who know about this, from actual legal experts, discussing a very real possibility that one of the major political parties in America, the Republican Party, will ultimately rally around and keep a nominee who might also be a convicted felon who's legally lost his right to vote. Even half of what is alleged accepted by a jury, this case, he will be he will be convicted. If the charges are right, I think that he's going to be in deep trouble. This is game over if you are following the facts in the law. Oh, Election day. The homosexual toucan says it's game over. You'll all be heading to the polls. And to now vote. a big fat slob is saying it's game over. And that's something that Donald Trump will not be able to do because he will be convicted of felonies before then. Oh, snap. If you want to take that politically, you say that was a rival pointing out the indignity that... Yeah, hopefully it happens to you. I would love for it to happen to Ari Melver. That would be fantastic. Donald Trump could be a convicted felon not allowed to vote on Election Day. But the more serious point is not just that Chris Christie is a Republican rival. He's a former U.S. attorney and prosecutor. Who and he cares? is saying something that if you're not... He has zero credibility, just like you have zero credibility. In the MAGA bubble would normally penetrate every other part of thinking serious America, which is with so many well, yeah, people... yeah, because people know that you're full of shit. That's why they're not buying this. ...available to potentially run for president. Why would you go with the one who is not only potentially, again, in that hypothetical, a convicted felon, but convicted for trying to overthrow... Well, democracy? you would go with them because this is made up. That's why you would go... You're, you're all evil pedophiles trying to railroad a guy, and that's why you would vote for the convicted... Uh, what they call a criminal in this instance. So that's one layer. Then against that backdrop, Trump and his allies are pretty clear that he has plans, if elected, to wipe out the cases against him, to abuse federal power to target opponents. Well, that's what Biden's doing right now, and you're supporting it. That's why I think it should happen to you. To stop that, but that's what they're saying they want to do. And Trump's even floated the idea of pardoning the violent felons involved in the insurrection. Again, a very small percentage of them are actually violent. You're totally making that up. A convicted sedition against America. Totally made up. Convictions usually drive American politicians from office. 
and we should note there are independents who tell posters, pollsters that their last straw would be a Trump conviction. But more and more Republicans are saying the opposite. There has been a rise in those who don't want to ditch Trump, even if he were convicted by a jury of his peers of actually trying to end democracy as we know it. The flip side of that is you still have a large chunk of Republicans who say they would not support him if convicted. And that matters. There are clear warnings about what he would do, about being more authoritarian in a second term. And that polling goes to a final point about the math. For all the talk about Trump sticking around or enduring and getting away with stuff, there's still math here. He might not want you to learn the math because he lies about the election habitually, but Trump lost to Joe Biden by 7 million votes last time. He right. If you count all of the illegal ballots in the number, that's true. Not afford to lose more votes, which is what that polling just showed, that Indies and some Republicans would abandon him. If anything, Trump would have to claw back more support in 2024 to get near the White House. So a convicted nominee would certainly be new. I also want to mention tonight that it is also true, and I bet you've noticed this, American politics has faced all kinds of legal and legal-ish type drama before. Indeed, historians note in the last few decades we've seen a spike in what you might call legally adjacent politics, the cycle of more impeachments. Some may be more justified than others, but it's happened more often. And then the sometimes seemingly endless rounds of D.C.-based congressional and sometimes partisan investigations. I mention that because our next guest tonight knows both of those worlds as a criminal prosecutor as well as a former counsel to congressional investigations. We are joined by our friend John Flannery. Uh, welcome, John. Look I walked this through what we might see puppet. here going, looking at 2024. Your thoughts? Well, I, I, thought, I thought you did a great run through all the key points that suggest to us that we're at this time a critical election. And we say this often in elections. But this one is so disproportionate looking through the history of this country from our revolution to today that there is nothing that compares with the outrageous conduct of a man who lied to America to become president and now lies to try to get elected again. You lie nonstop. That he didn't lose the last election. Richard uh, Hofstadter was uh, a terrific an analyst, both historian, and uh, he, he looked at these kinds of things. He looked at, and he called it the paranoid uh, style of politics. And he asked, what is your style of mind? And the question that he really raised, which is the most pertinent in what we're observing today, is that how much can you leverage the passions and hate of a minority to control a political atmosphere. Now, we see it in the small way, you know, fluoridation was, uh, was, has been an issue. Uh, McCarthy is another one. But this guy, Trump, he wins the sweepstakes. Uh, he or Bannon or somebody has read enough to mimic these bad past movements, and it has compromised America. Now, I agree with yeah. you, the numbers are still good. And what we see is a shift against uh, the money that they need to continue the fight. Yeah, I mean, just today well, we saw. And I'll jump in. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll jump in to say, John, that as you, you call the numbers good, my observation is that the numbers are still pretty anti-felons right. as presidents, which I think is a very low bar and a reasonable one. Uh, you mentioned Hofstadter. Uh, he also wrote the anti-intellectualism anti in American life, and by your bow tie, yes. 
you know, you're so erudite, <laughs> I bet you like that one too. Let me play for you I as did. you talk about the wider, <laughs> the wider pressure. <laughs> Here's some of the warnings we're hearing, which again are also from uh, people who, who've looked at this and, and people who've been inside the Republican Party. Take a look. Right. If you ever got another Donald Trump term. And again, who gives a fucking shit what Chris Christie says? He's a clown, a fat clown. He's letting you know, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Donald Trump won't deny um, that he has plans. I love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, 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 other than day one. Trump's not a conservative. He's an authoritarian narcissist. If I happen to be president and I see somebody who's doing well and beating me very badly, I say, go down and indict them. What? Again, he is talking about what Joe Biden is doing to him and how fucked up he is. They, they, such dishonesty. The lesson of Donald Trump of the last several years is And again, who gives a fuck what Liz Cheney has to say? No one gives a shit about Liz Cheney. She got blown out in her last election. Is we have to take him seriously. That includes conservatives. I've got about 45 seconds. Those people are not conservatives. Uh, John, right. your thought on, on tying this together. Well, he, you're not Il Duce for only one day. And it's a message clear to all of his supporters that we're going to kick ass and take names and we're no, not that going would be to accept the, the inside group, the deep state, and all the other things yeah, that drive. Yeah, hopefully they kick all of your asses. The minority of MAGA people crazy. Good. Yeah. That would be fantastic. All right, let's see here. This is uh, Jen Sucky. Uh, okay, let's see. It's a remarkable phenomenon, an infuriating Ugh. one for us, a humiliating one for them. Something very creepy about her. Very creepy. ...to just about anyone familiar with the Trump political era. That is, the metamorphosis by some, but not all, outgoing Republicans, when they no longer need votes to stay in office. All of a sudden, they see the light, unshackled, free to speak their real minds about the disgraced ex-president. And while former House Speaker Paul Ryan never seemed all in on the Donald Trump experience, far from it, we're now starting to see what true freedom of expression can do to a Republican. Listen to what he said in a filmed conversation with the global consulting firm where he serves as Again, vice chair. who cares what Paul Ryan says? How will history regard people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and people of that their ilk? Maybe it's just, just the two of them. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, they're friends of mine. I think they called out, uh, look, Trump's not a conservative. He's an authoritarian narcissist. So I think they basically called him out for that. He's a populist authoritarian narcissist. So historically speaking, all of his tendencies are, you know, basically where narcissism takes him, which is whatever makes him popular, makes him feel good at any given moment. And he, and he doesn't think in, in, in classical liberal conservative terms. He thinks in, in an authoritarian way. And he's been able to get a, a, a big chunk of the Republican base to follow him because, you know, he's the culture warrior. And so I think Adam and Liz um, stepped out of the, the flow and called it out and, um, you know, paid for it, paid for it with their careers. 
pretty candid assessment Ugh, there from uh, former House Speaker oh Paul my Ryan. God. Joining our conversation, Why former chief is everyone a homosexual? Staff of the Department of Homeland Security in the Ugh. Trump administration and host of the Whistleblowers podcast, Miles Taylor is here. <clears throat> and here Whistles is not the only thing he's blowing. Table, former chief spokesman, my friend for the he was at the DOJ and former senior advisor to Attorney General Garland. Anthony Coley. So, Miles Taylor, I want to start with you because you spoke out on Donald Trump while you were still a part of the administration. I want to hear. I mean, this is was those were pretty powerful, candid words there from Paul Ryan. But it's been a couple of years. Um, what do you think of him saying, calling him now an authoritarian narcissist? Well, Jen, I mean, it's it's frustrating, of course, because all of us want people who say those things that are Republicans to have said them sooner. And, and I'm guilty of that, too. I even look at when I spoke out and thought it could have been sooner. And you can make that case for any of these people. It's good to see Paul Ryan doing it now. But what I will tell you from having worked with him in 2015 and 2016 during Donald Trump's rise is this is how Paul Ryan viewed Donald Trump back then. You know, nothing changed. And that should tell you a lot of things. First, about the complicity and silence within my former party, but also about what we are going into. And you noted it at the top end, Jen, which is that this is a foreseeable civic catastrophe. And I want to make one thing clear. The United States is not Germany in the 1920s. But America in the 2020s does bear a striking number of resemblances, including the fact that there were contemporaries around the 20th century's most in infamous dictator, uh, Adolf Hitler, that are, are striking. You know, people around that time period warned it was going to be dark, yeah, that he wanted Hitler. to implement tyranny, this whole range of foreseeable policies. But what was important was Hitler's words made very obvious what he wanted to do. We are experiencing that with Donald oh, Trump. Oh, yeah, totally. His contemporaries Just are calling like Hitler. him out. His own words dictate what he's going to do. And yet, incredibly, as I always say, we are still zombie walking towards that potential catastrophe. But I hope more Paul Ryans will come forward and that could potentially help us avert uh, what could be the end of the republic. I mean, we're zombie walking while Donald Trump is also echoing Hitler. So there's, there's, I mean, a lot that he's screaming. I want to be an authoritarian dictator. Yeah. And people yeah, are still zombie walking, as yeah. you said. That's a great term. I did want to... Are they zombie walking or are they not buying your bullshit? See, that's the problem. You can call it whatever you want. But ultimately, again, this is yet another segment about the fact that people are not going along with their bullshit. Ask you, Miles, because one of the things that um, Liz Cheney has been pointing out, um, you know, is that he and she's out with this new op-ed in The Wall Street Journal today where she says, quote, have we forgotten how a depraved Donald Trump sat and watched the violent mob attack our capital and refused for multiple hours to instruct them to stand down and disperse? He showed us his character on January 6th. He's the same exceptionally dangerous and flawed man today. And if Mr. Trump fears he might face future, future prosecution, you can bet he won't voluntarily leave our Again, whore, he did leave. He left on time leave office. Our nation can endure bad policies for four or eight years, but once our constitutional system unravels, the damage is irreversible and our republic fails, just as the, so many others have throughout history. The framers understand this. We should, too. The risk is far too great to elect Mr. Trump ever again. Miles, one of the things that Liz Cheney's been talking about that I am also obsessed with is kind of what damage he could do within government without even necessarily breaking the law. Like how he could use <laughs> This is great. This is great. Yeah. Oh, he he's going to legally destroy democracy. Oh, my God. This is crazy. That just shows you right there. They know this is bullshit. 
He's not going to break any laws. And they're like, what could he? He's, but it's all going to be legal. Oh, there's a new term for it. Um, what's that term? It's uh, uh, like something like legal crimes or something like that. The levers of government to bend to his will. You've worked in government. What scares you the most? Well, the possibilities are almost limitless. And I spent nearly two years asking that question to people. And, and I wrote it in this book, Blowback, oh, but yeah. to try to paint that picture, to try to understand what he would actually do by talking to all of my former colleagues at different departments and agencies under Trump and asking them that question, what will happen in a second term? The biggest concerns for me are on the national security side. I think Americans still don't understand the full extent of the president's powers and things Donald Trump could do bubble wrapped in legalese that would be damaging to the republic. And one of those that I've noted is there's something in the White House called the Doomsday Book. And for the first time, DHS gave authorization for me to mention this publicly. Uh, and the fact that there are concerns that that book, which is supposed to be used to protect the country in instances of armed foreign invasion or rebellion, it's the president's most extraordinary powers could be picked up by Trump and used for domestic political purposes. He could invoke powers we've never heard a president of the United States invoke, potentially to shut down companies or turn off the internet or deploy the U.S. military <laughs> on U.S. soil. Oh, so what you're admitting is there is a book in the White House on how to turn off the internet? I'm telling you, Biden's going to do some shit like this. Uh, we don't know because, you know, the things that are in there, the emergency powers of the president aren't widely known to the American people. So that's a big worry for people like me and others about what he could do. But that weaponization of the government could extend across the interagency to places where we haven't seen it before. The Department of Education, the Department of Veterans Affairs, ways to wield that power and those budgets to help his allies and to hurt his enemies. And to be clear, those aren't just elites. To Donald Trump, his enemies include people who live in blue states. I remember mm. him not wanting to deliver emergency aid to blue states bullshit. because yeah. he didn't like them, bullshit. because they didn't like him. Total bullshit. I mean, Miles, the doomsday book, I think it's safe to say we don't want in Donald Trump's hands. Anthony, one of the most interesting cases is Mike Pence to me because he has testified, he's said the right things at times, he's right. not said the right things in public, he hasn't been out there as much in my view as he should be. Right. I, I spoke with Liz Cheney about this earlier in the week, so I want to play a clip of this and then talk to you about it on the other side. Do you wish the former vice president was more outspoken publicly? Um, certainly. I think there are a lot of people uh, in our party who um, you know, we need everybody basically on the field. We need everybody explaining the danger of uh, the former president. Um, and, and I think, you know, that, that includes the former vice president. So the reason this is an important question, I mean, you have an overlapping lo a lot of experience in communications, but also you spent years as a, in a senior role at the Department of Justice, right. is obviously he knows a lot. He was right. there for a lot, right? That's exactly right. But, but at the same time, um, we haven't seen a lot from him publicly. We could see him, of course, he's on the list reportedly of people who would testify right. in the Fulton County case, which makes sense, which would be on camera. How important do you think that is for people to see him testifying to what he saw and experienced? That's exactly the right question. Uh, big picture, 
Donald Trump is trying to win this case, this federal case, the state case even, no matter what, no matter how. His problem is that the government's uh, evidence is overwhelming against him. It includes information we learned this week from this filing in this January 6th interfer election interference case. That it includes information even from the cell phone that he was oh, using in the file. I don't get him weeks of his presidency. But the other thing that makes this case so overwhelming for the Justice Department is that it includes evidence from people like Mike Pence who, uh, who, who worked for him, who voted for him, who supported him, who wanted him to win. Yeah. Um, and so he's got, he's got such an uphill battle. What we have seen from what Donald Trump is trying to do, he knows that on the trial court level um, that it's, it's going to be extraordinarily hard for him to win. So what he is trying to do, we've heard this, you've talked about it on your show, is to delay um, as much as he can on the one hand, but also trying to use what happens outside the courtroom in the court of public mm -hmm. opinion to influence what happens inside the courtroom. And that is why this gag order um, is, in all of these cases, are so important. It only takes one witness, particularly in um, the federal case and the case in Georgia. But again, the gag orders are not not going to stop him from talking. That's preposterous. It only takes one witness, one witness you, to say not guilty. Go ahead. You teed us up very well because we're going to talk about the gag order. <clears throat> All these people are so fucking creepy. Oh my god, just ridiculous. All right, here is um, the story of the right winger uh, who uh, beheaded an AIDS commie. Thing. The satanic display in Iowa that has been at the center of controversy in that state over religious freedom has been beheaded. Now, this display, which was erected last week by the Satanic Temple, and that is a religious organization recognized by the IRS, it included an altar with seven the seven fundamental tenets of the Satanic Temple and the group's seal surrounded by electric candles. Behind the altarpiece stands an effigy of the goat-headed idol Baphomet, a pagan deity who is evoked in various occult practices and throughout pop culture. A mirrored sculpture of a ram's skull sits on top of the figure, which is cloaked in red velvet, holding a black and red ribbon wreath with a pentacle in the center. That's very festive, it's just in time for, for Christmas. Now, the Satanic Temple has been erecting these statues all over the country for years as a way to kind of push the boundaries on the First Amendment's free exercise clause. And also in part to kind of shock and titillate people and just get a rise. But in response to pushback from conservatives over this, Governor Kim Reynolds defended the group's right to erect the statue on First Amendment grounds. This, according to Mediaite, while Reynolds declared that the, the, the display was absolutely objectionable, she shot down calls for its removal by arguing, in a free society, the best response to objectionable speech is more speech. And I agree with that, never thought I would agree with her. But then after several days of conservative backlash, a former Mississippi congressional candidate traveled to Iowa and beheaded the statue. He told the, <laughs> <laughs> he told the That'll Sentinel. That'll show. Yeah, he's got him. He told the Sentinel, the world may tell Christians to submissively, obsect, uh, to submissively accept the legitimization of Satan, but none of the founders would have considered government sanction of satanic altars inside Capitol buildings as protected by the First Amendment. Anti-Christian values have steadily been mainstreamed more and more in recent decades and Christians have largely acted like the proverbial frog in the boiling pot of water. 
He added, I saw this blasphemous statue and was outraged. My conscience is held captive to the word of God, not to bureaucratic decree, and so I acted. Cassidy, after beheading the statue, turned himself over to police. He was charged with fourth degree criminal mischief before being released. But then, swooping into his rescue, noted defender of free speech, the First Amendment, and the Constitution, Charlie Kirk of Turning Point. Again, uh, no one should give a fuck about people's free speech who have used uh, uh, their power for the last 10 years to try to censor conservatives. Like, I, I'm sorry, I don't care. I don't care, go fuck yourself. Um, and uh, it, it's just a bizarre request to request that conservatives defend your side after you've been censoring them the whole time. It's, uh, it's a ridiculous request, it's just uh, it's hilarious who offered $10,000 to Cassidy's legal defense, saying Michael Cassidy just beheaded a monument to Satan inside the Iowa State Capitol building. The Satanic Temple of Iowa is pressing charges and Cassidy is facing fourth degree criminal mischief. Turning Point USA is proud to pledge $10,000 to his legal defense fund. We stand with Satan Slayer, Michael Cassidy. <laughs> how are you guys, how are you holding up during this trying time? Yeah. So look, I one point of clarification for Christian fundamentalists. The atheists and even the guys pretending to be Satanists, they don't actually believe in Satan. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I, I do not give a fuck. Um, you know, but again, it, it all depends how you view this. <clears throat> if it, I think it depends on where you think we are. And I think that's where we might have a, a disagreement. Um, if you don't think, if you think we're still in the same world that we've always been, where everyone gets to put their thing up, then I could see having I an issue with this. Um, the problem is, I don't think we're in that world anymore. We're in a world where one side decided to enforce their will by tearing down statues that they didn't like. So whoever has the power or whoever, it's just, I don't, like, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, this is kind of a silly statue. I, I could see that argument, but I, I just don't give a fuck. I just don't, if, <clears throat> my thing is this, if conservatives are going to do this, if Christians are going to do it, do it effectively. So I don't know how effective this is going to be. Like, you know, if the guy, I, I don't really know. I mean, it seems like a minor thing. I think the only time I'd have a problem with something like this is if it was counterproductive and helped leftists. But I'm not getting the impression that this is helping leftists in any way. I don't, I don't, I, I think it's, um, I think it's fine. I just, you know, I, I don't have a problem. I'm not going to oppose people showing intolerance for AIDS commie bullshit. That's really where I'm at with this. So I don't care. And I think it's funny. And they tore down a bunch of statues, and now one of their statues got torn down. And I hope it keeps happening, because it's very entertaining. They're trolling you. They think it's a mythological character. Whereas you think it's real, and you think they're supporting him. They're just messing with you, man. They, like, <laughs> no one thinks that Satan is real outside of you guys. Okay. Right. So but what, yeah, but the thing is, is the Christians. Because um, their reasons for doing this are not the are, are not the reasons that I 
think it's like I don't think Satan's real, right? Some of them think Satan's real, but it it's that this is a pissing in the face of Christians. And they decided to not take it anymore. And I'm happy to see that because I'd like to see the Christians push back more and defend themselves more. And so you're you're basically admitting that that's what they did. Our our country would not tolerate it if someone if there was some sort of like mockery of a menorah or mockery of Muhammad. That wouldn't be allowed in the Capitol. But this is allowed in the Capitol. No, fuck that. Fuck that shit. Either. Every, either we live in a society where everyone can put their thing up and we shouldn't damage each other's statues or we don't live in that society. Now, I don't think we live in that society anymore. So that's why I don't have a problem with this unless it somehow helped leftists and backfired. That's when I would take a strategical issue with that. But I don't care what happens to commie shit. I, 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 I hope that Christians figure out a way to remove as much commie bullshit from anywhere in the country as possible. So I know that sounds like crazy to you, like you're right. Like there isn't a guy with a goat's head and a, and a thing and then he's gonna torture you forever because you violated a, a, some code or regulation, etc. Okay, that's big Bible by the way, uh, with all those regulations in there. You violate one of them and the dude in the ram's head with pitchforks you the rest of eternity. So you might believe that and you're worried like where's Satan, Allah, where is it? Oh, is it Odin, is it Satan, whatever, okay, but for like, for people who don't believe, we like. I just need you to understand that it's not like like we believe and think like, go get him, Satan. I, I don't care what you believe. That's irrelevant to me. I, I, it doesn't matter. Like I, I don't care. You're a filthy commie, and you need to be fully marginalized, politically, humanely, and legally. So what you think about this is irrelevant to me. We don't think he exists. I don't care. So I don't care. We think it's the funniest thing in the world Good. that you're beheading a mythological character. Like, oh, you got Zeus. Okay, oh, that'll show him not to mess with Apollo or or Athena. Okay, but okay, go ahead. Get all riled up over it. There's one thing we need to learn from this is if you're gonna put up a statue of Satan in the Iowa chamber, you need to make it from adamantium. You need to make it out of like a, the strongest material possible because there's nothing funnier to me than picturing a guy like like what he's thinking, what's going through his mind as he's like spending 20 minutes like trying to behead Satan and be like, no, oh, this thing's really on there. What I do appreciate- <laughs> Then Satan wins, you're like, oh, <laughs> damn it, damn you Satan. I guess, yes today, Satan. Um, but I love that it looked like it had a disco ball motif to the head and had like mirrors all over the top of it, which is just the best oh, way to provoke this guy. If you, if, but you know what? To be fair, if there is a hell, there probably is disco there. Oh yeah, it's just <laughs> disco nonstop. You need to help me stop. <laughs> I think you, you, you mentioned it, but it is important to to lay out the Satanic Temple doesn't even believe in any of Again, this. They admit I, it. I don't care. There should be no tolerance for AIDS, commie bullshit anywhere in society. So whatever, I could care less. On their website. It's just a humanist organization yeah, with fuck you, uh, 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 fuck all of you. Like kind of like a '90s Marilyn Manson okay. aesthetic. It's kind of <laughs> kind of goofy, kind of cringy. It's just oh, there well. to like get a rise out of people. But I also yeah, do keep your shit out of public. Think out of public that there view. is 
utility and in, in pushing the boundaries of these First Amendment cases. Because just as Christians for decades have- Yeah, but again, again, I don't anymore, I used to, I don't believe in the First Amendment for people like you. Because you decided that you no longer believe in it and you tried to take it away from us. So why should you get it? That's crazy to me. You should get it, but we shouldn't. That's crazy. That's completely crazy. So I'm not interested in the First Amendment rights of people like you. I think it's funny. I think the whole thing is funny. The people who, who tried to take away the, the rights of, of our side is now complaining that we're not defending their rights? Are you fucking... What kind of bullshit is that? That's crazy. That's completely crazy. No, I'm just not doing that. No, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. I've been able to, you know, coerce prayer in public, display the Ten Commandments, put crosses up, do whatever they want. The intersection of government and Christianity is frequent. Any other religion, not so much. Well, when it's, it's a Christian nation. That's why it, it, it should be. It, it, it should be able to be done. With uh, Christians, again, I'm not a Christian, but for the sake of order and for the sake of the fact that there's not a better option. Um, also, I think you can make a historical argument about the founding of the country being Christian. That's fine. Um, like I said, I don't, I'm not really, I'm not a stickler for, you know, how, what angle you want to go with this. Um, I think this is under the, with, uh, under the circumstances, this is the best available option. That's practical. That's practical. Um, you know, doesn't mean it's going to happen. You're going to need a big movement. You're going to need a big Christian renaissance. You know, you're going to need a lot of shit to happen. But uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I've we've seen what happens. Uh, uh, like I've seen enough of the atheist-run uh, uh, country. I've seen enough of it. I've seen enough of you know what happens with the neutral space where everyone gets to put up their thing. That's not how it works because the Christians get their shit taken down and replaced. Okay, so you didn't live up to your part of the deal where it was supposed to be, yeah, we're, it, this is the public place and there's not supposed to be a religion. So in addition to the Christian uh, Christmas tree, there will be a menorah and there will be a Lucifer thing and there will be a Kwanzaa thing and whatever other fucking made up bullshit you want to put in there. And everyone gets their spot. That's what it was. That's what we were sold. That's what we were sold. But then what did they do? They started replacing the Christian shit. They started canceling Fourth of July fireworks celebrations. They started canceling Halloween parades. Well, the bet's off now. You gotta go. The bet's off, and and that's it. So yeah, no, I'm done. It's a Christian nation, and I hope they take over, and I hope they marginalize the fucking shit out of you. That's what I hope, and we'll see what happens. Convenient. You'll see some conservatives look to the Jewish community, but never would they ever display you know anything having to do with Islam. They'll never do that. No, so it's a Christian nation. Why would you have Islam that, uh, in a public uh, place like that? That would be ridiculous. I like that they are testing the boundaries of, of the First Amendment law across the country this way because it's really funny and it gets such a rise out of conservatives. It's not real. Oh okay, it's no. Again, I don't think it's real. It's not, I, I don't care about that. <sighs> Commies are real. <laughs> if you think Satan is real, brother, there's a bigger fight ahead for you. Yeah, I don't. Okay, I don't so. and so you're not going to win by just knocking off the disco ball in in Iowa. Uh, capital. That's true, but I've not heard people like this guy that did it uh, say that that's how you win. Uh, I, I would think he would probably be in agreement with a lot of the uh, marginalized the commie shit. Building. Okay, so go fight. Like again, if you're in that group, go fight Satan in the real way.
right? Like, oh, by, hey, I got an idea, by doing good deeds. And you know what, and calling out- No, I think we're gonna, so here's where I think some of the Christians and I agree, where like the opponent, we have the right opponents. We just have different, like my opposition to them is because they're commies. You might argue if you're a Christian, you're opposed to them. In addition to the fact that they're commies, you think they're actually satanic. Like you actually think there's a demonic force involved. I have no beef with that. I haven't seen that, but I have no beef with that belief, but we're on the same page. We're on the same page for different reasons. Evil deeds, like when people hurt other people, as opposed to hurting statues. Which no one cares about, and when you do it, and here's another thing well, that's- if no one cared about it, they wouldn't be making a big deal about it, and the guy wouldn't have got arrested, so you're making that up. Devastating to you. You don't get it. We don't think like, oh, damn it, he got Satan. We think, I can't believe he fell for it. I can't believe he got trolled. No, no, just keep your bullshit out of the public view. That's that's it, that's all. simple as that. By a Satan statue, when we don't believe that at all, and he, you're fighting a fight that doesn't exist. All right, next one. Uh, oh, Kanye West just, uh, he went on quite the rant. Let's have a look here. No, none of y'all mother here with no Instagram, nobody living, nobody at, and I don't want to hear from none of these Jewish talk about, oh, he's in an episode. bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm on my Farrakhan dodge right now, bro. Kanye West is back, baby, doing some high-level satire that we mortals can never hope to understand. Or it is possible he is in the grips of another episode, hate to be the one to say it, and he is- A guy that's upset with some of the Zionists that are ruining his life, oh, must be an episode. You, You would have to be mentally ill to have a problem with Harvey Pasternak for trying to get you put into a mental institution against your will. Yeah, he's having an episode, all right. Turning into anti-Semitic Kanye once again, rare form. Yes. You kind of forget that he's there. Because Jewish people are perfect in every way, and none of them have ever done anything wrong. And then he just ends up giving some kind of diatribe like this at a listening party, album listening party in Las Vegas. During the event, West revealed he'd added another anti-Semitic line into his new music. Quote, I still keep some Jews with me. Management? Nah, I only let them do my jewelry. Jewelry? Jewelry. Ah, he's such a, such a visionary. Um, anyway, so he went on a rant about Jews, quote, controlling schools and hospitals. And once again praised Adolf Hitler. A little on the nose if you ask me. Take a look. The mother pilgrims, it's the Jewish, they dress the same. It's the same, that's the story. They put us in the school, the Rothschilds. We don't have to bow to this. We, okay, it's 60 million of us in America, 60 million Jews in the world. 50% of our deaths is abortion. 25% of us go to prison, raise one. What a crazy guy, how dare he care about black babies being killed? Oh, crazy, that the black guy would care about that. He must be having an episode. Hand, if you don't know one prison, one locked up, one poor. Wait, raise your hand if you don't know, you don't know one person got abortion. Now, now I tell you, now I tell you, if it was in a Jewish mother on Friday with no, everybody raised their hands. So, but wait, wait, wait a second, but who got, but wait, wait, wait a second. 
Who make the hospitals though? Mm. Who, who got the hospitals? These are Zion. It sounds like some of the people in the audience are agreeing with them. I can't have that. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus you Christ. You can't have black people trying to figure out a better way than killing half of their own before they even enter the world. Oh, better call Harvey. Better call. Hey, one of the black celebrities is off the reservation. Call up Harvey Pasternak to get him in line. Hitler, yay! Third party, sponsor that. <laughs> Who would sponsor that? Oh, Jesus Christ, Hitler. There's a decent amount of people on the internet that would sponsor that. <laughs> yeah, you just see Jesus in the corner going, <laughs> no, I, I'm not with him. I mean, my body, it, my blood is like 14% alcohol, according to the priest on Sunday when you got to drink it, but I'm not that drunk. Um, there's an amazing image. He also wore a black KKK hood during a listening party in Miami earlier this week. He's getting around. And um, while wearing that KKK style hood on stage, he rapped, quote, God, I'll never do it justice. How I'm anti-Semitic just effed a Jewish B, which really is a get out of jail free card when it comes to anti-Semitism. Take it from me, half a Jew. So um, it's, 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 it's oh, So you're half a fag and half a Jew. I didn't know that. Okay, now I know. What are those decision points, guys? I gotta be honest. For me, it's a decision point. Do I do- Actually, he's full fag. He's not half a fag. He's full, 100%. This jokingly, obviously I've made that decision. I would like to say in the, in the grips of what's happening on the international stage, I just ask that everybody ask them one, themselves one question in all of this. Kanye said a lot of stuff. Those are classic anti-Semitic tropes. Are you saying things kind of like Kanye West at this point? How many, you know, you've heard of 30 seconds to Mars. Are you 30 seconds to Kanye? If so, go back, realize how ridiculous you sound. And, uh, and, and please, I just wonder, what would possess some, there's people in, it's maybe just a cadence call and response, like instinctive thing when he says like, who runs the hospitals? Which is just a nonsense rhetorical question. And someone goes, mm. like, <laughs> like the guy on the daily who has those little thought gasms. They're like, mm, that's really interesting. No, it's nonsense. Yeah. What do you think, people? So look, I'm torn on it too, uh, on two fronts. One is it's so absurd, it's hard not to laugh at the absurdity, right? And on the other hand, it's so serious, the crazy stuff he's saying, the hatred that he's driving. And on the one hand, he's so vile that I wanna you know, uh, rhetorically rip his head off. Yeah, and on the other it. hand, he's obviously mentally ill, mm -hmm. right? Obviously. So I, it's so hard to know how to treat this guy. But okay, yeah. let's talk about why it's absurd. Who controls the hospital? Why is that? Obviously, a person against black abortion is mentally ill. A bad thing. If the Jews have brought us hospitals, I'd like to thank the Jews. Already a bad, <laughs> it's a bad, it's such a bad alley to go down. Don't talk, don't go down there, don't go down there. That's a trope, 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 trope. Is that trope, even trope. a trope? I thought he made that up. No, Why would that even be a bad thing? Look at all the doctors they've brought to save our lives. Cenk doesn't realize that in addition to not being allowed to criticize uh, Jews, you're not allowed to compliment them either. Like what is that? You must and I thought silently obey your parents. The Indians ran the hospitals. 
Those <laughs> so are tropes. Like, tropes are like, are you a good Jew or are you a bad Jew? Are you a person who's saying the good thing? Are you one of the Jews is on our side or the Jews are on the bad other side? You, this is a whole thing happens with like African American things where it's like, don't make me speak for everybody. Don't like see if I'm a good one or a bad one. Like it's a it's a trope right. with people. They're all good. There can't be a bad one. Who have historically been underserved and and marginalized. No one wants to speak for everyone. It's just it's just rough. But yeah, it's like it's it's just like he's spouting nonsense, nonsense. But is well, the, why are you making such a big deal out of it? Like serious question. I have never heard that. Is that a thing that the Jews control the hospitals? I forget which show I was watching, but it's like when they're talking to a Jew, it's like a Gentile talking to a Jew, and it's like, and I just so you know, we always when it comes to picking a doctor, we look for the Jewish name. That's a just oh, so that's a thing. Okay, yeah. Jesus Christ, man. People find different ways to be anti-Semitic. And the prison line, I didn't understand the prison line. And there's a lot of African Americans in prison. There's a giant problem. We've talked about that endlessly in terms of how to fix it, criminal justice reform. What does that have to do with Jews? What are you, what are you talking about? What what insanity is coming out of your mouth? And then he's like, yeah, you know, the good guys are Jesus, Hitler, and yay. Already insanity in every part of that, but. Also, Jesus is Jewish. Yep. Like, but that's so that leads to the back to the other question that I asked. Like, what do you do with this guy? On the one hand, if you don't you point do out nothing with him, you let him speak freely and make his music. That's it. That's that's what you would do with any of these people. You know, it's funny. There's a rapper. What the hell is his name? Um, I forget his name. I remember I, I was at a mall a few months ago, and uh, to my shock, there was a record store. It's like a new thing, even though records are old school. And I was like, how the fuck is there a record store? So I went in and I went to the rap section and I'm looking through albums. And all of a sudden I see Hitler. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then I see a guy, black dude wearing a Confederate flag. And it was the same rapper. And I'm like, what is this transgressive rap in 2023? What the fuck's going on? And then it wasn't just a Hitler album. There's like eight of them. It's called Hitler, Hitler Wears Burmais or something. And all the covers, one has them look like an angelic, like Mary. One, and I'm like, I can't believe this. It's like a whole thing about Hitler. Anyway, it's a rapper. He decided to be controversial with his album cover. And uh, I forget his name. It's decent. It's not like great, but it's it's not AIDS either. It's like solid. It's very street. It's not, it's like, it's okay. But I just, I got interested in it just because of the, I, I, I don't remember the last time I saw a rapper being truly transgressive with some Hitler shit. Um, but the reason, apparently, and I, I looked, I forget this guy's name, but I looked up interviews at the time. I just wanted to get an idea of what the hell was going on. Anyway, the reason the record executives allowed it is because the, the lyrics are not political at all. It's all like gangster shit. So <clears throat> if he was rapping about political shit, they probably would have put an end to it. But considering the fact that all of the rap is about like sh shooting people and drugs and shit, they let it go. But in the interview, the guy was like, uh, yeah, the record executives were not pleased at all. They did not like the album covers. And I was like, wow, I don't remember the last time I read anything about album covers that were like controversial and like, what are we in like 1985? Like this is like, so it, it's kind of happening still, but you know, not at the level that it should. But uh, but anyway, that guy was never canceled. No one gave a fuck about him. But Kanye West, oh, that's a different story. That's a different story. And how vile and disgusting it is, then it just sits there. And I know that whenever anything sits there, it festers, right? So you gotta knock it down. On the other hand, it's so obvious that he's mentally ill. 
<laughs> and so Chank is the diagnoser of mental illness. I could argue you're mentally ill, especially with what you did the, the last stream. Where's the line between incredibly vile and mentally ill? And if you say, well, it's not up to you. That line is not up to you. Uh, he can say whatever he wants. That doesn't. There's no. This is not a thing. There's no line here. He should be able to say what he wants. Look, he's a genius uh, artist. I don't care at all. I, like that doesn't move me one percent. And I'm so sick of people saying that. I don't give a f how good he is in music or not good. I don't care. Well, like it doesn't matter if you care. It doesn't matter if you care because most people don't care, and that's why he's still incredibly popular. That's why people freak out when they hear he might drop another album. Like saying, well, on the other hand, I thought Hitler was actually a pretty good artist. I don't <laughs> care. That's not the relevant part, okay? So earlier in Kanye's career, the relevant part was his music. Now the relevant part is he has lost his mind and he's trying to drive hatred. But again, most people don't agree with that and they still listen to his music and they still buy his sneakers. Towards a Because you know what? A lot of black people don't give a fucking shit about the Jews. They want the music and they like the music, okay? Like this idea that black people who like Kanye West have to sacrifice their music now on behalf of the Jews. I mean, it's like ridiculous. People aren't gonna do that. People are still walking around in Yeezys. They don't give a fucking shit about this. So this whole thing, it's just wild. It's like, it's like uh, it's, it reminds me of the Jehovah's Witnesses. I remember the Jehovah's Witnesses, you weren't allowed to listen to certain music. And then even if you found music that passed some of the purity tests, then it, you had to look into the lifestyle of the artist. And if he said things that were against Jehovah or, or you know, immoral, then you still couldn't listen to the music. These are the same type of people, although they're worse. They're, they're way worse than Jehovah's Witnesses, frankly. Specific group. And it's disgusting. And if you don't realize that Kanye's disgusting, <laughs> sorry, but there's something deeply yeah, wrong with the, the guy who uh, uh, defends child predators is calling other people disgusting. Few. This is not close. Mm -hmm. It's not around the edges. He's all the way at talking about how great Hitler is. Not close. Okay. So you're not if you're agreeing with any of it or trying to excuse it in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, you're 30 seconds away from him, and you're 30 seconds away from going, "Yay, Hitler!" That's a awful, awful <laughs> place to be. Kanye and his music. Oh yeah. So I think uh, I was. Well, he's really going to care about that. He really cares. Cenk Uger doesn't like Kanye. I'm sure he really is going to care about that. Fair enough. Go ahead. Yeah, no ambiguity there. Uh, you know, the conversation always around, uh, oh, we got to separate the art from the artist. This is somebody who has passed that point. They've okay, made it. So again, this is, this is straight out of a watchtower. This, this is uh, because people uh, who were trying to like find music would make that argument to separate the art from the artist. And, and they were told, no, you can't do that. You can't do that, and that's why you, you basically, in the Jehovah's Witness, you, you, you can never listen to anything because everything, even if you find something quote unquote wholesome, um, the artist is immoral, and the ar artist fucked whores one time, or whatever, you know, they'll find anything. That's why they ultimately want you listening to Kingdom Melodies, which are fucking AIDS, absolute AIDS. It's perfectly clear who they are, what they think, what they believe. And as someone who really liked his first several albums, it's just like, there's no point. I can't get past what he's saying and what he's doing, even well, from a couple years ago. I don't care. I would encourage other people to do the same. But you have no oh. shot at that. You know how popular he is? He, people still love his music. You, there's nothing you can do.
So the people who are around him, the people who are on the next album or worked yeah, on his they next- They don't care, dude. They don't fucking care. This is like your buddy pops off about some shit you don't give a fuck about, but you just want to like rap on the album or whatever. Okay? People, this idea that everyone must put Democrat priorities or Jewish priorities as the number one thing in their life. Hey, you have an, hey, black guy, black rapper, you've been rapping your whole life. And now you have an opportunity to rap on Kanye West's album. Can you imagine? That's like unbelievable. The, the main guy, the most, I mean, I'm not a fan of the music, but it doesn't matter. Kanye West is one of the most popular musicians in the world. And now you have a shot to get on the album. But no, you must sacrifice for the Jews and the Democrats. And you must decline the offer or we're going to destroy your life. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying here. So all of these people who have an opportunity to do something that like one in a million people get a shot to do, that you, you reach a point in your craft where you can work with an absolute musical legend, whether I view him like that or not is irrelevant. He, he's very popular. You have to sacrifice because he said things that Democrats and some Jews don't like. Oh yeah, ridiculous. This is fucking ridiculous. Next album, which could come out soon. And the people in that room, there was a really interesting moment in that video where he kind of acknowledges that many of the people in that room are people he's paying. So what are you doing? Sacrifice your job, bigot. Sacrifice your job. Now you're, you should be out of a job. With your life. Where you have to sit there and like nod along, the yeah, yeah, totally. The Jews control the hospitals for a paycheck. Like there are other jobs out there, I promise. You're a cum slut for the establishment for a paycheck. So how are you criticizing these people? You. They're probably more interesting than that, than catering. Actually, you're probably an unpaid intern, quite frankly. I can't imagine they're paying you anything. Holy shit. Into his ego, I would encourage you to just distance yourself. If none of those people are going to watch this video. They don't give a shit about you. Especially all the rappers who are on this upcoming album, who have verses or help produce it. <laughs> don't work with them anymore, because you're going you're gonna to blow up your career. Yeah, I was just saying one last thing about that. Look, can you imagine, first of all, the narcissism to think that any of those motherfuckers would even find this video is that's like amazing. And again, you're you're t I'm not exaggerating when I'm saying that these people are demanding people sacrifice for their cult. People that are not even in their cult, they're demanding that they sacrifice. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. W Hitler was probably also mentally ill. So that's why it's I an don't even fucking give a shit about goddamn Hitler, Cenk. Tougher issue. He's like, dead. What do you do? He's long dead. When are people? Holy shit! He's like Hitler. It's just you haven't you gotten enough mileage out of fucking Hitler? I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. Someone who's mentally ill but causing great harm, right? Um, but Jordan makes a great point. The people around him have no excuse. <laughs> okay, maybe he's mentally ill. What's your excuse? Oh, I was going to collect. How about they don't uh, take this shit as serious as you. Paycheck for helping him promote the worst, most violent anti-Semitic propaganda. Well, I hope you're proud. Uh, so, no, <laughs> if sure you're in that are. room, I imagine you'd be very proud that you made it uh, on a Kanye West album. That's pretty. That's a big career uh, accomplishment. Chank's never done anything like that. I've, I, I don't claim that ever to ever have done anything like that. But I'm not talking shit about it. Chank's talking shit about it. Yeah, you got to give up your opportunity. By the way, again, in the Jehovah's Witnesses, it's the same thing. They always had examples of athletes who gave up 
their sport for Jehovah. In fact, there were a couple known ones. There was a offensive lineman for the Eagles. I forget his name. And I saw him at a meeting one time. That was one of the wildest experiences. I forget his name. He played on the Eagles. This had to have been around 2005 or 2006. He was a starting offensive lineman for the Eagles. Black, bald guy. Huge. And I remember, and I was really into football at the time, and so I knew like I knew all, all the players and whatever. Remember, I walked into the bathroom, and I was like, holy shit. I didn't say anything. He just he looked at me. He said, what's up? And I said, hey, what's up? And I just took a piss, and I was like, how the fuck is... And then I thought to myself, I think it was like a bye week or something. I'm like, that's, I, I didn't expect it. Anyway, and then I, after the meeting, I walked up to this other dude that I would always talk to football about. And I was like, is that uh, whatever the fuck's name? He's like, yeah, he's studying. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Anyway, he gave up sports. He gave up. He's, he stopped playing for the Eagles. Or maybe, I don't know if he ended up getting traded. He wasn't like a great player or anything. But I mean, you're good enough to start. I'll find the name of the, the player out. Um, if, if I... I I'm pretty sure if I look at the lineup from like 05, I can pick out the name. Anyway, then there was this other player from the Indiana Pacers who was a pretty good player. Um, I think he came into the league uh, and he, I think he skipped college. And I, I, I can find that name too. That, that Actually, both of these guys, if you look them up, uh, you, you type like sports, sports athlete Jehovah's Witnesses, you'll probably... Uh, or, or retire because or give up sport for Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm sure you could find articles about him. This kid played for the Indiana Pacers for a couple years, and then he just gave up, gave it up for Jehovah. Okay, well, this what Chink is doing here is telling all these rappers that they need to give up uh, their spot on Kanye's album, but instead of for Jehovah, for their cult. Oh my God, that's incredible. You're not walking out. You're disgusting. Yeah. Uh... I just want everybody to be on the lookout for like, are you invoking any anti-Semitic tropes in these times? There's only one thing that's he, that he said that was accurate in his uh, video. We're not going to go to the video, but he did talk trash about Sierra Canyon. And as a proud alumnus of Chatsworth Hills, they were our Rinaldi rivals and they do suck. And Kanye's right about that. I don't care how many LeBron James kids go there, but they suck. Um, that said, I do think like there are there are a hundred million people in the world who are probably like, well, listen, he's saying it in a crazy way, but I do believe Jermaine Mayberry. That was his name, Jermaine Mayberry. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, I saw that dude in the bathroom. I was like, holy shit. But again, I don't see if I see someone, even if I saw someone famous, because he's not famous, he's like a, a more of an unknown. But if I saw like even like a Kobe Bryant, I know he's dead. If I saw Kobe Bryant. I, what am I going to say? Hey, what's up? That's it. That's like the best you're going to get out of me. Because you're like a total stranger. What, I going to start talking to you about shit? Like, yeah, that's not, no, I'm not doing that. These things about the Jews, I do believe that they are running the monetary policy of the world. I do believe that they run the entertainment industry. I do believe that they're doing all these horrible things behind the scenes. Like I. Uh, Darren Collison was the name of the um, Indiana Pacers player. And um, and I think there was another one named Danny Granger. Didn't he also play for the Pacers? The Pacers had two Jehovah's Witnesses? Wow, that's a hell of a thing. That's sick, man. You know, you're like 1% of the 1%. If you're a good enough athlete to play in the NBA, even if you're like a bench player, uh, just... 
crazy. You're, you've won the lottery. You've won the lottery. And this cult gets you to fucking give it up for nothing. It's sick. These are sick people. I hear it. I hear it all the time. I see it in people's faces. It sucks. And it is on all of us to ask ourselves if we are doing any of these tropes. Like his is a magnified version. Oh, I'm doing all the tropes. I'm going to do all the things you tell me not to do. But if you've got it in there, I'm going to blame the Jews for everything. Along the way in your discourse, oh, uh, I think something went bad in the refrigerator. Ah, fucking Jews. On Israel, you end up being like, oh God, I just kind of said something about Jews that was kind of like something Kanye West said. That is the serious reason for actually doing this story. Don't do it, because there's plenty of places. No one who's doing that is going to listen to you. <laughs> to have a decent conversation, and I respect and thank everybody. Uh, for doing that on behalf of all Jews, because if I'm the token one- I'm not one doing anything on behalf of Jews or anyone else. I will not do anything on behalf of, this is, first of all, you know one of the reasons I won't do that? Because it's not real. It's virtue signaling. It's not a real thing. It's not a real thing. What kind of a narcissist thinks that like, oh, I praised the Jews today and therefore helped them. <laughs> One you know, so I'm not that Jewish, but I'll take it. I made the ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> it's just not funny. It's just not funny. Um, what is this? Hold on a second. Press secret. Is this? Uh, hold on a second. The polls that show the American people and also oh, yeah. significant majorities within the Democratic Party don't want him to run again. And the polls that show his handling of the economy, foreign policy, all of these dismal every, polls, his job approval ratings. Um, does the White House have any basis to challenge the accuracy of that polling? I never, we never challenge, I'm not challenging the accuracy here. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying to you is that, um, you know, we're not going to change the minds of Americans. I get that. Americans are going to feel how they feel. You should, though. You should really try to change the minds of the Americans because the polls look really bad. I'm not telling yeah, you. I, I think that the reason they're doing that is because they don't really plan to have an election, and I hope I'm wrong about that. You how to run for office, but generally you want people to not hate you. Anyway, uh, the polls that Karine Jean-Pierre is being asked about right there are bad. And to be clear, they're not challenging the accuracy of them. But let's see, uh, recent Bloomberg News Morning Console poll head to head, Biden versus Trump, which is still what it's looking like most likely the outcome to be. Trump is up by four points in Arizona, six points in Georgia, four points in Michigan, three points in Nevada, nine points in North Carolina, two points in Pennsylvania, four points in Wisconsin. There is a margin of error, but at a certain point, the pattern becomes fairly clear. So I would say get on changing people's minds because this is not tenable. Not if you care as much about the future of American democracy as you're telling us you do. Mondale, I wanna start with you. What do you make of the current state? We're still 11 months out from the election. Admittedly, a lot can change. He could be a jailbird by then, but what do you make of this? I'm not, I'm not implying that anybody's in violation of the Hatch Act. I am saying that uh, what we just saw from the press secretary is this, is the exact problem that the Biden campaign has. Mm. The fact that you're going to say that we're, we can't change America's mind is the wrong thing to say. The, the correct thing to say is we're not the first incumbent president to be down a year out from election in the polls. 
right? Like if Obama would have dropped out a year out before the election because he was down and opposed and he wouldn't have had a second term. That's the correct thing to say. The idea that you're not trying to change people's mind is exactly how you're gonna make these polls come to fruition next November. I am absolutely disgusted with that response, but it, it it's par for the course when you have, I mean, I'm not, Applauding too much of the Biden's presidency, it's been uh, milk toast as 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 it was expected to be. But it has there has been some serious legislation passed that they could be bragging about. The idea that she didn't talk about the, when he said something about the abysmal market, they should have bragged about the stock market. I, but I'm not here to tell the Biden campaign how to run. I would love for them to drop out if they need to. I could give them some pointers on some things he could do other than be president. Mm-hmm. The problem though is this is the problem. Not just the poll itself. I don't care too much about polls because they're polling the people that they want to, i.e., likely voters. They're not talking to a majority of certain segments, which means people who are registered but not likely to participate. And then we've seen that that demographic actually change the outcome of elections for the past two presidential elections, and people aren't talking about that. So I. What the fuck is this right here? I don't even know. What the fuck is that? I am worried, though, that we have a presidential campaign that is being ran by people who think that it's not their job to change the mind of folk that need to vote for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, John and and Mondell. I mean, the the reality here is we we see in the press secretary who has a background, you know, leading an organization that was a sort of a democratic bastion of support and move on, you know, a later version of move on than the one. That drew me in when mm-hmm. we were all protesting the Iraq War and so on, the progressive version. But the later version, Karine Jean Pierre was, you know, one of the leads of. And for her in her role as press secretary to basically say, um, you know, we know better than you. Like we, we we know better than all of you voters uh, what it's gonna take for the president to be reelected. I feel mm-hmm. like that's the messaging we are hearing again and again and again like oh yeah that that's what it is but don't worry we're we're fine we're totally fine as is and i and i and i appreciate your point mondale um, that you know the polls are what they are but at the same time we have never seen in history since jimmy carter a president more unpopular at this point this close to the election with essentially a corrupted democratic party that refuses to endorse open debate or any other alternatives, right? Yeah. So it's they're doubling down on the nature of the problem, in my opinion. And you know, this gets to the much larger point that you know I've been chomping at the bit to talk with you all about when it comes to President Biden, is we just don't know what his vision is. Like what's his vision for America moving forward? Well, I, he, he can't even tell you because he's got full blown dementia. Restore the soul. Well, that kind of worked because of how awful and traumatizing the years with Trump was, and how clearly poorly run that administration was. Let alone all the fascism and all of this. So, restore the soul is made up. We don't even know what that means. Restore the soul, and so that we can, you know, fund and support a, a genocide in Gaza. I mean, that's one type of soul restoration. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not very soulful, in my opinion. So, I mean, what's his vision? We see younger voters. Uh, being totally turned off, which might mean they don't vote, right? I mean, per your point, Mondale. We see Muslim voters in in states like Georgia and Michigan, swing states with significant amount of Muslim American populations, being totally angry and feeling like this president is not there for them. And of course, we see progressives also. So there's a lot more energy on the Republican side. That's why the polls are what they are. 
And so this president who hasn't done really active press conferences or really active when I mean like actually sort of, you know, edgy, energetic interviews or press conferences, he's being, you know, placed in formaldehyde in the background. That's not going to work. It's just yeah. not going to work and it's clear and the writing's on the wall and it's eminently clear. I mean, it's like, you know, I even read a story with Cornell West involving Cornell West on Politico yesterday saying that Cornell West even thinks you know, he's polling about 5% nationally, that Biden won't even end. This reminds me of when like the North Carolina Democrats were complaining that they weren't canvassing during the 2020 election and they were wondering what Biden was doing. This is the same thing. And it, it, it does seem like that they, they have a plan, they have something up their sleeve, unfortunately. Ends up being, Be we'll, we'll drop out at some point. Um, so like, this is not good. The Democratic Party needs to, you know, grow a couple. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and make and, and, and sort of decide what its strategy is going to be to actually get all of us. Most Americans are very unhappy with the status quo when it comes to this president, despite a couple of good things domestically, terrible things in terms of foreign policy and mostly. But you know, they need to be building energy around their campaign and their movement. And this, this it just doesn't seem like this is the candidate for these times. I mean, if nothing else because of age, let alone some quite despicable, in my opinion, policies based on my own biased way of looking at things. Yeah, I, look at this point, I don't think any of us expects Joe Biden to necessarily be the greatest avatar of the message. But for Corinne Jean-Pierre, it's literally her job is to successfully spin what is coming at you. What's coming at you right now is polls that don't look great. I feel like almost anything she could have said would have been better than what she did and look, Joe Biden feels like he's sort of surrendering to some extent and we cannot be that surprised that the Democratic Party, the organized leadership of the Democratic Party is just like whatever, I guess he's the incumbent. But it's so weird that they're getting this assist from the media who collectively are all just pretending that there's no primary. Either primaries are illegal or they should be invisible. I mean, CNN every day is doing a town hall. With the gaggle of weirdos on the right that's running, they yep. gave Vivek Ramaswamy a national platform yep. to just make completely unfounded accusations yep. about FBI false flags. And they did that. And they did Ron DeSantis the day before, they're gonna do Chris Christie. You can't have the Democratic contenders for the primary on. It's almost the exact same situation, by the way, because Donald Trump is not debating. So they are stepping into the void and providing town halls. Well, on the other side, you can do that. You can give Dean, Dean Phillips is a sitting politician. You can't give him a town hall, Marion Williamson. There are other candidates obviously as well, but you could easily do that. They've got the time. It's a 24 hour a day news network, but they're giving an assist to Joe Biden and pretending that he doesn't have to run. And despite all of that, yeah, and like I think the, the just sort of like the pretending like these other candidates don't even exist. Both Marianne Williamson and Dean Phillips are polling, despite are polling higher than Vivek Ramaswamy yes. in national polls, and that speaks to how most of us are just not happy with the president. So they're doing their best to pretend like there isn't, there aren't any other candidates that even exist, even though despite that job, they're more popular than Vivek Ramaswamy. Thankfully, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah.
For me, I think I don't know if they're doing Biden a, a service. They think they may be doing him mm -hmm. a service by curbing uh, the other Democratic, the people on the Democratic side in the primary, um, even though the Democratic Party is not willing to have a primary process. But they're not really, though. If you think about it, we saw CNN and other new, uh, major news network in 2015, 2016 make Donald Trump. And what I mean by make Donald Trump is Donald Trump had over a billion dollars with the free media, right? He didn't have to spend any of his budget on commercials because anything he did was covered from beginning to end, even before he was on stage. When he was warming up the come up, he kept people warm coming. The camera was on Donald Trump events the entire time. So right now that is being split between Donald Trump trials and the rest of the Republicans. So I don't know if they're doing uh, Joe, Joe Biden a comfortable one by not covering the other candidates. I think what happens is in the Democratic Party may learn this the hard way, that red wave that didn't happen in 2022 may be the tsunami uh, in 2024. Oh, that'd be great. That would be great. Especially if we know that uh, if, if, if what we're seeing in these polls in these so-called battleground states hold true. And I also want to say that, you know, there, there's no service uh, for candidates when they're not in the media. And this campaign has not even started to do anything. We've seen a few ads from the from Joe Biden's campaign, but the Republicans are already deep into campaign season. We've seen four or five debates and Donald Trump doing whatever he's doing. Now there are town halls on CNN. So people are being fed Republican talking points over and over and they're popping up in spaces where they shouldn't even exist. And there's no counter to it except for we know we're not going to change your heart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder, John and and Mondale, if they if there is some internal polling that these sort of establishment advisors to President Biden are doing, or I I just don't know what their strategy is to actually win this election. It. I mean, I'm just. I don't think they have a strategy to win the election. I think they're going to do some shady shit. Thing that say I was like just like Kareem. By the way, you're going to defend it all. That's the thing. Who I've actually been on MSNBC with, and is a very very smart. Uh, at framing things in ways that sort of seem pleasing, right? And 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 so to actually to to see them, I I don't know what their strategy is because every time I've seen an interview with a senior advisor to Biden or even some of the you know acolytes to Biden, like you know on CNN and MSNBC and so on, I all I hear them saying is it's a long way till the election. Well, Biden will be 11 months older when the mm -hmm. election occurs, um, and that's a real issue amongst many others. And so, and the other point, you know, about media and free media that Trump got is, you know, we it's the same thing as social media. You know, it's it's all about what will grab eyeballs. So, someone who's insane, who who says a lot of lies and is angry and is good at riling people up and is a good kind of, you know, front man, like Trump is an expert at that, yeah. will get eyeballs. I mean, it's 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 something that our human we as human beings we like that edge. We yeah. like that controversy. We might like and hate it at the same time, but we often like things that are not good for us, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I could just go to the 7-Eleven and you know, just around the corner and get a bunch of like hot dogs and candy, and then I'll feel terrible afterward, but I'll, I'll like it while I'm eating. Yeah, yeah, let's do that after the show, actually. Should we do it, man? No. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you're gonna go fuck each other. <laughs> oh, I agree, and it's just um, at this point, it is really weird to be going through what is ostensibly in a democracy supposed to be an open primary process. And the only debates we'll have had is uh, TYT hosted the candidates for a forum. And Which is nothing. Uh, oh, Gavin Newsom debated Ron DeSantis, mm. so that's good. Isn't that weird that the guy who's not running gets to do a debate? And only then because Sean Hannity sets it up. Super weird, not nearly enough questions being asked about that.
Yeah, well, they're stealing. They're going to steal, and you're going to go along with it. All right, let me read some Super Chats. We're taking them through Streamlabs, link in the description. We're also taking them through Entropy, link in the description. And we're also taking Rumble Rants on Rumble. Also, you can download the book that my leftist homosexual brother wrote called What a Bigot Would Say. It is a guide on how to be a virtuous liberal. That is uh, in the description of Rumble and YouTube around the fifth link down or so. Also, uh, January 9th, uh, I will be releasing a book about how the media uses propaganda techniques uh, just like the Jehovah's Witnesses did. Um, and uh, also, the um, I'm probably going to put the whiteboard together tomorrow. So not sure when the first whiteboard video is going to come out, but it will likely be out before I leave for Florida. Um and uh, so, yeah, look out for that. All right, we have uh, Silky Johnson says, Jesus Christ, HB, the Senate has been tainted. Degenerate faggot sodomy in those hallowed halls. And you can imagine the smell that, that'll linger. How do you not sanitize with fire? You know the enemy countries are having a field day with that story, sadly. Yeah, they're probably like, yep, that's... They, 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 they probably like... That, uh, that sounds about right. That's what they're saying. That sounds about right. Silky Johnson says, Did you see the breaking news I sent Thursday? On Thursday, one moment. Uh, I'll look, um, I'll read these and then I'll have a look. And then after a couple videos, we'll do some breaking news. Um, a terrific Eisenstein says watching UFC while listening to HB. Let's fucking go. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. A terrific also said, how about your boy Fetterman coming out against illegal immigration and prosecuting Menendez dude, was Fetterman low-key the bet better vote than Oz? I mean, Fetterman's still a retard, but would Oz say the same shit as Fettertard? Don't think so. Yeah, I don't know what... I didn't like Oz at all. Um, but, um, yeah, he said he's not a progressive and that he uh, wants some sort of border security, which is surprising. They'll probably get him in line, though. Aidsarific says, So Jimmy Dore had Tucker on this week, and he said he's having Alex Jones on within the next two weeks. So as of now, Jimmy is based on everything except for what the solution should be. Yeah, yeah, uh, Jimmy Dore uh, has been doing pretty good. Uh, I, I will say that. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he continues. Um, Silky Johnson says, shout out to Bazinski HB, his super chat the other day that ended with, and I'm quoting, <clears throat> nigger, kike, and camel jockey, and other wonderful epithets was pure poetry, a reflection of the times and an esoteric commentary on the fragile nature of a cohesive society. And then he wrote opera clap. Yes, that is uh, very well, very well put. Big Chris says, uh, oh, thanks, Rachel Maddow's sister. That's not piss hitting my fucking head. It's rain. It's not warm like piss. It doesn't smell like piss. It's not coming out of your fucking dick like piss. It's cool, fresh, clean rain. Fuck you. Yeah, just uh, crazy. They're going to just gaslight people and lie to them. And at some point, I think they're going to try to hurt people that don't go along with the narrative. They've already censored some people, like Facebook, for example. Uh, when people were talking about inflation, they, they got shadow banned because... Uh, they didn't provide what they call context. Of course, context is another word that's been weaponized and redefined by leftists, AIDS commie leftists, uh, where it means that you basically have to put in the corporate media propaganda into the narrative. 
Michelle Kincaid says, My mom's 82 and recently started taking bronzing supplements and doing some other kind of tanning BS and pretending like she's always been the color of peanut butter. My brother and sister-in-law live nearby and keep an eye on her and secretly monitor her bank account. She spends like 300 a month on this crap. The other day at dinner, my brother asked her about it, and again, she said her doctor said her oxygen levels are low and causing discoloration. My brother said bullshit. My mom said with a straight face, are you calling my doctor a liar, LOL? This is the kind of gaslighting the media is doing to us about the economy. The other day, I bought a pumpkin bread, Kraft cheese pack of 24, big bag of Doritos and bacon. It was $39. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's classic gaslighting. Like, like obvious, like, like obvious, like obviously. <laughs> that's like physically impossible. Of course, I'm not a doctor. That would seem physically impossible, though. That it, that some sort of oxygen level would cause that. That's 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 oh man, that's a hell of a thing. That's a hell of a thing. <clears throat> yeah, and they're gonna do this, and I, I'm not get, getting the impression. While while inflation has slowed, it's still going up, and I, I mean maybe it stays stagnant until the election, but it's possible that on election day things are even worse. So, yeah, that's just, uh, the, it's, the whole thing is crazy. All right, let's see. <clears throat> Let me just refresh here, and then uh, we'll get to some breaking news after a video or two. Alcove says, none of this propaganda is working. That's why Biden's number, numbers are in the toilet. These evil motherfuckers deserve the harshest penalties possible for their lies voiced upon the public. Yeah, you just can't have a media... You know, and it's not the easiest thing to figure out, I understand, but, like, you just can't have this in a society. The media being as crazy as they are. You, you just can't, This is just so over the top. It, it, things have to be done. I don't know what you could do, but, uh, yeah, there should be... People should be prosecuted. I'm all for uh, tribunals. I mean, you, you look at... Whether it's Rwanda radio or any of these propagandists from evil, illegitimate regimes, a lot of those people were prosecuted after the regime fell. I think we should do the same thing here if this regime falls. That's a big if. That's a big if. Um, okay, let's get to some more videos and then we will do some breaking news. This is um, so. This is interesting. Trump. It looks like. They're saying that the Russian interference intel is missing. And I believe Trump has it. I believe um, the Julie Kellys of the world, uh, Brian Cates, people like that have been posting about this, that basically Trump has information that he declassified at the time related to Russian interference, and I guess the deep state doesn't realize that it's missing, and they're nervous. And people have argued, this is one of the reasons, and, and, and it's not a recent argument, it's, uh, I've heard it before, it's very possible, very plausible, that that is part of the reason, a key reason for the Mar-a-Lago raid, that this is, this is what they've been trying to recover, and they haven't successfully recovered it yet. I would love for Trump to have something crazy in his back pocket related to the interference that he releases eventually. I don't know. Um, but um, the the intel is missing. So I do think there's something to this. 
Hopefully we find out one day what exactly this all is. Here is TYT covering it and pretending that Trump is New doing exclusive wrong. CNN reporting about highly classified intelligence that went missing at the end of the Trump administration. The intelligence was related to Russian election interference in the United States. It was so secret it was kept inside a safe within another safe at CIA headquarters. But in the final weeks of the Trump okay. administration. Obviously, with what um, was proven about how the Russian interference election narrative was totally made up. Obviously, whatever this intel is, is bad for the deep state. Just You can just conclude that based on the fact that it's a made up narrative. So what would they have that they would be worried about? If, if it was something promoting the narrative, then what would they be worried about? Because the media would get a hold of it and say, hey, look, it actually happened. So this has got to be something if I had to guess, it would be like, remember, um, remember when um, it wasn't Klein Smith, I forget who. So one of the at least I didn't like Dorham's conclusions and I was not satisfied with John Dorham. But there were some good things about uh, uh, his report. And the best part was the uh, to me was when they actually had the conversations among these leftist AIDS commie lunatics that were trying to sabotage Trump with this alpha bank server bullshit. And so they were talking amongst themselves and they were and they were saying, are you sure you want to take this to the FBI? Because they didn't really have anything. It was a completely made up story. Um, they were like banking on people in the FBI, like not understanding how like computers work. It was completely crazy. Just desperate lunatic people. And so it was interesting to get an insight on that, like that even some of them were like, you know, this is probably not a good idea to go to the FBI with this because this is like ridiculous. Um, that It's probably shit like that, that they have, uh, well, that Trump has, that they want to get back. That would be my guess. A copy of that intelligence was put inside a binder brought to the White House as part of an effort to declassify documents related to the FBI's Russia probe. And from there, the trail goes cold. He did, de he did declassify this. In fact, I think he even announced it publicly on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there were more documents. And uh, of all of the things the documents could address, Russian interference in the 2016 election is the content of the documents, the binder, the massive 10 inch thick binder, by oh the way. God. It just happened to go missing. It's so weird and so on theme, by the way, for the way that it was supposed to be securely stored, that they had a safe inside of a safe, sort of like a Russian nesting doll sort of security strategy there, but that's gone. We don't know where that is. There are some theories and we're gonna get into the evidence, but we have a little bit more first. So this, this binder that was brought to the White House contained raw intelligence that the US and its NATO allies collected on Russia's efforts to meddle in the 2016 <laughs> election, including sources and methods, which were some of the most sensitive information. Ooh, yeah, you, you, gotta, you gotta protect the people that made up bullshit about Trump. You gotta protect those people. In the intelligence world. So what we're talking about here is the underlying intelligence that formed the basis of the US government's assessment that Russian President Vladimir Putin sought to help Trump win the 2016 election. So there is some information for you. We have a little bit more, okay? So to the best of everyone's collective ability, it has been able to be tracked to the last known whereabouts of this 10 inch thick binder again. 
the last days of the Trump administration, and supposedly former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows was reported to have made a mad dash minutes before Joe Biden was sworn in in an attempt to declassify documents, which could have included that particular binder. That's what they're saying. He apparently rushed to the DOJ to hand deliver a redacted copy for one last review. Um, years later, the Justice Department has yet to release all the documents, despite Trump's declassification order. Additional copies with varying levels of redaction ended up at the National Archives. He apparently, by the way, Meadows, had made copies of the binder for some conservative politicians and journalists. And CNN notes that the copies initially sent out were frantically retrieved at the direction of White House lawyers demanding additional redactions. So there are a couple of potential reasons that they might want to do last minute redactions after giving these documents to conservatives. They had to cover up their gay op. Politicians and journalists. It could be that they're like trying to protect, like they're, it's about Russian efforts to meddle in Yeah, but the those were made up, dude. They were made up. It was all a lie. So whoever was giving them that intel lied. It's not like they're trying to redact a conclusion that they didn't, that nothing untoward was done and Trump comes out of it looking like a really cool innocent guy. They obviously gave this to journalists because they thought there was something that the journalists could use that would be harmful for Hillary Clinton, Comey, I don't know. And then they realized after giving it out that there was something that they didn't want friendly politicians and journalists uh, to bullshit that you're totally misreading it. Know about. Nope. And then eventually, it's just gone. It was not among the documents that were recovered from Mar-a-Lago. Um, no word yet on whether it's in his uh, former ex-wife's coffin, along possibly with other documents. Um, they, these people are so sick. They, they, they're, they're, they've already exhumed corpses. They want to exhume uh, his ex-wife's corpse. They've done this with, um, um, uh, or did they? Maybe they didn't do it yet. I remember they were talking about exhuming corpses of uh, like Confederate soldiers. Like these people, they're like ISIS. These people are like ISIS. It's it's unbelievable. There's a lot of concern about it possibly having been flown somewhere. There's a few other theories too, but uh, I've thrown a lot out there. Ramesh, I want to start with you. What do you make of this? I mean, sure, it's 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 another example of how uh, casually, not just the former president, but in general, these sorts of uh, secrets that are supposed to be so, you know, ironclad, can just get out or 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 well, just uh, retard. He was the president, and he he's in control of the secrets. So what? Like, do you not understand how any of this works? I think that's the problem here. You don't understand how any of this works. You you think somehow that Trump didn't have the same powers as other presidents. So it's up to him. It's up to him. He can declassify. Just disappear, right? And I think it's it's actually interesting to think about that in relation to the physical bind like physical binders of secrets, those being lost, because I think a pretty clear assumption that many of us know these days is almost anything digital or datafied at some point, almost, I mean, I can't say almost anything, but off, very often these things get leaked or mm -hmm. dumped out, right? So the other thing that I, I, I note is if such information is actually really important, would that not be critically important in terms of trying to protect, you know, whatever level of integrity we can with the forthcoming election? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we know that the Russians interfered in our election. We also know that that's a very common thing. That's not sort of a unique thing that 
countries interfere in one another's elections. Sometimes in our case, that might mean our military, like just invading and killing people. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's our version of it, right? So, given that, and given you know so much anxiety associated with Putin, in real, you know, who just said he's going to stay on till at least 2030, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's likely to come where the media is going to try to figure out a way to you know critique trump with this binder going missing i mean that's a that's a potentially serious issue it's a yeah. potentially very serious issue and i guess it gets to the larger point about the larger inequalities that we have as human beings i can this is a little bit tied to this right so as citizens of this country we are only barely aware of how often we are being surveilled, not mm-hmm. just by private corporations, but by the state, right? The state and corporations, private corporations are best buddies in this country because of the corruption of the political system, right? But it's so interesting how rarely we actually learn about those who spy on us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we know we are spied on, but we are never able to watch the watchers, right? Mm-hmm. So in this particular case, the watcher might be the Russian state, which could actually be important in trying to protect. Uh, yeah, not in this instance. Whatever we can out of this election, so it's at least supportive of us U.S. citizens. Though mm-hmm. that itself is a nauseating thing to even begin to think about. For yeah, me. I think that, that, that's a great point. Uh, Mondale thoughts? I, I'm. I'm. Here's what's baffling to me. How- this is baffling. Is that a fucking AIDS chicken? You gonna do a voodoo ritual after this, Mondale? What the hell's going on here? How in the hell? Are we just hearing about this? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm confused that we're just hearing about this. Well, I'm not surprised that you're confused. Uh, that that sounds about right. Mainly for because if we don't know what this document is, this 10, 10 inch thick document is binder, uh, and it was raw intelligence. That means anybody, any source that had anything to do with it, should be pulled out of the field. All of those agents should be decommissioned for their for their safety and and just because we don't know who has this document and who they've shared it with this if i was an agent for the united states or any of our allies and i had my name was in that document i would be on fire right now mm-hmm. on fire like this is scooter libby level crazy to me mm-hmm. the fact that we're talking about human capitals not just the the way that we retrieved it the people who were able to put this document together the people the sources, their contacts, all of those people are in jeopardy. And and I, I'm just a little nervous about the fact that Senate uh, leadership knew about this for so long. Uh, people in the CIA knew about this for so long. And American uh, citizens like us are just hearing about this. Mm, yeah. Seriously, it's dangerous. It, sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's just a great example of how little is actually disclosed to us as US citizens about these sort of apparatuses of surveillance, right? Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would, ju- and, and so like how like we are supposed to be the ones in power in this country, but we know so little about what is being done to us, even in a sort of governmental sense, even yeah. in terms of our own state government, our own national government surveilling us all. But then the other thing just to remember is in case any of this information includes Russians who had corroborated or collaborated with these so-called intelligence agencies, um, they're all in big trouble. That's true. Because we know what the Russian government and Putin does to anyone who gets in his way. Yeah, yeah. So they're in big trouble, big big graves. They may be already dead because if the yep. documents were retrieved, yep. sent back to Russia or leaked to anybody in their circle, they've already been wiped out. Yeah. Them and likely a lot of other people. So I'm. it's extremely baffling. 
100%. There's a lot, I think. that, And I'll close with one other thing that's sort of baffling to me. Like Cassie Hutchinson, um, you know, former aide under the Trump administration, said that she's almost certain that Mr. Meadows had it. And she was the one who wrote in her book enough um, that he had been, like, in the last minutes of the Trump administration before Biden was sworn in, running around with a binder under one arm, like a football, telling journalist John Solomon, how fast can you get me to the Department of Justice? They can use lights and sirens, sir. You should make it there before noon, even with the road clerk. This is like, I have to get this out of the city. He said at one point, good, let's do it. I am not gonna be the chief of staff who doesn't get this binder declassified. So hold on, remember, and just think about this. So first of all, I am also mad that they didn't tell us about this. This whole time we've been worried about what could have been in the documents that were, were stolen. It would have been helpful. Again, to they were not stolen, you're totally making that up. To know that there was stuff that's directly tied to one of the shadiest areas of the Trump administration in its first term. But like they, they've been saying ever since, you don't know if we declassified this stuff, all I have to do is wrinkle my nose, we could have declassified. But we know that they didn't go through the process, except apparently at the uh, last- what's the process? Can you explain the process? What the president has to ask permission to declassify? This is ridiculous. Last minute. For this one thing, mm. as if they were thinking until the last minute, well, surely Biden's not actually getting into office. Oh, damn, he's going to. This is the most important <laughs> document in the government. What the hell is in that thing? Any final quick thoughts before we move on? No, I mean, I just think that, it, like, I'll just kind of dial back and, and look at this from above, right? This election is coming up now. I know we're, you know, you all are going to be constantly covering this and. And we're going to be talking about this even more today, but um, it's it's I I really 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 hope we can put some power and 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 specificity to try to ensure that this election is as fair and is of as yeah. much integrity as possible. Uh -huh. so. so like all right, we have like a little air to breathe and a little time before things really get rolling and drummed up. Of course, the caucuses and all this are coming soon, but. Are there ways we progressives, or let's just say American citizens can try to come together and insist on a set of rules and protocols of that ensure some level of integrity? Because I just think that right now we're just surrounded by anxiety and a sense of um, alienation. Like I think a lot of people are just not gonna roll out and vote for this election. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. Manuel, final thoughts? So yeah, I, I think for me, here's, here's, what's, here's what's dastardly to me. I don't think people care. Uh, I mean, we we see yeah, they don't care about your bullshit narratives. They got shit to take care of in their lives. They don't care. That's true. A large swath of Americans' population actually still going along with the big lie. I don't think that they care. People are no longer bothered bothered by uh, Putin. Putin is not an enemy because Trump said so. Putin has become cool as cool as Trump in some circles, and that is that is the scary part. That is what's yeah. I can't believe people are focusing on their grocery bills and not Putin. That is, the, we found out that the Constitution is not, loving the Constitution is not what make, make you patriotic in 2024 election cycle, right? What Call them isolationists like Sitch and Adam. Makes you if you in the slightest way disagree with their bullshit, they call you an isolationist and, a, and an America is bad person. Patriotic is if you support Donald Trump and whatever he wants to do, including being a dictator on day one. So I think we are already past the point where we can put up guardrails to stop this. We, we, we as, as I'm glad you said, uh, as much as possible, because as much as possible means that Donald Trump can't take us out of NATO if he is to win because we just saw that be presented. But I think right now as a plans to our election, we, people don't even care about election integrity or democracy anymore. Not so every again, is this like the fifth segment in a row 
of between all the different channels where they're lamenting the fact that people are not believing their shit. It's fantastic. I don't want to be that cynical, but there's a large swath of people and we have to know that because they see Trump at the tr Trump losing from Republican judges that he appointed and then they just turn their back on those people. Any institution in this country that does not stand up for Donald Trump's big lie becomes anti-American, anti anti-patriotic. Yeah. Which means the only thing it left is, if you are American, if you are patriotic, you must support Donald Trump. And that's it. 100%. Yeah. Okay. You have a deal. Oh, they're in trouble. Rudy Giuliani refuses to quit defaming election workers. How dare he? I was proven to be telling the truth, and they were proven to be liars. Once again, that will happen. Uh, when I testify, we'll get the whole story, and it will be definitively clear that what I said was true, and that whatever happened to them, which is it's unfortunate if other people overreacted, but everything I said about them is true. That's a crazy thing to say after uh, being found liable for defamation. But one thing again, but the judge is illegitimate. The ruling is illegitimate. And so that because it's illegitimate, it doesn't change the fact that Rudy did tell the truth about these two uh, dumb hoes. Thing he said in that little actually, it's two dumb hoes and, an, and, and some fucking guy. I forget his name. You was when I testify, you will get the whole story. But that testimony will not be coming because today Rudy Giuliani's lawyer announced he will not be testifying in the damages trial for his defamation case. In fact, the jury is already deliberating on how much money former New York City he mayor- has like 150 guerrillion. Mayor and longtime Trump ally Rudy Giuliani is gonna have to pay out to the two election workers who he defamed. Now, instead of allowing his client to testify, Giuliani's attorney, Joseph Sibley, went straight into his closing arguments. Partially said, Giuliani lawyer Joseph Sibley began his closing argument. He quickly acknowledged that my client has committed wrongful conduct against the plaintiffs. He also suggested Giuliani decided not to testify because we feel like these women have been through enough. While accepting that these women have been harmed, Sibley said the amount they're seeking in damages is too high. We'll get into a little bit why I actually think he chose not to testify today and the implications it could have had on his criminal trials. But the idea that Rudy Giuliani cares about the harm he's caused to these women when well, he- I mean, he didn't cause any harm to them, that's ridiculous. Continued to spout those lies outside of the damages trial all throughout this week is absolutely absurd. Um, so I do just wanna remind everyone though that this trial was just a trial for damages, as I mentioned. Rudy Giuliani has already been found liable for defaming- Found liable. Being the two election workers in a default judgment. So before we get into what Giuliani might have to pay them, and it's quite a lot, uh, apparently so much that it might kill him, according to his attorney. Let's talk about- I imagine Rudy has moved his money around, hopefully, just like Alex Jones did. How he defamed these women and the massive impact that it had on their lives. Now, the plaintiffs in this case are Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss, who are a mother and daughter who were serving as election workers in Georgia during the 2020 election. A little more on that from NPR. 
Giuliani had targeted the two women as President Donald Trump and his allies spread the lie that the 2020 election was yeah, stolen. It was not a lie. It was clearly demonstrable. As part of the campaign in Georgia, Giuliani, Trump and others made Moss and Freeman the targets of debunked fraud claims. They were not debunked. Who debunked them? Where is the debunk? They don't do anything like that. They just label it debunked. Yes. It's like if you're banging your maid and your wife comes in and she's like, oh, you're fucking the maid. What are you doing? Oh, that's been debunked. <laughs> or, or this has nothing to do with sex. <laughs> Because they're like, oh, this isn't political at all. Yeah, this has nothing to do with sex. Or you can have some academic friend write a study about how you fucking the maid has nothing to do with sex. And then you say, hey, look, honey, do you see? Academia has spoken. This clearly has nothing to do with sex. This is, I mean, the example I'm giving is a little ridiculous, but this is exactly how they reason. This is what they do. This is what they do. So if you just use their tactics in, in other situations that you might get caught up in um not that you would want to do that but you know some people do fuck the maid it's just it is what it is um but you could just see how ridiculous their arguments are in other scenarios where they where they would never fly one of Giuliani's false accusations included a claim that Moss handed her mother a thumb drive quote like they were vials of heroin or cocaine. Right, so they, they acted as if it was contraband because they sneakily handed each other whatever it was and then handed it off to a guy. That's what makes to me the idea, because look, is it crystal clear that it's a thumb drive? No, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But there's no way it's a mint, okay? There's no way it's a mint. So if it wasn't a thumb drive, why lie and, and say it was a mint? Why not just say what it actually was? Because it was probably a thumb drive. Um, and so no one hands off mints like they're contraband, unless you're like in high school and you're not allowed to eat mints. But that wasn't the scenario there. As the two worked at the State Farm Arena for the Fulton County Board of Elections in 2020, in reality, Moss has said her mother had just handed her a ginger mint, yeah, which was right. what happened. No, that is not what, what happened because then they handed the ginger mint off to another man. Okay, so, and he didn't like, you know, it's it's easy to say it's a mint if the video showed the guy then putting it in his mouth. Okay, then all you could do is criticize them for being unsanitary. Like who hands out mints like this unless there was a wrapper on it or whatever. So if the guy like pulled the wrapper off and then ate it, then that's obviously a mint. But that's not what they did. So give me a break with this bullshit. They love the, the, the ginger mint is the ultimate gaslight, the ultimate gaslight. And, I, and again, my favorite part of the testimony was when the mother handed the mint to the daughter and then they like closed their eyes like it had deep meaning. <laughs> and then in the middle of the testimony, the bitch started eating the mint. And I'm like, oh, these people, they know what they're doing. They know they're gaslighting uh, and, and hats off. Like I, I would gaslight. I hope one day I get to gaslight commies at that level. I will, I, will, I will come up with the greatest gaslights. Hopefully it's involving right before they're about to be yeeted into the sun. Because that's a great way to gaslight. I feel that like it's important to note because Rudy Giuliani was describing it as though they were passing drugs to each other. The two women are black and there was definitely racist implications. Yeah, black behind people never do drugs. That's yeah. What are you talking about?
behind what he was saying. Now, and of course, all of the accusations Giuliani made about the women were not true, but that didn't prevent the severe harassment the women faced Again, from happening. This is the stochastic terrorism. It's a made up narrative that if you criticize them, then if someone does something, it's your fault and you have to pay damages or be censored. Ridiculous bullshit. They would never apply that standard to their own side. But I, so a little more on that from CNN. But those claims led to a deluge of threats and harassment on social media through voicemails and in person against Moss and Freeman. The attorney played haunting voicemails the plaintiffs received in which they were called racial slurs and other insults. Oh, Some you. of the messages contained death threats. Mm -hmm. Have a nice life. What's left of it, one person said in an audio clip okay, played. So if that's if you take issue with that and you think it's illegal, have the cops investigate. But the idea that Rudy Giuliani has to pay $150 million, <laughs> or he needs to be censored and you're now above criticism and we have to just pretend that everything in the videos is fine, preposterous bullshit. Monday. Now, they mentioned the women were also harassed in person. Harassed. Angry Trump supporters showed up to their houses mm. so frequently yeah, that I'm they sure. had to move. They also had yeah. to leave their you jobs. You notice the pattern. It's the same narrative as with the... the uh, um, Sandy Hook families, oh, they had to move six times. Remember, and the same shit with uh, Garth from Wayne's World. Remember, Garth from Wayne's World had to move a bunch of times because uh, she bravely testified about the sexual harassment of Brett Kavanaugh. Amazing. And finding new employment proved to be very difficult for them given the damage to their names and reputations. In fact, one of the women during a job interview, the interviewer pulled up an article on his phone that mentioned the accusations of Rudy Giuliani and asked her if she was the person who tried to steal the election. <laughs> she just had to walk out based, of that job based. interview. Um, but despite the fact that Rudy Giuliani's defamatory lies effectively ruin these women's lives. Again, not lies. He and his attorneys would have you believe that he's the real victim here. And despite already being liable for defamation, liable. he just couldn't control himself from continuing to defame. He did what, um, what uh, Sidney Powell did. So that's why I wanna see what these people say. If there's a trial with Trump, I wanna see what these people say. Uh, look, would it, like Jenna Ellis, I don't like at all. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if she absolutely, uh, she, I mean, there's no question she's a traitor. But I've not seen that from Giuliani or Powell. I've said before, I don't think they were helpful ultimately. Giuliani was a little more helpful than Sidney Powell because Giuliani, as much as, and look, it's the internet. The internet's going to obviously make fun of a guy whose hair dye is dripping down his face. That did not look good. Also, the way he bugs his eyes when he talks, it's not helpful, okay? But with that said, I think you can be like balanced and about like, you know, it doesn't undo everything that he said at the hearings, you know what I mean? Like he helped put those hearings together. Those hearings I thought were pretty good. Now they were ignored completely by the media. They were ignored by people like Tim Pool. It's a weird thing. The media really just disappeared all of those people all of their testimony they, they covered it for like a second because of that uh, that kooky girl there is that kooky blonde girl and and granted like she wasn't helpful she talked a little too much you know maybe was a little uh, a little too over the top but i will point out 
that one of the things that she was talking about uh, uh, related to the ballots was corroborated by other people in different places. So, but whatever, um, it, it is what it is. These women outside of the courthouse on the first and every subsequent, <laughs> subsequent day, except for today of this trial. Take a look. Do you regret what you did to Ruby Of course Sherman? I don't regret it. I told Good. the truth. Good. They, they were engaged in changing votes. There's no proof of that. Oh, you're damn right there is. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, he says, although he did not testify in this damages trial and him and his attorneys completely you know, prevented a trial from happening in the first case by undermining the procedural rights that these women had by interfering with the discovery process. Now, Bullshit. to the potential damages, which we might hear tomorrow from the jury, Freeman and Moss are seeking between 15 and $43 million in compensatory <laughs> and punitive damages from and Giuliani. And they gave him 150? Which his attorney claimed would be a quote, death sentence. Or Rudy said this in court, if you award them what they are asking for, it will be the end of well, I'm Mr. Sure that jury loved to hear that because they, they would they would love to put Giuliani to death. Mr. Giuliani, to which I would say good. Yeah, that's okay, because when they do it to you, I'm gonna laugh my ass off Ojama King. Good, yeah, good. And I we would like it to happen to you. I would love for it to happen to you. You would deserve that. Karma would dictate that's what you deserve. I know that Rudy Giuliani is pretty much flat broke at this point, but he ruined these women's lives and they no, he didn't. deserve this type of compensation. No, they don't. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on this trial? Maybe uh, the implications that testifying would have had for Rudy Giuliani in the criminal trial? Yeah, so uh, before we get to that, I think there's three things that are both important and hilarious here. So number one, uh, just like Donald Trump, uh, Julian said, I will not cower, I'm gonna go and testify. And they're like, okay, it's your turn to testify, uh, Mr. Julian. Oh no, I can't do that. And wait a minute, your attorney saying it's a death sentence for you if you lose this case. And you claim you have this amazing, overwhelming evidence, but you're not gonna show it in court? Which leads to uh, point number two. No, for the billionth time in a row, hey MAGA, look, it's gonna bankrupt him. This is devastating, his life is over, his attorney is saying. And yet they did not present one piece of evidence that the election was stolen or that this was these allegations in particular were true. You know why? Because they don't have any evidence. Which leads to the hilarious third point. The quotes from the Giuliani's own lawyer are hilarious. She compared him to a flat earther. And by the way, hey MAGA, his own lawyer says, cuckoo, cuckoo. Again, I don't care what a lawyer says. Who cares what a lawyer says? Flat earther, there's no Why evidence. Go suck the lawyer's cock. This of a stolen election at all. Again, cuckoo. Just a total made up lie. So what happened? I thought you guys had all the evidence. Where's the mules? Where's the kraken? Anyway, then she says, uh, I know that some of you may not think that he has he hasn't exactly helped himself with some of the things that have happened in the last few days. So admitting right there, like, yeah, my uh, client's a clown, and you guys have seen it over the last couple of days, and I can't really deny that my defense sucks. I'm doing the best I can here. They continued, my client has committed wrongful conduct. Um, we feel like these women have been through enough. 
These are all direct quotes. These women have been harmed. Okay, I'm like, where are we gonna get to the defense? And then they say, you should have been better. This is what simply the lawyer for Giuliani is saying to the jury in the closing arguments about Giuliani. You should have been better, but you're not as bad as the plaintiffs are making you out to be. <laughs> That's the message that they want the jury to deliver to Giuliani. You're a terrible person, and we've seen you be a clown in these last couple of days, and you've done some awful things, but you're not quite as awful as they say you are. Wow. That that is that is a riveting defense. I didn't know you had all those krakens, Rudy. Well, no wonder you were waiting for telling everybody, oh, you better wait till closing arguments. And by the end of this trial, you'll see. Well, we did see Rudy. We definitely saw. I think it's really interesting, and I would like to have been a fly on the wall in these meetings that happened today that led to Rudy Giuliani not testifying because they had definitely been laying the groundwork that he would testify. But also today, as I mentioned, was the only day he didn't stop and talk to the press outside of the courtroom, which was so out of character for him that it was literally an update on the site that I was tracking because I was wondering if they would return a verdict before we went live and wanted to be able to cover that. So I was routinely refreshing the page to see these updates and they're like, Rudy Giuliani left the courthouse with his head down and did not speak to any of the press. I would just love to know what was said to him to, to actually get him to do something that was probably good for him moving forward because I was saying, you know, if he testified today, they could use that in his his criminal trials that are coming up in Georgia for, you know, election fraud and 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 all of those charges. But I mean, I I haven't seen him do anything that I think would serve a sense of self preservation. You know, he's continued to espouse but the idea that you have to suck these people off and beg them for mercy. He knows it's not legitimate, and they're going to give the maximum verdict these lies that it's damaging to him. He's not been, you know, like some of the other co-conspirators been taking these plea deals, although maybe he's such a big fish and such a big player that they wouldn't offer one to him. But he's got so much inside information, I can't imagine they wouldn't want to try to get him to sell out Trump. But I mean, this is a man who has demonstrably not acted in his self-interest. What on God's green earth led him to do so today? Yeah, so first, a quick correction on my part. I said she, it's his lawyer is actually Joseph Sibley. Uh, secondly, um, I love the defense that uh, MAGA can do here. They're like, well, he didn't wanna uh, testify in this trial, which is gonna bankrupt him and ruin his life because he doesn't wanna incriminate himself in the criminal trial. Who argued that? You're just making up an argument in your head. Now mm. you're holding MAGA responsible for it. Do you know that you're telling on yourself? Well, you should. The, whoever is in your head giving you these arguments—that's the question you should ask them. <laughs> that means that in the criminal trial, if he talked yeah, at all, I don't care about any of this. I don't care if he testifies or not. It's all illegitimate. So I don't know who you're talking about who's making these arguments. Well, he would incriminate himself because they don't have any evidence of a stolen election. Again, lie. They were the ones trying to steal the election. Again, a lie. That's did you like? I'm sure that no one in MAGA knows this because no. Well, it's because it's made up. How do you expect people to know shit that's made up that you make up in your head? No one in right wing media is honest, so they've never talked about this. Why would right wing media talk about shit you make up in your fucking baboon brain?
So Donald Trump and his allies lost 60 court cases in a row. Again, bullshit. It was around 90 cases. They won 30 of them. Most of them were dismissed on standing and they did not uh, actually go over evidence in many of them, although some of them they did. And in some of those cases, Trump did win. Oh, they never presented one piece of evidence. Yeah, that totally made up. The election was stolen because they didn't have one piece yeah, of evidence. Totally made up. And they never have, right? So a lot of you might know that. But in one of the cases, the judge directly asked Rudy Giuliani. So what he's going to do, I've heard this a million times. There was a case not related to election fraud. Uh, uh, it was more of the procedure, um, you know, how like the they bypassed the state legislature to change some of the rules. So the judge confirmed with Giuliani that that's what the case is about. He said, yeah, that's what this case is about. It's not about election fraud. That's, and he's taking that out of context, claiming that Giuliani told the judge that he doesn't have evidence of election fraud, just totally made up dishonesty. Giuliani, sir, do you have any evidence to offer the court? And he said, no, we have no Again, evidence. Just total bullshit, total bullshit. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, amazing, it's completely made up. Um, but maybe tomorrow we'll have some news on how much he's going to owe these women because it's not going to be zero dollars. It's going to be in the multi multi millions of dollars. Yeah, I, th that closing testimony or closing statement was one of the funniest I've ever seen. I, look, <laughs> my client, I got to be honest with you, dirtbag. And I can't hide it because you all saw it with your own eyes. One of the worst guys around. He's such a dirtbag, dirt drips from his head. Okay, and he's just an awful. Again, none of this happened. Awful, miserable person who just lied about these poor women. These, I get my heart breaks for these women. But could you just please, please, not, you know, punish him too much? Okay, I know I can't ask you not to punish him severely, but just like maybe leave a couple of bucks left. Okay, <laughs> well that about sums up the MAGA case, doesn't it? No, that was incoherent, mentally deranged bullshit. But hopefully someday you guys get a taste of uh, lawfare. That would really be fantastic. Criminal or civil, I'll take either. I will take either. Okay, let's get to some uh, breaking news from the internet. This is from uh, Silky Johnson from the other day here. Let's see. Uh, it's a sodomy insurrection stream, right? Yeah, okay, here we go. All right. This is... Um, Stranger charged with break-in and murder and slaying of the Detroit synagogue leader. Yeah, um, pretty much, uh, I'm not 100%, but it's pretty much a dead giveaway most of the time when they don't identify the race of the person. Uh, that's how you know it's not a white person. If it is a white person, they will put white man instead of stranger charged. A stranger, oh, a stranger, this is like Red Dead Redemption. Oh, is, look at that white question mark, it's a stranger. Let's go see who it is. Oh, it's the guy that wants you to collect herbs for him. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, a stranger accused of breaking into the home of a Detroit synagogue leader was charged with her murder Wednesday, nearly two months after her body was found outdoors with multiple stab wounds. There was not a here, and then notice, notice this quote, this is a dead giveaway. 
There was not a shred of evidence that Samantha Wolf was killed as a result of anti-Semitism or any hate crime. So again, this guarantees it was uh, not a white person. It was definitely not a white person because if it was a white person, they would have gone right to anti-Semitism. And the fact that they say that there's not a shred of evidence, this was probably either a pro-Palestinian person or your typical black criminal, because it is Detroit. It, 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 highly likely it was a black criminal. Um, but it could have been uh, a, a Muslim. The fact that they're not saying uh, is... Uh, oh, no, no, now we have a name. Michael Jackson Bolanos. Okay, he's a black guy. 28 of Detroit was charged with murder, home invasion, and lying to police. A not guilty plea was entered. Attorney Brian Brown says he she will vigorously defend Jackson Bolanos. I guess could he also be could it be Hispanic? I don't know. Michael Jackson though. I don't agree with the charges. Brown told the AP. We'll wait for the evidence. Wall 40 was found dead outside her home east of downtown Detroit on October 21st, hours after returning from a wedding. Investigators believe she was intact inside the residence. Uh, Worthy said, there's no facts to suggest the defendant knew, Miss Wall. The killing immediately stirred speculation that it might have been the type of retaliation amid the Israel-Hamas war. Authorities have repeatedly knocked the theory down, even before Jackson Bolano's arrest. It could just be black crime. I mean, that is possible. Police said a person of interest was in custody over the weekend. A different person was in custody was released in November. This was an extraordinary, sad, and tragic case, Worthy said. It takes time. We never want to rush judgment. Police Chief James White said Jackson Bolanos came on our radar a few weeks ago when investigators were trying to solve larcenies in the area. It's not a case you can solve on television. Hours of evidence and video and phone work seven days a week. Walls was the president of the Isaac Agree Downtown Synagogue. Besides her work for the synagogue, Wall worked for Democrat U.S. Representative Elisa Slotkin and on the political campaign of State Attorney General Dana Nessel. Oh, well, this whole thing is a real shame then. All right, let's get to some more breaking news from the Internet. This is from aids horrific Aidsenstein. This is uh, something about the UFC. Let's have a look here. First one. All righty. This is... Uh, Let's have a look here. Uh, fuck you, LeBron. You're a spineless coward and a bitch. Oh, I like that. If you hate America so much and, and you don't like this country that gave you a billion dollars, leave it. Or come deal with me. You go to China. Go to, go to these sweatshops that you employ all these laborers and use these women and pay them pennies on the dollar to make your millions. Fuck you, LeBron James. You're a coward. You're a spineless coward and you're a bitch. I like that. I like that. Even though he called him Ladrom James, that's that's his new name now, Ladrom James. Oh, is it Ladrom like drama? I don't know. All right, that's a UFC guy. I like that. Let's go look at the next one. Oh, is this? Hold on. I thought there were two. Hold on a second. I guess there's just one. One second. Go back. Uh, where were we? Yeah, this one. Maybe I hit it wrong. Graham Allen. Let's see what this one is. Okay. Alrighty. Let's see. Is this the same guy? Hold on a second. Give us your thoughts on what goes down tomorrow night. 
Las Vegas, Nevada, are you ready for the American Revolution? This fight tomorrow night is for all the men and women of law enforcement, all our troops, past and present, and it's for the whole entire MAGA movement. You can delay us, but you cannot deny us. Trump's taking back the White House, and I'm taking back the Holy Spirit tomorrow night. This one's for America. Let's go. Kobe, come. All right, hopefully he wins. Did they fight yet? Hopefully he wins. That would be great. All right. That was from Aidsorific Aidsenstein. Now we have some breaking news from the internet from Gunfox. Let's have a look at this. Okay, here we go. This is... Um, even Matt Gates is calling for Florida GOP Chair Christian Ziegler to resign. Really? I don't really know Ziegler. Christian Ziegler, the embattled Florida Republican chairman who has resisted growing calls to step down from his position amid allegations of sexual battery, um, including rape, has lost Matt Gates. Well, I mean, is this bullshit or is this for real? This is the problem in the political world. Usually allegations like this are bullshit, but you never know. Let's have a look here. Um, we're at the posture where we would have been better served with different leadership in the Republican Party. I think it's time to move on and select a different leader. I do think he should step aside. Gates has apparently changed his mind since making his earlier wait-and-see comments on the criminal investigation into Ziegler. Given my experience, I tend to wait for the facts to come out before rendering judgment. Uh... Part of Gates' experience includes the Justice Department uh, investigation for uh, uh, alleged crimes related to sex trafficking and obstruction of justice, but the department decided not to bring charges against him in February. The House Ethics Committee also launched a probe into Gates on related allegations, and the investigation is reportedly ongoing. The Florida Republican has denied any wrongs, wrongdoing. Ziegler's being investigated by Sarasota police over a rape allegation made by a woman who had known Ziegler and his wife for two decades. According to a search warrant, Ziegler told police he had sex with the woman, but it was consensual. His wife, Bridget Ziegler, told investigators the trio had a consensual sexual encounter last year. Oh, is this the woman from uh, Moms for Liberty? Yeah, this is probably a gay op. I, I would Look, the, here's the bottom line. You can't give Democrats a scalp ever. That's as simple as that. You can't give them a scalp ever. So you gave them Santos. Now you're going to give them another one. Again, again, I say it all the time. Republicans' job is to hold our heads still while the Democrats sharpen their sword right before they cut our heads off. That's that's their job. That's their job. So you're giving them a scalp. It, it's, it's, it is what it is. Um, the fallout from the allegations and from... Ziegler's reported acknowledgments of the couple's relationship with the woman has continued. Nearly every prominent Republican official in Florida has urged Ziegler to step down from his position. Ziegler has so far remained defiant. He's also had to fend off recent reports that he asked for a $2 million payout to resign. With the Florida GOP set to convene for an emergency meeting on Sunday to discuss the scandal, it might be a matter of time before a decision is made for him. And, like, I think Santos is being replaced by some AIDS commie. It's just, it, it's ridiculous. They, 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 look, it's unfortunate that politics is so dirty and cutthroat, but you just, you got to stop giving the Democrats scalps one way or the other. You just have to, you just have to not do, let 
anytime there's an allegation, let the police investigate, let the police bring charges, and if they get a conviction, then then you think about it. Other than that, get the fuck out of my face with this. So I have no idea. Yeah, Gates, unfortunate for Gates, but this is what they do. They cuck. That's, this is what Republicans do. So it is what it is. Okay. Here's some more breaking news from the internet from GunFox, this time from uh, CNN. Let's see. Did I... Uh, maybe it's HTML. Maybe I hit the L. I didn't get the L right. Okay. Yep. All right. Let's have a look here. These hot rocks can grow brighter, uh, glow brighter than the sun. They can also help spell, spell the end of fossil fuels. Is that true or is that BS? I don't know. At some point in the dawn of humanity, a smarter than average Homo sapien moved a rock away from the fire for warmth and invented the thermal battery. Over uh, a million years later, as humanity uh, struggles to evolve past fossil fuels, it, that's 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 uh, made up because they're not really struggling. Uh, there is no fossil fuel problem. It's completely manufactured by lunatic AIDS commies. It's not a real problem, and uh, so I reject that framing. But anyway, in time to avoid a climate collapse, totally made up. The simple idea is making a modern comeback, and hot rocks are hotter than ever, literally and figuratively. Whoops, what happened there? Let me go back up. The rocks in the box right now are 1,600 degrees Celsius, Andrew Pronek said, standing next to the thermal battery uh, the size of a small building. That's nearly 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit, he said, hotter than the melting point of steel. What makes his box of white-hot rocks so significant is not that they were heated by burning tons of coal or gas, but by catching sunlight with thousands of solar panels that surround his prototype. Yeah, well, that's great. What are you going to do with the with the panels after, what is it, 10 years? They last 10 or 20 years, and then they just have to, they can't really, like, recycle them, so they just get put in a landfill. Oh, it's very climate-friendly. The successful Ponick and his startup uh, could be part of a new multi-trillion dollar energy storage sector. Um... It simply uses the sun or wind to make boxes of rocks hot enough to run the world's biggest factories. People sometimes feel like they're insulting us by saying, hey, that sounds really simple. And we say, no, that's exactly the point. Ponick's clean energy passion became when he was a curious public school kid tinkering with photovoltaics in his parents' garage and was lured to drop out of Stanford to build grid-scale solar plants. When he went back to get his degree, he realized while sun and wind is great for topping off batteries in cars and homes, there's an even more urgent demand to clean up the fuel sources of industrial heat needed to make everything from baby food to steel. And because a factory's energy demand is 24-7, heavy industry has yet to take advantage of the plunging price of renewables. Most days in the middle of the day in California, electricity on the wholesale market is free and sometimes even negative dollars because there's no... There's so much solar that's now been installed, and we're seeing the same thing in other states with wind. The problem is you can't shut down your factory when the sun goes behind a cloud or the wind stops blowing, and that's exactly the problem we're focused on. While the word battery evokes the chemical kind found in cars and electronics, hot rocks currently store 10 times as much energy as lithium-ion around the world thanks to an invention from the 1800s known as Cowper stoves. 
often found in smelting plants, these massive towers of uh, stacked bricks absorb the wasted heat of a blast furnace until it heats the nearly 3,000 degree Fahrenheit and provides over 100 megawatts of heat energy for 20 minutes. The process can be repeated 24 times a day uh, for 30 years. And uh, Antora is a whole oh, goddamn it. Antora is among the startups experimenting with different kinds of rocks in insulated boxes or molten salt and cylinders to find the most efficient combination. We're intrigued by graphite for a number of reasons, Ponick said, the cheap and abundant carbon found in pencils, which is often used to smelt aluminum and steel, can hold so much heat it glows hotter than the sun. The key thing is these furnaces didn't have a way to get the heat back out. We've added some cavities, some gaps in the carbon that allow uh, light from deep within the system to shine out and some insulated doors that can open and close that allow the light to shine out when you want it. In the future, we'll be using the light not just to create steam, but a higher temperature heat for industries like cement and steel. Antora has managed to raise $80 million in seed money from investors that include Bill Gates, but their main competitor is another Bay Area startup called Rondo that uses abundant refractory brick, which is cheaper than carbon, but by weight, but not as energy dense. Rondo has attracted even more funding than Antora. In his first battery, it's producing commercial power for ethanol plants in California. We had a breakthrough that let us heat brick directly with infrared and visible light from heating elements. Right away, we knew with third-party engineering reports that this stuff's going to last 100 years. Tesla recently predicted a carbon-free world would need an astonishing 240 terawatt hours of energy storage, more than 340 times the amount of storage built with lithium-ion batteries. O'Donnell predicts more than half of all that new capacity will come in the form of heat batteries simply because the raw ingredients are so readily available. By plugging the factories into as many thermal batteries as they need, manufacturers won't have to wait in years of uh, long lines for grid connections and upgrades. Given those financial considerations, the old phrase, dumb as a box of rocks, may have uh, to be revised for a new industrial revolution. Exciting technologies are great if you're a venture capitalist and death if you're a banker, O'Donnell said. And, if, and it is the bankers and infrastructure finance folks that like this whole class of technologies. It's not particularly sexy, sexy but it's really good. Both companies do heat and power storage. And, and they said, I think like hydrogen, which has flexible role to play, is the kind of long-duration storage technology that he's most optimistic about. Jenkins, who specializes in macro-scale energy systems, is also a consultant for Rondo and says that Hot Rock's model has a distinct advantage over chemical batteries that can store power but not heat. If you can do both, you can ride the cost curves and scaling advantages in the larger industrial sectors, whereas some of the more pure-play electrochemical battery companies are in a make-or-break moment. Both the Andorra and Rondo CEOs attended the COP28 Climate Summit in Dubai, where the power of Middle East petrostates were enough to weaken the global commitment to end fossil fuels. Good. 
But both men came back enthused by the interest in their ideas. If you asked me five or ten years ago, I would have said, I'm not sure we have everything we need to decarbonize. Um, but today we have the tools we need. We just need to deploy them. The transition is inevitable. It's going to happen. And if you talk behind closed doors to most of the people in the fossil fuel industry, they'll say the same thing. Well, it's possible in 80 years, but the idea that this shit's going to be ready for the entire grid by 2035 or whatever the fuck it is, that's just preposterous. That's why it's sabotage. They're trying to sabotage the power grid because they're lunatics. So I'm sure some of these things work and could work. But the issue is like electric cars work, right? You can buy an electric car and drive it. There are people that do that. But the banning of gas cars too soon and the demand to switch, especially like companies like truck companies, which it, it, it's going to completely break the whole fucking um, industry if they do it. And, and this is the thing. They're probably going to, you know, what's going to happen. It's probably going to be like uh, when they were trying to shut down the nuclear plants in California. And then they realized that, like, we're going to fuck the whole grid if we do that. And so they kept them open. It'll probably be similar. They'll probably be like, well, we'll, we'll 2050 and 2065. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous assholes. All right. Very good. Uh, let's see. I think there was another one. One second. It's a Daily Mail one, right? Where did that go? Oh, this is the wrong one. 1216. There it is. All right. Here's some more breaking news from the Internet from GunFox. Again, appreciate your support, sir. The U.S. enters 2024 with its smallest military in over 80 years. And not surprising because it's run by lunatic pedophile homosexuals. And I imagine that uh, people don't want to join that. Um, there's less active duty troop numbers as they sink to less than 1.3 million in all branches except Space Force miss recruiting goals and Pentagon issues a national call of service to Gen, de, to Gen Z fuck that shit fuck that shit the United States is set to enter 2024 with its smallest military in more than 8 decades and faces one of the greatest challenges as it tries to boost recruiting from Gen Z under the uh, annual defense bill passed by Congress this week. Total active duty troop numbers will fall to less than 1.3 million next year. That's the lowest total since before the U.S. entered the Second World War in 1941. Um, and he said that there should be a national call to service. Well, kick all of the lunatic pedophile trannies out of the fucking military and have normal people run it and then maybe people will do that and stop demonizing conservatives but they're not going to do that well, ultimately some lunatic democrat argued that uh, illegals should be able to serve that's when you know it's going to be over if they let illegals serve that's it it's over all they would need to do then is deploy the military against the citizens and it's game over because uh, uh, the illegals would not give a fuck about American citizens and they would do as they're told. It's possible. I mean, I think if they tried to do that with the current military, you would get some defections. There would be some uh, soldiers who will not attack their own citizens, and it's probably a solid portion. But there would be ones like these lunatic commie ones, like that dumb bitch that made those videos about how she can't wait to shoot American citizens who don't obey her immediately and go back in their house if they're standing on their porch. Those ones would absolutely be ready to kill as many uh, innocent civilians as possible if given the call. Um, this week, Ashish Varanzi, the Pentagon's acting undersecretary for personnel and readiness, told the House Armed Service Committee that the individual services missed their recruitment goals. Um, 
He said the number underestimates the challenge before us as the service has lowered end strength goals in recent years, in part because of the difficult recruiting environment. Ferenzi said the all-volunteer force faces one of its greatest challenges since its inception. Military recruiters say Gen Z generally have low trust in institutions and have decreasingly followed traditional life and career paths. They have fewer relatives who served in the military, leading to less inclination to serve. Two decades ago, 25% of young people had never thought about joining the military. That figure is now more than 50%. This has led to a disconnect between the military and a large share of society. Well, this is what happens when you make the normal citizens your enemy. This is what happens. Obviously, they're not going to want to help you. Youth of today are not saying no to what the military has to offer. They simply don't know much about military service. I, I doubt that. I doubt, this is like the, well, if we just tell them our truth, then they'll uh, obey us. I don't think so. While the picture of the current recruiting environment is difficult, the Defense Department and the military services are working together to resolve issues, improve processes, and expand awareness of the many opportunities military service offers. We must reach today's youth where they are with a message that resonates with them and motivates them to act. Good luck. Over the last 50 years, the all-volunteer force has proven itself to be the best way to maintain a force capable of defending our nation. And with our combined efforts, I'm confident we'll remain as such for the foreseeable future. Well, there is a narrative that David Pakman has been touting about a draft. So I wonder if that's going to catch on or if that's just his own stupid thing. Um, because I don't think that would work at all. The defense says the Army will have almost half a million active-duty soldiers, down more than 40,000 over the last three years. Meanwhile, the Navy will have 10,000 fewer. The Marine Corps will have 8,900 fewer. Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi, who sits on the Senate Armed Service Committee, told the Military Times, we need a larger force in every branch, but the reality of recruiting is driving the numbers, not what we actually need. Yeah, well... Again, this is what happens when you declare war on your own citizens. So it is what it is. It's, uh, it's unfortunate, but what are you going to do? All right. Thank you, GunFox. Sincerely appreciate the support. If you have an article that you want read on stream, 10 and up, details in the description. Let's uh, have a look. Where, what was the... Oh, so this is great. David is saying a caller confronts him about the economy. So he, there's probably going to be gaslighting. I imagine there's going to be a lot of gaslighting here. But, uh, yeah, amazing. Is it a voice? All right. Oh, okay, Let's go next to oh, George yeah, from Virginia. George from Virginia, welcome to the program. Let's hope you're there. Hi, David. Can you hear hey. me? Hey, yes, I can. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so I wanted to, I guess, confront you on the whole economy thing, because I think that's like, a super important issue uh, issue going into 2024, and I think Democrats need to figure out their messaging on it. Okay. Um, so <laughs> there's three things I wanted to bring up because I heard this uh, podcast where these people were explaining like the disconnect between why we're seeing these good metrics in the like broader economic side, but people in polls are still saying that the economy sucks. Okay. And there's three metrics I want to uh, kind of challenge you to take a look at maybe okay. later after I'm going to make a uh, note of them right now. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sure okay. he will. So the first one is real wages. Okay. Yep. So real wages kind of measures the buying power that people have. Um, so it takes in all 
all kinds of considerations like inflation and all that. So like how much, how far your dollar actually goes, right? So that's yep. kind of what that metric does. So if you look at the the uh, data, um, all in Trump's presidency, the real wages went up the whole time, right? Yep. Once we hit 2020, it did go up until 2021. And if you remember, when Biden was in office in the uh, first year, he had actually good approval numbers. Mm -hmm. Once we hit 2021, the real wages started dropping again. Okay. So what's the next metric? The next metric is the average house price. So if you look at, uh, so the chart I have around 2020, right? Yep. The house price was kind of steady from, I would say about 2019 or 2017 to about 2020. Then when Biden got into office, it blew up mm -hmm. over a hundred thousand dollars was, was increased. Yep. And then what's the next, me next metric? And then the final metric is the vehicle price, the average vehicle price. So okay. if you look uh, at around 2020, uh, it, so the price, uh, I'm not going to like sugarcoat it. The price has been going up steadily, right? Yep. But once you hit about 2021, it, it jumped significantly. So yep. and this is just I, new car prices or you're saying new and used. Uh, so this one I'm looking at is new, but I believe it's also with use as well. I think okay. uh, car prices in general have just gone up, uh, you know, gone up a lot. Yep. Um, so I think if you take these three things and you look at the chart, He's not even including the grocery store. And you say, wow, this all happened around 2021 when Biden was in office. You can kind of see why people are upset. You know what I mean? So let's deal with these. This is ab this is absolutely fantastic. And, and you know, we should be uh, we, we should be looking at this. <laughs> so you talked about three different things. You talked about real wages in the United States. Real wages mean adjusted for inflation. You are absolutely correct that although real wages. So so first of all, it's important to know that in the past there have been periods where inflation adjusted wages do go down and it tends to be when there is an economic calamity. So, for example, if you look at the period from about um, 2009 down into, I mean, really all the way up to 2015, there was a six year period where real wages were flat or declining. And part of it was Fed policy to try to get the economy to recover from the 2008 crisis. Fair. We agree on the data that that six year period, we saw a similar environment of flat or reduction in real wages. Uh, yes. OK, so we are indeed seeing that again. And this is being driven, of course, by inflation, uh, which has been a global phenomenon. So if we look just at wages, wages have been climbing nicely by historical standards. If we look at real wages because of the inclusion of inflation, you are absolutely correct. The numbers are far less exciting. Uh, the inflation is now under control, so we are starting to see that turn around. You're not wrong. When you look at real wages, you don't go. The last three years have been a party. So I'm, I'm with you. That's a metric that isn't. This is the best economy ever. The other metrics you're talking about, average sales price for a home and average price of a new car and then also average price for a used car. 
they're all up significantly. But we know that already. Inflation has been high and the price of transportation and homes is part of what we say when we say inflation is up. So when you say, hey, inflation's coming down, but homes got really expensive over the last few years and cars got really expensive over the last few years, we know that. But we also know that dating back to the third quarter of 2022, home prices have started to come down and they've gone from I have it in front of me, 552 down to 500. That's that's almost a 10 percent decline. That's very significant. But again, we see that in the inflation numbers, the inflation numbers have come down and housing prices are coming down. Used cars uh, have started to come down quite significantly since October of 2021 and new cars have flattened and started to come down a little bit. So, I mean, listen, you're not wrong about any of these things. I just think that you've basically come to me and said, here are the three metrics I've found that seem the worst. And I'm kind of like, those aren't great. They're not the worst, but they're also not great. In addition to that, we can look at GDP. We can look at employment. We can look at stock market, labor force participation. Here's a whole bunch of other metrics that look pretty good. So you giving me this additional data um, is completely accurate. It doesn't change the big picture that historically the economy is pretty solid right now. Overall, it's not perfect, but it's pretty solid. Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, don't get me wrong. I don't disagree with your like macro picture. Okay. I'm more talking about like when Democrats are out there. Right. Instead of saying the economy is strong, they should be saying, hey, we're going to work to get housing prices under control. We're going right. to work to get cars more affordable because we know you have to drive to work. Right. And we're going to work to make the dollar go further. Yep. I'm that's, with you 100 percent on yeah, that. If, if the critique here is the messaging has been no good. I'm with you, George. You're completely correct. Yeah. So I just I feel like because because, you know, when voters go in to vote, they're thinking about like, crap, you know, I, I can't afford this house. I just looked at last week. I mean, well, something's going wrong. And right. Um, I don't want to be just a bearer of bad news. I, I do want to bring one solution idea that maybe some people can look into. OK. For housing. And that would be vacancy taxes. Ah, so if places are, are uh, uh, vacant, either uh, on the sales market or on the rental market for longer than a period of time, the owner starts to incur a fee which would incentivize them to lower the price to get someone in there. Exactly. And I just learned about it, but Canada does it to stop foreign investors from hoarding housing as an investment vehicle. Right. No, I've read about that. Uh, that's interesting. I'm going to investigate that more, George. I really appreciate the points you made. And so, yeah, David's a cherry picker. He would rather cherry pick the numbers. And a lot of these numbers are bullshit anyway, to make the argument that the economy is good. Um, and the messaging from Democrats is uh, is. Oh, actually. No, no, I was thinking. Of, yeah, Destiny was the one. It wasn't Pacman. Destiny was the one that said uh, a few weeks ago, at least in, in, when I covered it, that uh, the problem with Trump is that he gives voice to poor people's grievances and that instead of being able to just dismiss poor people's complaints by saying, oh, the GDP is high, what are you worried about? Trump actually takes their grievances 
uh, and and uh, uh, repeats them instead of telling them to shut up. So it's been, uh, Destiny's position was that it's better to just tell the poorest to shut up, but you know Trump won't do that. Amazing. All right, so David's claiming that Vivek lost control of this town hall. I thought he, he had control of it and didn't allow this dumb whore to take control, but whatever. Abby Phillip, I think her name is. Vivek Ramaswamy tried going conspiracy during a recent CNN town hall, rehashing the claim that January 6th riots were an inside job. Uh, Abby Phillip tried to fact check him. He didn't like it. It got very ugly. This I want you to see. This was in Des Moines, Iowa, but Vivek Ramaswamy first floated this in a really public setting at the last presidential debate. He said, we know now we now know January 6th was an inside job. He tried it again. He was confronted. Here is Abby Phillip trying to challenge those claims. Debates. Let me ask you about something that you said at the debate last week. You used the phrase inside job to describe what happened on January 6th. The next day, Capitol rioter Alan Hosteller uh, highlighted your comments at his sentencing. He is going to prison for 11 years. Hosteller uh, threatened members of Congress. He brought a hatchet, knives, pepper spray, stun batons, tactical gear to the U.S. Capitol. Tourists. Are you concerned that a convicted felon like that is now promoting your comments in court? So here's my concern, Abby. And I want to tell you guys where I'm at. Yeah. If you had told me it's close to three years ago that January 6, 2021 happened. If you had told me three years ago, back when I was a biotech CEO, not steeped in this world, I was just consuming passive media, but was focused on my world of developing medicines. If you had told me that January 6 was in any way an inside job, the subject of government entrapment, right? I would have told you that was crazy talk. Right. You would have been right. Fringe conspiracy theory nonsense. Yeah. No, he would have been factually incorrect, just like you are. I can tell you now, having gone somewhat deep in this, it's not. I mean, the reality is this. Yeah. We do have a government, first of all, we have to acknowledge that has lied to us systematically over the last several years. 100% About the true. origin of COVID-19. Correct. About the Hunter Biden laptop that mm -hmm. we were told was false. Oh, boy. By 51 CIA experts and otherwise before we now know that it was true. You can go straight down the list, the Trump-Russia disinformation collusion hoax, all of it. Now we come to January 6th. The reality is we know that there were federal law enforcement agents in that field. We don't know how many. I think it's shameful. If, if I may finish this answer, well, let me this just, is, this is I, really you're gonna, not go allowed to talk now. You here because because I know this that there establishment were, doesn't approve of this message. I know that there this, were federal we should agents. Be able to talk about this. this network doesn't approve of this message. Well, it's a nonsense message. Think that there were federal no, it agents. isn't. It's completely true. This is important to talk about. This, you this are saying important. there were federal agents in the crowd on on, yes. on January 6th. Yep. There is no evidence that there were federal Total agents lie. in the crowd on January so, 6th. So why before Congress, when pressed on what the number was, they didn't say there were none. They just couldn't so say how many So you're saying were. that there's no, that you have not seen evi any evidence so that we've there seen were. Multiple, and so we've seen multiple informants suggesting that there were. We know people were, we know people were FBI informants who were asked. Is there any evidence? It's uncomfortable for Abby. She, he, it should be uncomfortable for Vivek. Clarify my I know this question is an uncomfortable issue for many people, but you, we have to do the truth. Here. I'm going to clarify my question because I want to make sure that you understand oh, what I'm asking. Oh, I, I understand this deeply. And I told you, I was where working three years the, ago. I'm not there now. Where is the evidence? Yes. Where is the evidence that the government had a plot, so an inside I, job, but no, no, I'm not what inside job is. I'm not going to violence on January 6th. Where I'm not going to let you put words in my mouth. I'm going to put my words in my mouth. 
And I'm going to tell you what, what I mean by that. Where is the evidence that the government was involved Entrapment. in planning or executing okay. January 6th? So Where I'm going to I'm give, give you hard facts. And, and if I may, Abby, I know this is going to be a little uncomfortable, but we're going we're, we're to go through this and you can... And you he keeps saying that, but really it's uncomfortable to see how he's defending insane stuff. You can, you can push Just back on it the evidence. That. And you can push back on that. And let's do this fairly. Why did they suppress footage of now what's been released, 200 hours of footage of shooting rubber bullets into that crowd? shooting tear gas into that crowd. You didn't see that before. You saw what the response was to that. Uh, now you see footage coming out of actually rolling out the red carpet for Capitol Mr. Police allowing Ramaswamy, in again. right through the front the door. So listen, you get the picture. Um, he doesn't actually cite any evidence. And he's so literally talking about videos that have been released. How is that not evidence? You're just a retard. Many of you, I mean, 1.2 million people watched my live stream on that day. We had, we were right there the entire time. He's right? talking about footage that was released after. What are you talking about? Exactly how it built and developed. They think that saying there were FBI informants in the crowd, there were law enforcement in the crowd, there were undercover in the crowd. They think that proves something. Oh, so now they were. Remember, there was no evidence at all that there were any FBI informants or agents. But now are we finally switching the goalposts as they inevitably get switched to? Of course, there were agents and informants in in the crowd. It doesn't. Any time there are large crowds expecting. Oh, here DC, it is. Here it you is. have undercover law enforcement. So fine. So now we have David officially moving the goalposts to. Of course they were there. Of course they were there. They, they do this with everything. Now some things it takes them a while to do it, but it looks like it's finally time because it always evolves. It's like a Pokemon. The no evidence at all tactic is like a Pokemon. It always evolves into, of course, there was evidence. They had to do it. Um, prime example of this I use all the time, Sitch and Adam, when they were debating Aiden Paladin and Spoon on Ukraine, and they got to the, what was it, the Maidan coup or whatever uh, in 2014. The Maidan, whatever the fuck they called that shit. Anyway... Sitch starts out with, there's no evidence at all. And then after, I, it seemed like more than an hour of hemming and hawing from Sitch and Adam and doing ridiculous uh, uh, disruptive tactics, finally they allowed Aiden Paladin to present her citations. And eventually, it took a long time, but then eventually they evolved into, well, we, we had to do that. We had to do it because they were, you know, a flourishing democracy or whatever. And, and, and it's okay because the United States can do those things. So um, other examples were um, the uh, Hunter Biden laptop. Um, and, now, and now this one, uh, there was no evidence at all that there were any FBI informants or agents on, at January 6th. And now that has evolved into, well, of course they were there. They had to be. Amazing. Amazing. The fact that even if the presence of those individuals was a fact, 
it doesn't actually prove anything. The presence even of FBI. Well, no, no one's arguing the mere presence proves anything. The argument is that if you look at the behavior of a lot of these people, it was obviously in coordination to entrap Trump supporters. And Revolver covered this in detail. Their article is years old. FBI informants. There are all sorts of FBI informants that, you know, we later learn are FBI informants and they're basically allowed to just live their lives. If they want to go to a rally, they go to a rally. And yes, in some way they are. Oh, they just went organically to the rally on their own because they all wanted to see Trump. That's an amazing argument, David. That's an amazing argument. Touch with the FBI and providing information that doesn't prove that it was entrapment. So according to David Pakman, all of these feds went to the uh, rally just because they wanted to see Trump speak on their own. They organically went to the rally. Amazing. Whether the government organized it or any of it, I think Vivek's desperate. Vivek's losing badly. He now is at a third of where Nikki Haley is. This is all he can come up with. It's a sad end to a campaign that was destined to fail. Amazing. All right. Here is they're going to demonize Trump uh, rally attendees. I'm going to play a clip for you of a woman at last night's Trump rally in Iowa. And I am not doing this to make fun of anybody. I am not doing this to make diagnoses that I am not qualified to make. I am doing this because it is once again a question of when are these not merely political or religious beliefs, but they are diagnosable mental illness? I don't know the answer. I'm asking you, okay? Here is a video of a woman that they interviewed yesterday at the Trump rally. And, you know, we talked about this yesterday. We have to go back to it. We talked about it yesterday with regard to MAGA Mike Johnson. Is the content of what this woman says not a paranoid delusion? Is this not mental illness? Let's listen to it and then let's discuss. I don't want to say he's perfect. The only perfect person that ever walked this earth was Jesus, but right. he is he was wonderful in office for four years and he proved that. So what is it about Trump that you love so much? Uh, number one, he's a godly man. He, right. He's working for God for darn sure. Um, number two, he really cares about us. He cares about us. He cares about what happens to us. He cares about our country. He didn't come in there because he wanted the money. He's got money. He's he's <laughs> in there because he is actually working for God and he wants to help us and he wants to get us to a good. He wants to make America great again. And I, I you know, it's true, you know, but I, I, I think he's going to make it even greater because I don't think no matter what they try to do to stop him, he's going to come back because he's working for God and God's on his side. God is on his side. So, again, this woman is completely harmless. This woman is completely harmless. And so the, the goal of this video, kind of like Rwanda Radio, not not as extreme as Rwanda Radio. Rwanda Radio was a little more hyperbolic, but it's very similar in that the goal of propaganda like this is to demonize Trump supporters and to manufacture consent for uh, the public to go along with horrible things happening to Trump supporters, whether it be lawfare uh, criminal prosecution, or eventually, I don't know if it'll get to the point where they'll just start killing Trump supporters. That's That seems very extreme. There have been a, some instances, like when Ashley Babbitt was murdered, uh, and they, you know, they said it was justified when Michael Reinald murdered a Trump supporter. They they went along with it uh, and said that the murderer was justified because uh, earlier in the day, Trump supporters were driving around their big trucks. I mean, it's like crazy shit. 
but I don't know if I, I hope we don't see just people being executed. Uh, that would be crazy. Um, but as far as the arresting people, we're already seeing that. As uh, as and then of course the censoring is like crazy. But that's the point of this video: is to demonize this woman, who is completely harmless. And he is working directly for God, folks. You know, I know that when when we look at the, when people make claims equivalent to this without a religious context, often they are medicated, right? You go to a psychiatrist and you say stuff like this or what MAGA Mike said yesterday about um, I, God told me I'm going to be a Jesus like figure as speaker of the house. Um, you're often prescribed antipsychotics like Haldol or Zyprexa or Seroquel, these first line or second line medications that are out there widely available for psychosis, for paranoid delusions. And yet it's considered inappropriate to wonder whether folks like this should also be medicated. Now, again, this isn't about that's OK. I think you should be jailed and medicated. So no problem. I think you're like Cantano Habimana and I think you should be jailed. I believe they jailed him. He's dead now. But I think you should absolutely be jailed. Uh, and uh, if they want to medicate you, no problem. I think that would be great. Stigmatizing mental illness. It's, it's actually quite the opposite. It's we talk about there is so much undiagnosed mental. But yeah, illness. just make no mistake what this is. This is uh, uh, propaganda to dehumanize and demonize Trump supporters in the hopes that the public goes along with Trump supporters being persecuted in some way. This is why I believe David is pure evil, and I would love to see him get what he deserves, whether it's uh, uh, jail after a fair trial or, you know, if he gets another booster, if the booster, you know, works the right way. Part of it is that mental illness is often under health insurance considered this separate thing with different policies and reimbursements in a different department. And people either don't have the wherewithal or, or simply don't have the coverage that they need to avail themselves of these services. Part of this is about primary care is often not good enough at saying there's something called integration where you they try to integrate mental health services into primary care. So you go in because of what you say is a physical symptom and the primary care doctors are trained to determine this may be someone who would actually benefit from mental health services. This is not about we need to run. You know, we don't they don't need a they don't need an X-ray. What they need is a therapist. Right. So so integration is a movement that's trying to get in the middle of uh, and, and try to expose people more to these sorts of things. But in all seriousness, what would happen if we gave some of these folks the types of medication sick? That's sick. These people, there's you're, you're not a doctor. There's no indication that there's any medication needed here. This is a woman that has religious beliefs. That's it. That's all it is. She has different religious beliefs than David. That's all it is. That's all it is. And he wants to, he wants her to be medicated against her will. That when it's not a religious justification for their beliefs, but it's the sort of man yelling on the subway platform sort of stuff can be effective. And again, I'm not looking to stigmatize or attack or make. No, no. Fun. Don't, why, why do you make the preface? Just be honest. I'm being honest. I want you jailed. It's time to jail David Pakman. I'm not going to preface any of this shit. It's time to jail David Pakman. That's all. That's all. Enough. But I wonder how much <clears throat> of people getting sucked into these cults where they believe Trump was chosen by God to become some, some sort of messianic figure, how much of it might benefit 
from being treated as if it was just regular old psychosis or paranoid delusions. I know there's a ton of mental health professionals in the audience. So this is like more of the homosexual version of Cantano Habimana. Okay. Here is the uh, impeachment inquiry coverage. While this plays, I'm going to fix. The, well, my uh, friends, entropy. it brings me no pleasure to tell you they've done it. Republicans on a party line vote in the House of Representatives have decided they are making official the impeachment inquiry. President Joe Biden now thinking back to the Trump impeachment era some years ago, I do think it's important to remind everybody what the various steps are here. You have first an impeachment inquiry. Then you would have a vote on impeachment in the House. If indeed a president is impeached in the House, then the impeachment trial begins. The impeachment trial has the Senate as its jury. The case is presented by members of the House of Representatives that want to impeach the president. They present their case. Senators vote either to convict or to acquit. As you may remember, under Donald Trump, he was impeached twice, impeached, meaning that the House voted yes, we are impeaching him and we are going to try him in the Senate. Both of those trials ultimately leading to the acquittals okay. of failed Entropy former President Donald Trump. So we are in thinking of where we are here already. Some folks confused thinking Biden was impeached yesterday. He was not. This was a vote to formalize an impeachment inquiry. And there is every reason to believe that Republicans are determined ultimately, no matter what the facts show. And so far, the facts show absolutely no criminality, no high crimes or misdemeanors. And we will get to that. But Republicans increasingly seem determined, no matter what the facts show, eventually to impeach Joe Biden. Let's start with this report from The New York Times. House approves Biden impeachment inquiry as Republican Party hunts for an offense. They've not been able to quantify what is the offense. They've not been able to explain what evidence of a crime they have. Again, again, this is not the part in the process in which they deliver the charges. That's the, like the, it's just hilarious that they are pretending that it's odd that there's no charges levied at this juncture. It, that's just not how it works. And many of you know that because we've been looking at those clips for a long time. New York Times writing Republicans are pushing forward with a formal investigation, even though their year long scrutiny of the president and his family has turned up no evidence Total of lie. high crimes Total nor of lie. misdemeanors. Republicans said this is their justification. Republicans said the vote was needed to give them full authority to continue carrying out their investigation amid anticipated legal challenges from the White House. Democrats have denounced the inquiry as a fishing expedition and a political stunt. I mean, you have no leg to stand on after the two Trump uh, sham impeachments. We're going to deal with that claim specifically in a moment. Here is 30 seconds of video from the House of Representatives when on a straight party line vote, uh, the decision was made to open this inquiry. Take a listen. vote. The yeas are 221 and the nays are 212. The resolution is adopted. 
Right. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. There you go. So a uh, jubilant and uh, defiant Republican Party saying uh, we are doing this thing. Now, there is uh, one element of this that I, I want to discuss. It's essentially BS. The, the approach of saying we don't have the proof, but we need the power of the inquiry to find the proof so that they don't stonewall us. It's 90 percent BS. And even Republicans like Mitt Romney have said you should have the evidence first and then move on to an inquiry. Some Republicans like Nancy Mace and others have said they need the power of the inquiry in order to get the evidence they need. If you research the question, do congressional investigative powers have more teeth if they are part of an official impeachment inquiry? Legal opinion is divided on it. I think this is the most objective way to say it. Overwhelmingly, what you will find are legal opinions that say you don't automatically get any special powers. The House has investigative powers, period, as the body that it is, as the legislative body that it is, it has investigative powers. One could argue that courts may be more deferential to an official impeachment inquiry than the day to day investigative powers of the House. One could argue those who are subpoenaed might take the subpoenas more seriously if they come from an official impeachment inquiry rather than just the House Judiciary Committee doing its normal day to day. But that's really on the fringes. It's not a very strong case that opening an impeachment inquiry suddenly grants the House additional powers. Might their powers be taken more seriously? Might courts look a little more strongly at their view if it's part of an official impeachment inquiry? Yeah, maybe, but we're not talking about a mind blowing difference here. So in general, the argument that unless we do this, they won't give us any of the evidence and we'll be able to get it by making this an official inquiry. Five percent true, ninety five percent propaganda. Let's now move on to what this is really about. Let's not do the thing this. Okay, Republicans lose their minds over. Uh, uh, so, so again, again, it's just amazing. They, they, they are outraged when Steve Bannon and anyone else defy a subpoena, but now they're fine with Hunter Biden defying a subpoena, and now are criticizing Republicans for having a problem, and calling out the double standard. After uh, Hunter Biden showed up in Washington, D.C. and said publicly, my dad had nothing to do with my business. You've been making my life a living hell. Okay, for so that's a lie. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. So already, not even 10 seconds in, you get your first homosexual lie from David Pakman. Now, you might say, what's the difference between a homosexual lie and a regular lie? That's a good point. I just like I just think the word's funny. But anyway, so Hunter Biden said that his dad was not financially involved in his businesses. That's very careful legalese right there. That's a prepared statement prepared from lawyers, obviously. So you're misquoting Hunter Biden, David. Sears, my words, not his. You're belittling my recovery. Oh, now you're admitting it. Yeah, your words, not his, exactly. You're from addiction. You're belittling the problem that I had, a drug, drug use disorder. Um, Republicans are just furious. They're absolutely furious. By the way, Jim Jordan, who himself has ignored subpoenas, is furious 
that Hunter Biden won't testify behind closed doors for them. Listen to this guy. Second thing I would say is this. In a few hours, I think the House of Representatives is going to pass the, the impeachment inquiry. They did. And that is an important step. If you talk to any scholars in this, I think we could proceed as we did under Speaker McCarthy, where he announced it. But this is an important step. The impeachment power resides solely with the House of Representatives. If right. a majority of the House now says we're in an, an official impeachment inquiry as part of our constitutional duty to do oversight, that carries weight. That's going to help us get these witnesses in. And maybe most importantly, regarding this morning's activities, this is the argument that the White House and Hunter Biden's counsel used to say he shouldn't come. Okay. We disagree. We thought he should have been here. But when we take that vote this afternoon, what's our argument going to be then? We think he should come in. And so and if he doesn't, we're going to we're going to move forward with uh, contempt proceedings. There's a process we have to follow, but we plan to do that. All right. So they are saying he is not showing up to testify the way we want him to testify behind closed doors. And we are going to move to hold him in contempt, says Jim Jordan, who himself has refused to appear for lawful subpoenas. He's one of the loudest screaming about this. Why? So again, the January 6th committee, I will point out, did not actually have the ability to subpoena because they were not legislating. But they did anyway. These subpoenas were not valid. And they, and they even uh, jammed up Steve Bannon with one uh, legally. So that's crazy. But that, from what I understand, I believe that's how it works. A committee's got to be legislating. If they're not legislating, then they can't issue subpoenas. And uh, what was the legislating the January 6th committee was doing? Not, not, none that I'm aware of because the rules don't apply to them. The rules don't apply when they are inconvenient. Total projection. Marjorie Taylor Greene furiously tweeting rather than follow the lawful subpoena for a deposition issued by James Comer. Hunter Biden decided to play circus outside the Capitol this morning. President Trump's own children sat for hours of depositions after being subpoenaed countless times by Democrats. We must immediately move forward to hold Hunter in contempt of Congress and then going forward and publishing this bit of an interview with her, where now apparently she is the arbiter of what is good, right, moral, and legal. Forward, follow the process uh, for contempt of Congress, um, which absolutely should be done. Hunter Biden refusing to show up today is unacceptable. President Trump's own children set for hours and hours, seven, eight, nine hours each of them, um, uh, in front of Democrat-led committees. Why, why is it a double standard for the Biden family? Um, Hunter Biden clearly is trying to hide and cover up the money laundering and the <laughs> abuse of power that he and his father are guilty of. Yes, that very, that, that wide spanning criminal conspiracy for which Marjorie and other Republicans have still been able to find zero evidence. Republican Congresswoman Nancy Bullshit. Mace tweeting out, in oversight committee room, we're waiting. If Hunter Biden doesn't show up, hold him in contempt. They should be mad at their fellow Republicans for making them look this dumb. This is their fault. They it's their fault that Hunter Biden is defying a lawful subpoena. Mm -hmm. It's not Hunter Biden's fault, of course. It insisted. Just like it's Donald Trump's fault every time Hunter smoked crack and fucked an underage prostitute. That's goddamn Donald Trump's fault. Can't believe Trump would do that. Why would he do that? That they want to move forward with this entire sham impeachment with no evidence. They insisted they need the inquiry even without evidence to find the evidence that they say is being covered up. But we have no evidence even exists, right? We, we, don't, we don't know that it even exists. And they got themselves in too deep. They're in over their heads and they now can't back out of it. So what can they do? 
claim it's all cover up, claim everybody else is breaking the law, even though they do the same thing. So ultimately, is Hunter Biden going to sit down in public behind closed doors and answer questions? I don't know. I have no problem with him doing it. I don't believe at this time that there is any evidence that Joe Biden is linked to any of the wrongdoing that has allegedly taken place. Bullshit. They've not identified the crimes. They not, they've not identified the misdemeanors, the wrongdoing. If they do, I will be here and I will tell oh, you. I'm sure you'll be the first one, David. You'll be the first one to defend Joe Biden. Yeah, Joe Biden's not special. He's not exempt, mm -hmm. but they've got to put forward some evidence. And if it doesn't exist, it's already happened. Let's just say it doesn't exist and you messed up. I'll respect them more than if they go forward with an impeachment despite no evidence. Again, total bullshit. Let's see. Transphobia is expensive, according to barely attractive Emma. Josh of, of the Ettinger Mentum newsletter, uh, you wrote this piece back in, in March that I've been wanting to have you on uh, to discuss for a while now, the modern electoral history of transphobia. Um, thanks so much for coming on. I, re I cite it all of the time when I hear from liberals. Mm -hmm about how being strong on trans issues, protecting trans people is somehow a liability at the ballot box. Yeah, that's like, it's, it was really strange doing the research with this and even like kind of thinking about it beforehand because that was such a strong myth. People would just say out of hand, like, oh, all these woke policies, like bathrooms, like that's what's killing Democrats. But like, if you just looked at a very cursory history of the times that this has been a major electoral issue, it's been terrible for Republicans. It's not just in blue states. Like, my uh, approach for it is I went from, like, 2015 basically to the present day, starting in North Carolina and to the 2022 midterms, and I wanted to give kind of a balanced kind of, like, story, like, oh, this is where it's worked, this is where it hasn't. But when I was doing research, I couldn't find a single example of where it was successful. All of the times where they've attempted these, like, making transphobia a major issue of political campaigns, it has basically ended in failure. And I thought that, um, like, just putting that, like, in a timeline could be an effective way of kind of definitively showing that this is not really the issue people think it is politically. Well, let's go through that timeline then um, and talk a bit about mm -hmm. those early losses and when the uh, issue of trans people started cropping up uh, within the uh, the, mm -hmm. the right-wing legislative movement. Um, at North Carolina's bathroom bill is is the the time I would say that the right planted their flag on this issue and tried to make it a thing. And this was a bit of a ramp up period because the the mm -hmm. this bathroom bill at the time I remember. It was condemned and CEOs started to say we're not going to do business in North Carolina and and and, and yeah. things like that, which sounds probably a bit foreign to uh, to people now, given how widely spread uh, these state legislature driven trans uh, trans affirming care bills and, and drag bans, um, you know, how, how I would say uh, widespread they are, but just take us back to that time period in North Carolina and the context of how that started. Yeah, so, uh, well, like they've been pushing bathroom bills specifically starting around the early like 2010s and 2013. Uh, yeah, 2013, uh, it was this um, organization called the Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, which is a very like influential Christian conservative and like classified as a hate group by I think the Southern Poverty Law Center. Again, Southern Poverty Law Center has no credibility. And they created model legislation for these bathroom bills, and uh, they hadn't actually been passed anywhere. But what was going on in North Carolina is that Republicans there 
had tremendous levels of legislative control. They had supermajorities. They had the governorship. And they uh, were considered by national movement conservatives, conservatives as a laboratory state to pass these sorts of, like, the most far-right policies to see basically what they would do to test them out. There were other states like this, like Wisconsin with anti-labor legislation and Kansas with tax cut legislation were also seen as laboratories. But um, North Carolina was um, sort of the like the electoral and social issues laboratory for them. It was one of the first places they passed um, uh, um, voter ID laws. So mm. you can't separate this push from the other like parts of the right-wing project. And the first uh, move was made by the Charlotte City Council, basically. You can, like, this is all, like, inside of the story. I'm just kind of looking back at it, uh, where they passed a bill that would, uh, like, kind of establish um, uh, prohibiting discrimination on uh, gender identity in their public accommodations. And the government there in North Carolina freaked out about this. They passed a bill that um, took total local control out of how, like, local municipalities could handle this and they also outlawed like changes in the minimum wage it was just a kind of a power grab and like you said it created a huge backlash it was considered a very new thing uh it was a totally new but it issue. wasn't really a backlash it was manufactured backlash it was it was uh, activists leaning on um the nba and other uh, companies to punish north carolina uh and and it wasn't really organic outrage and that's one of the reasons that they're losing now because um they don't have the support of normal people with this shit so they're get there's a lot of reversals happening especially in red states um all right here's bald fuckface talking about sydney powell they want sydney powell to go to prison um because they don't like her apology as part of the plea deal as part of the plea deals that the four co-defendants in Georgia who were indicted, but they've all now taken plea deals, all four of them were required to write letters to, you know, the state of Georgia, the voters of Georgia, the election workers, uh, basically one letter apologizing to all of these individuals whose lives they turned upside down, you know, and showing their remorse for what they did. Now, two of these co-defendants had written their letters previously, and they were nice, long, sincere-sounding letters. And those two people, of course, are Scott Hall, who was the bail bondsman that was a part of the thing. He, he wrote a pretty good letter. Jenna Ellis wrote a pretty good letter where, uh, you know, she said, What I did, what I did not do, but should have done, Your Honor, was to make sure that the facts the other lawyers alleged to be true were in fact true. In the frenetic pace of attempting to raise challenges to the election in several states, including Georgia, I failed to do my due diligence. And then, of course, you had Scott Hall, who said, I owe you an apology. I wish I had never involved myself in the post-election activities that brought me before the court. And he continued, but both of these people, right? Scott Hall, Jenna Ellis said, like, listen, I messed up. I messed up and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry for what it did to all of you. Those are good letters. And then you've got Sidney Powell, who also had to write a letter, and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution got a hold of her letter and the letter written by another uh, disgraced Trump lawyer, Kenneth Chesbro. And both of those letters, the one from Powell and the one from Chesbro, were each one sentence 
long. That's it. Everybody else wrote these big, long things full of remorse. Like I'm super sorry. I'm an idiot. I screwed up. Powell and Chesbro were like, here's your one sentence. Go piss off now. Good. Here's what their respective letters said. This is what Sidney Powell wrote. And to her credit, at least she hand wrote it. It said, I apologize for my actions and connections with the events in Coffee County. Period. <laughs> That's it. That's literally it. I apologize for my actions and connection with the That's events great. in Coffee County. That's great. I, I mean, it's, I, it's not perfect. I hate the word apologize being there. I know there's, this is legally required, so I don't know what you can really do. Okay? Uh, but she did the bare minimum. And uh, good. Fuck all of this. You were indicted on racketeering charges and six other felonies and all Eat you did. dick. It's all bullshit. Yeah, I'm sorry what I did over there. Yeah. Good. Horrible. Blah. <laughs> this is the most... What she did in Coffee County is no different than anything Mark Elias has ever done anytime he's fought in court for Democrats over a case related to voting machines. So get the fuck out of here with this bullshit. Pathetic, like, insincere apology I have ever seen. Good. And then Kenneth Chesbro... Chesbro wrote, I apologize to the citizens of the state of Georgia and of Fulton County for my involvement in count 15 of the indictment. Good. Like, you don't even bother to say, like, what that count was. You're he, just like, uh, count 15. He can write whatever the fuck he wants, asshole. Teen, uh, you can look it up if you want to know. I got shit to do. I'm busy guy. I'm cooperating. By the way, like these are supposed to be the key people flipping on Trump. I've not seen anything from either of them that shows anything that so far that they've said that would be bad for Trump. Um, I would not be surprised if fat slob Jenna Ellis tr makes up some bullshit or something, I don't know, or like gets on the stand and does some fucking performance. That wouldn't surprise me at all because she's a goddamn snake. But pal, so far, I you know, look, if it happens, I'll absolutely call it. But... No, I'm not. See I'm just not seeing. I'm not seeing it. Pal still thinks the election was stolen. She hasn't said the election was legitimate. She hasn't said any, you know, like, look, I don't like the fact that it that it's technically an apology and, I, and you should never apologize to these people. Now, you're in a bit of a situation if you took a plea deal and they require this. I don't know. Like, is this the bare minimum that you can get away with? I don't know. I don't know. I, you know what would have made this perfect? You know what have made this perfect? If she put the word totally in between I and apologize, if she would have wrote, I totally apologize for my actions, then like a sarcastic totally would have been fantastic. Eight other investigations. Sarcastic um, totally. <laughs> Chesbro, as with Powell, was also indicted for racketeering and six other felonies. So you would think with seven felonies apiece... Yeah, but like, again, maybe bald faggot, they're not legitimate this is all a, a railroading it's a political hit job be seven sentences okay you don't you don't have to write like the five paragraph format with your intro your conclusion and three supporting paragraphs in between okay we're not talking about like a middle school term paper here but maybe more than one sentence maybe something that actually says like you screwed up they didn't even admit that president biden won they didn't even say that Trump lost. They're just like, yeah, I'm sorry I was here. <laughs> Georgia sucks. I hate it. I wish I had never come here. Like, say something to indicate that you're actually sorry. 
if I were the prosecutors in this case, I would demand that both of these two idiots, Powell and Chesbro, go back to the drawing board, give them a whole stack of notebook paper. It's say, now you write a letter that actually sounds like you're sorry, because if you don't, I'm going to claim that you're violating the plea deal. And then we're going to go to trial. Let's see what kind of letter they write after a threat like that. Yeah, well, see, you know what? If if great things happen if, and if we get the ending we want, I'm not going to require an apology from you. I'm not going to care about an apology. I'm just going to press the button for the sunrise. That's all. Anyway, Trump supporters say they love the idea of him becoming a dictator. Yeah, okay. So it's been a little over a week since Donald Trump went on Sean Hannity's program for his poorly rated town hall, by the way. And uh, of course, during that time, it's when Donald Trump made his pledge that he wants to be dictator for just one day. This past weekend, of course, Donald Trump reiterated that claim in a speech at the New York Young Republicans Gala, where he said, I want to be dictator just for one day. So now that we've had some time, now that the dust has settled on that, the question is, what do Donald Trump's supporters think of him saying he's going to be a dictator, right? But We're he didn't get say rid that. Of- You're just changing what he said of our republic. We're going to get rid of our representative yeah, democracy. He didn't, he didn't say anything like that. You're just making that up. See, and it's going to be a dictatorship. And let's be honest, anybody who's saying, well, just one day, you're lying to yourself. Trump was testing the waters and it turns out, um, the waters are pretty damn warm. Here is what Trump supporters have to say about his claims to be a dictator. One of them told the Washington post this week, quote, I love it. My kids call me a dictator. I thought my parents were dictators. He said he was only going to do it for a day. Like if you had a home that was an anonymous person quoted from raw story. Yeah, that's credible. That's totally credible. In disrepair and your parents came in and they were firm and they wanted to get it done. And when you got done, you had this beautiful home. How could you be mad? Why don't you quote nigger Hitler 42069 from the internet? I mean, really, like what what I'm supposed to take this uh, anonymous, anonymous, uh, anonymous, anonymous quote seriously from a Trump supporter as if it represents anything. Give me a break with this shit. That actually sounds like a pretty traumatizing childhood. Yeah, you you have issues that you need to work out with a therapist. Please, for the love of God, don't pass that on to your kids. Although from your statement, sounds like you already did. But she started off again by saying, I love it. Hey, Trump says he wants to be a dictator. What do you think about that? I love it. Another Trump supporter said, I don't think he meant what everybody's saying, being a dictatorship. And and actually, you know, right now under Biden, that's probably what we got because he does what he wants to do and he's not really listening to the voters. I also love how you didn't back that up with literally any evidence at all because there's no evidence. Like Biden does what he wants. Like what? Like what? Give me an example. My inbox is open if you ever want to send me one. Then you had Republicans on Twitter, because I'm not going to call it by that letter. So uh, uh, they would be talking about, obviously, Joe Biden and imprisoning his political opponents. Gavin Mario Wax, I leader of the New York that. Young Republican Club, said, quote, All right, that's an actual person. I want to go on him. record and say I am fully supportive of President Trump becoming dictator for one day, so long as he works with the New York Young Republican Club on getting the best staging and optics. This is art. It's art getting rid of our whole system of government. This is art. Reed Cooper, 
19 years old, a self-described number one fan of Trump, wrote on social media. Oh. I want to go on record and say well, I am fully... A 19-year-old represents the whole group. ...supportive of President Trump becoming dictator for a lot more than one day. Told you. I told you. Yeah. I told you yeah, the you other told. day. Yeah. The one-day thing is going to grow. It's going to grow to one week. It's going to grow to one month. One You're a moron. You're a moron year and his supporters are going to love it all the way and now even though trump hasn't progressed it to more than one day his supporters are already like let's do let's do more than a day they they love it another one i can't wait for the next donald trump dictator administration who agrees <laughs> another one Democrat leftards are going to be playing this clip from Sean, from Hannity of Trump until election day. Trump said he'll be a dictator for one day to close the border and drill, baby, drill. I can't wait. I love it. I can't wait. I want it more than a day. And then, to make things even worse, uh, our good friend David Pakman <laughs> posted this message that he got. <laughs> From somebody <laughs> who, you know, you hates fucking disingenuous testicle. You are even laughing. You know that this is a fucking joke and you're trying to take it serious. And that, that actually makes it better. I wish he didn't break character there because I was hoping that he was seriously afraid of this. But obviously he knows it's a joke. It's his show. Uh, let me read you this again. David Pakman shared this on social media on Wednesday. This person wrote to David Pakman and said, when the time comes, you will fall in line and stand before our glorious new king of America, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> Trump 2024, Trump 2028, Trump 2032, Trump 2036, Trump 2040, one nation under Trump. You will profess love on your channel for our king or we will shut you down. <laughs> That's what we're dealing with. For the record, I'm yes, actually going to... we're dealing with memes. Oh, I can't believe it be filling in for david packman again uh oh, next God. friday december 22nd so make sure you tune into that but that's beside the point this is what we're dealing with trump can come out and say he wants to be a dictator he wants to be the king of america and rather than recoiling in horror at the thought of that his supporters are cheering it on i don't know what we're headed towards but I can promise you... Hopefully your side getting fucking crushed is what we're headed towards. It's not going to be the United States of America mm -hmm. that we've known for so many years. Yeah, but yeah. You, you, already, you already did that. That's the thing. So whatever the blowback is, that's what you brought upon yourself. If, and that's a big if. Trump wins re-election. <clears throat> well, we'll see what happens. Sketty nigga says, uh, Yo, H-A-B, I am the spaghetti nigga. Uh, are you an honorary Italian with a very honorary name like Don Giovanni? Or are you a disgraced WAP who is a very American? Don't disappoint me, HB. We do have a premium olive oil for you, mi amigo. I think Sketty Nigga is trying to get me to give my real name. <laughs> Silky Johnson says, HB, let's say the good guys pull a big one and we cleanse the filth. Can we return to normal after the tranny faggot pedo damage? Well, we remember normal. What about the kids abused and damaged because of the filth? Uh, would us winning be enough? I don't know. I don't know. I would think that if you do fix the commie problem, which is, you know, that's a big job. I would think you'd be able to be somewhat normal. Is You just, you got to make sure, here's the problem. I, I think that, like, the people who built this country 
um, understood the nature of commies. That's why they had in the law ways to deal with commies. You could fire someone for being a commie. Now, the, there's challenges in the definition of a commie, and uh, that, that can get tricky, especially since they redefine everything, and you, you, know, you can't make it where they can just label themselves something else, and then you can't fire them. Like, that's crazy. So there, would, you, there, there has to be a way to figure that out. Um, but, yeah, it, you would just have to make sure, if you fix the commie problem, you just have to make sure that there are mechanisms in place to make sure they never get a, a foothold again into anything. And that can be difficult. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a hell of a thing that we're about to see in the next year. It is going to be completely crazy. So, you know, hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe it's not crazy. Maybe they, uh, maybe they, uh, they concede. Trump wins, they concede, and then, you know, but that just doesn't seem like they're interested in doing that. So we'll have to see. All right. That's the end of the stream. Uh, next stream is, what is this, Saturday? So it'll be Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can get an archive on Rumble, rumble.com slash user slash Hard News Network, or on Podbean, hardnewsnetwork.podbean.com, or um, Twitter, at LiveHNN. Thank you for all the people that sent Super Chats, uh, Streamlabs, and, uh, oh, one second, let me check. Uh, just, uh, entropy went down, but I think I put it back up. Let me just make sure. One second. Okay, I think we're good. Yeah, Entropy was having problems tonight. Um, okay. Um, yeah, so tomorrow I'm going to put together the whiteboard. I might uh, start working on the whiteboard video, but we'll we'll see. Uh, but yeah, next news stream, uh, Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, wherever you're watching on the stream or on the archive, I appreciate it. I'll see you guys on um, Tuesday. I am the Hard Bastard. Thank you for watching.